you just push a little more power into Atlanta. A little more air conditioners for your smug little suburb. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to rape this whole goddamn landscape. We're going to rape it. Three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host. The man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women, but hates the woman. From the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood 616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican. JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 110 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the master blaster, the ill-mented hip-hop whore podcaster, the M-double-O-D to the Z and the place to be. That Cyclops vision, y'all know me. Yeah. Also in the fucking house, we have the mad Mexican, the man who will argue the fact that a fact cannot be a fact. Double Shot J, a.k.a. JP. Next up, we have the little Jew boy who still breastfeeds on his mother's left titty. NES Ruler 22, a.k.a. Jeremy the Jew. And last up, we have this dude back on the show for a cool 12th time. D-Nice, the Boston Brando, a.k.a. 10 out of 10. Derek here. What's going on, homies? 13th time? 13th time. 13th. Is it the 13th or the 12th? 13. He did 11 originals with us up to 99, and then oh. he came back for 100. Oh. I just want to call out Some... this motherfucking Andrew McLoyd right now. Yes. You know, I've I've had two weeks all built up to call out this mofo motherfucking ass. <laughs> this son of a bitch. Fucker. Calm, calm your ass down. No, 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 no. This mofo is the newest vice president in the hall of fuckers behind Jerry. Yeah, at least if you start calling out command. somebody, at least do it in the microphone. Like your head, you look like fucking Stevie yeah, Wonder like over there. You're like bobbing up and down. You look like he looks because... like the geekiest Stevie Wonder. He's like, oh, oh, he's fucking fuck. always he looks like Mike Go oh, go 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 fuck yourself. Yeah, I, I'm gonna change that to a Baker's dozen time. D nice sorry for the fuck up but <laughs> it was pretty good yeah. it was one it was one shot yeah so. yeah it was good so who the so fuck are you call- calling out now jerry so so what is your beef dude well, okay what's going on so here? derek knows what's up two weeks ago i called out what the hell is up with all these people asking about what is going to be up with moods next shelf video because like i was reading the comments on the podcast <laughs> on his face on his youtube like i do every week just to see what people are saying and like literally <laughs> three people asked when his next shelf video is going to be yeah, and then like i go on the facebook page and this motherfucking andrew mcloyd is saying the same thing like oh hey moods when is your next shelf video going to be and i put and i wrote on the facebook wall i said what the fuck is up with all these mofos asking about shit about shelf 17 these comments were all about were all about this on episode 108 and not about me fuck that and then he said jp is the greatest in the podcast moods is the best in his videos and then he said who are you question mark he's so the other guy fuck that mofo he didn't even but know, you know who what I was. you know what even with all that said he did he actually did give you props on the dead mail segment 
He did like yeah. So there you go, mm-hmm. man. He actually gave you a compliment, and here you are ripping him a new asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's messed up, man. Come on, dude. Fuck that guy. No, no if no, you no. would listen, you should take this as criticism and and be like, oh, well, if I just didn't suck all the time, then maybe I would get some props every once in a while. Oh, <laughs> shut up! I don't suck all the time. I've come up with many good things on the show. Hey, hey, hey. Jeremy, oh, j- just at feeding time the- on his mother's titty. Right, I know. With all the faults of Jeremy, he did one good thing. He added me to the Facebook group, and that's how I met all you guys. I, oh, I, I told you, it's, it's that sand in my vagina. People aren't contributing to the Patreon as much as they I should think be. Just present. <laughs> did you just pronounce vagina with an F? Vagina. 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 Listen, I told dude, you, we just so need funny. more people. If to you guys donate. remember a way while back before the other guy, there was the third stringer. You guys remember that? The third stringer. Yes. <laughs> the third stringer. <laughs> uh, even anyway. Derek, the historian of 22 so Shots of Moots and Horror, doesn't remember the third stringer. <laughs> yeah. Inside joke for longtime listeners. So uh, you mentioned yeah, Patreon, yeah. and I did want to just shout out the homies that donated recently. We got Exploding Heads uh, Horror Movie Podcast. They, they donated uh, a nice, cool... I don't even know what they donated, honestly. Way to be prepared, you jackass. <laughs> Is it the director spotlight or trilogy? Or, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think it was 30. One. Yeah, I think so. Whoa, whoa. Who was this? Exploding Heads. Oh, Exploding Heads. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, which is cool. I, I don't know what they're going to make us watch. Hopefully, um, it's not the Boogeyman films like Moods. I <laughs> 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 oh, fucking punished their uh, asses, didn't I? <laughs> that was fucking so funny. Did Chris. you let them know? Is that what you're doing? Uh, I think I told Brandon. Yeah. Okay. Pretty sure. Uh, it was kind of funny. No, I, th- I did tell Brandon. I'm pretty sure he relayed the message. That's why Dave won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually funny because when you were thinking about it, when we were on Skype with Brandon that one time, and you <laughs> private messaged me, I was just fucking dying laughing. Oh, I'm <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also have Derek uh, Lineger, who uh, pledged five. Thanks, homie. Thank you, Derek. Big ups. Yep. Big ups. Look at this mofo Derek saying like he's part of the show saying thank you. Look at this guy. Then we had uh, Joey Plesh pledge another five. So thank you, homie. Uh, You're the shit. And uh, I just wanted to let everybody know that um, basically uh, we did a live stream the other night. It was like impromptu. We were going to record a show. Moods got sick. We did. Me and Jeremy decided to do like a live stream instead uh, we will try to do one of those per month at least, but hopefully like one or two, maybe even three. Uh, and we will let you guys know ahead of time um, when we plan on doing them. Yeah, um, just go back and listen. You'll learn a whole bunch of things like Carly, Carly's a lesbian and you get to listen to me talk about Sangoria. Cunningham for 20 minutes as I read this article. Was it 20? It seemed like 30. People are making fun <laughs> of me and all this stuff this stupid ass <laughs> article that has nothing to do with chauncey cunningham even though they advertise this something to do with chauncey cunningham but you'll learn a whole bunch of stuff of why do you stuff. keep saying sean c cunningham i know what the fuck is like <laughs> sean c he's obsessed what with cool dude you're fucking what obsessed with cool dude man sean s dude sean oh, s, s. Yeah, not sean c that was close enough dude you literally always have cool dude on your mind i know because they won't Hey, I better you say dynamics, though. <laughs> so uh, I'll try to make yeah, the so, next one. These live ones. Yes. I'll try to make the next one. I was 
without a doubt, done. I was sick. So that's my excuse. Yeah. I'll see you guys next and time. And if we do it on Moods' channel, it'll probably be a better turnout too. So um, hopefully he'll be around for the next one. We'll try to plan at least one a month, but hopefully a little bit more. Uh, I am going to add – I am going to add the um, commentary perk on the Patreon. Uh, somebody actually gave us a shout-out the other day and said, we have the absolute best Patreon out of all the podcasts they, they support and have seen uh, because of our reward tiers, which I think is awesome because I, we really did like think about it a lot, and we do want to really give back to people. And speaking of giving back, Jeremy, I believe you announced a little thing on the Facebook page. Yeah, so everybody who supports us – during the month of August will be entered into a giveaway for these two Synap Blu-rays that I got to give away for you guys. And all you have to do is be a supporter of the Patreon up until September 1st. So if you are a member starting on September 1st, you'll be entered into this giveaway to win these two Synapse Blu-rays. And we will announce the winner of this on the first show that we do in the month of September. Correct. So stay tuned for that. And there are two Synapse Blu-rays we're going to be giving away. If you guys watch my unboxing for Moods' package that he sent me, I'll be giving away the new Synapse release of Phenomenomenomena, as I like to pronounce Sorry, it. Sorry, Argento. Sorry, Argento. Really nice to this set from Synapse. comes with the uh, U.S. cut of the film Creepers, and it comes with the original cut. And then uh, the third, the second disc comes with another cut of the film, uh, the six minute. What's the difference between the 160 minute cut moods and the 110 minute cut? Off the top of my head, not really too sure. I think there's a few scenes that are in Italian in the longer cut. I believe actually most of the scenes are dialogue scenes, aren't they? I think it's. They might be. It's been a while since I watched it. Yeah, I can't remember. And we got more special features. So if you guys didn't get a chance to pick up that arrow set that Moods was graciously graciously enough, nice enough to send to me. Gracious that, enough? Uh-huh. Gracious, <laughs> graciously, graciously, close Gracious enough. enough. <laughs> no, I think it could be plural. Graciously. Huh? Graciously is a word. If graciously you enough? Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I think this is... I think this set pretty much has everything on here that's on that set. It has like a documentary about Argento and things like that, so you get to be entered in to win that. And then as well, you'll be able to win The Creep Behind the Camera, which is like a Ed Wood-style type of a film where it's a film about the making of The Creeping Terror, which is also on this set, and so like a really horrible movie. I've never seen it, but I would assume based on what Moots and Derek says, it's a pretty shitty movie. So all you got to do... Support the Patreon in the month of August, and you'll be entered to win both of those Blu-rays from Synapse. So stay you know it's bad if a creature feature is fucking not getting my attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, I mean, and this is something that we're going to do each and every month, guys. To anybody uh, who supports the Patreon, we will have a uh, giveaway of some sort. It might not always be, you know, two. $20 Blu-rays or whatever, but uh, we'll definitely be giving back. I still have a few prizes not claimed from the episode 100. And by the way, I still have not shipped out anything. That is happening either tomorrow, uh, the 24th of August, or the 25th of August. I'm finally going to make my way up to the post office and get some stuff sent out. So I do apologize for the delay. Uh, as well as the Hack-A-Lantern uh, giveaway that was done by Corey. 
uh, I will be sending that to uh, the winner, which I think who was who was the winner? Didn't I the same the dude win that that won another one? Yes, too? he won Deathline too, <laughs> so and I didn't even yeah, realize yeah. it. Lucky yeah. bastard! The last two, the last two um, raffles, he won. <laughs> so, I always want to enter into those. I, I would have done the Deathline. I want one. to too, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I just it just it feel it doesn't feel right. You know, I always like if I actually I won, I'd be like, oh. money to fucking do it. <laughs> I'd rather save my money and buy a Big Mac or something. Yeah. Speaking of which, you know, we do have to up, uh, update our um, domain name. It actually expires in a couple of days, so we will have to, uh, you know, use some Patreon money for that, which is great because we uh, actually have it and we don't have to pay out of pocket this year. I'm really excited about that. Uh, so, yeah, yeah man, support Patreon uh, and pick what we watch, like today's show, which is. Uh, Picked by Derek, who supported yeah. the picture on. Uh, so the way I get guess on the show now, I gotta pay. <laughs> he, he had to pay. T- he had to pay for two non-horror films. So here we go. <laughs> two non-horror films: oh. A Boy and His Dog Part Two. Yeah, and oh, last thing, I did want to make one more announcement. Do you, you guys ready to announce Italian Month? Yeah. Have you finalized your picks, Moods? Uh, I believe so. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, week one. Well, the weeks are subject to change. Based, Damon, on- you made me throw out my paper that had my shit on it because I announced <laughs> it on the live stream. God damn it! Uh, so, the 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 one that I picked is a return uh, with Argeno. So we're doing Argeno three, and that will be phenomena, which we just talked about. Uh, and we'll be giving away before Italian month. So one lucky winner will get to prepare for Italian month with us. Uh, also Tenebrae and Deep Red. So those are the three films that we're covering for Argeno this year. This is the third Argeno, the only returnee, uh, which I, I was very, very uh, passionate about and, and wanted to happen. I wanted to have uh, a familiarity uh, at least one every year. Yeah, but this um, mofo's trying to sway me to pick what he wants, even though he fucking wants to be a bastard and pick Argento. I wanted Jeremy <laughs> to pick Diodato because no, I fuck actually, this shit. You pick Diodato then. I actually I thought, I actually a hundred percent thought you pick was going to be Diodato. And when you when you text me who it was, I was like, wow, that really caught me off guard. Not bad. You're talking about me? Yeah. Yeah. I thought I, I thought it was gonna be a Diodato when you like when you told me what it was, I was like, holy shit, that's really good. Did some research yeah. I looked up movies that weren't out of print and weren't hard to find and weren't code reds or scorpions or none of that bullshit on movies that <laughs> so he, he didn't pick out of like curiosity, he picked out oh, of Oh, I read the synopsis. Availability. Availability, <laughs> the ones that are readily available on the cheapest. Okay, so what did you pick, Jim? I picked uh Andrea Bianchi. Good director. Uh, what the Peeper Saw, Strip Nude for Your Killer, and Burial Ground. Nice. Strip Nude. Good family fun. <laughs> <laughs> what the Peeper Saw. You guys. That's awesome. All right. And then we had the Patreon pick by Sam Edwards, who who snagged that up with the quickness. Uh, who did Sam pick? Uh, Sam Look at this mofo. I'm prepared again, just like Massimo Dalamano. <laughs> Dalamano films are. <laughs> I am actually not even sure what he picked. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at this mofo. He's still unprepared, dude. What is stopping you from being prepared? Oh, I know what films they picked. See, Derek's not even on the fucking show, and he knows. <laughs> that's that's, that's a, why Derek is more valuable than you. Is what have you done this alone? Peace out, then. Fuck you. I'll just be silent for twenty minutes, and you can see how the show goes. What Same have thing. you done to your daughters and Black Veil for Lisa? I believe where Sam's picks. 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Blackfield, yeah, that was the third one he picked for sure. So actually, that's, okay, that's pretty fucking cool too. And what about you, Moods? I picked Umberto Lenzi. Yes. And Umberto Lenzi is like, man, dude, there's so much. But I was like, man, I guess I'll stick with the horror because he dipped into so many subgenres. Uh, actually, quite a complicated pick. Um, but I decided to go with three different films uh, from three different subgenres. So I'm going to go with Spasmo, which is a giallo, a really stylistic giallo. Uh, Nightmare City, which is according to Lindsay is not a zombie film. It's more of an infection film. So we'll have an argument on that one mm-hmm. and cannibal Ferox, which is a cannibal film. Finally, so. I wanted to do Holocaust. That's why I wanted to do the Adato and was trying to influence Jeremy's pick, but I was yeah, going to pick eaten alive, but cannibal. I was like, ah, fuck it. We'll do cannibal Holocaust. So mm-hmm. I mean, cannibal Ferox. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So that's okay. Cool. I'm excited. I do have that. Uh, grindhouse release of that so that's pretty cool yeah it's a nice release all right so that's we wanted to announce italian month um we plan on maybe having some guests on that month you know mm-hmm. i have a feeling people are going to be like really no diodato <laughs> i know i know because we promised it last year we promised diodato last year and we didn't come through but there's always next year because italian month will live on forever well i'm not joking man i picked Lindsay thinking jeremy was going to pick diodato hands down so yeah well jeremy fucked that one up again jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> wow, no you got wow. those are good picks man those are good no it's a good pick though i can't i can't wait to do what the people saw strip nude that's good shit oh yeah it's good shit man good shit <laughs> all right so should we get into some news here yeah dude let's get into some goddamn news this is gonna be uh, pretty eventful news, man. We had a lot of stuff drop this week. Uh, so first up, um, I did want to just announce that Vestron uh, kind of uh, announced their last title for 2017. Uh, and with an interview with one of the guys who does the special features, I believe Michael Felsher or something, mm-hmm. he said that they do have more releases planned for early 2018. But this was their last one for 2017. And it is finally... The uncut edition of Slaughter High coming to Blu-ray, which I think a lot of people are really excited about that. That was one of the most highly requested titles uh, back when Scream Factory was in their heyday. Uh, you know, Arrow, everybody, everybody requested that <laughs> I title. Say, I got to say, man, of course, everybody and their goddamn grandma has been posting about this because, you know, people are excited, legitimately, you know, excited mm-hmm. about Slaughter High. But it's reading the comments that makes me laugh. It's like the first comment I read was, Whoa, I'm so surprised. And I'm like, what do you mean you're surprised? Have you not like saw what they've been doing? They're just they're just, they're just taking off the, the eight pack films. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's not overly that surprising that it came out. I mean, I I'm not trying to diss the announcer or anything. I think it's fantastic it's come to Blu-ray, but I just couldn't believe all the I'm so surprised Slaughter High's coming out. <laughs> like, really? Come on, peoples. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, it's it's totally not surprising other than the fact that they said that that it's uncut, which apparently um you couldn't do for a while. Like I guess like the argument that why Arrow never released it in the UK was that they didn't have that uncut footage. I don't so, get it though, man, because the DVD version from Arrow says it's the unrated <laughs> uncut version. So so the elements that they made up that edition with, they just felt, so they so they just felt that so they just felt weren't good enough to to do a two K scan with. Is that is that what we're dealing with here? 
I this I thought well, that's what Sam said. I don't know the story honestly. I shouldn't be. Well, I it might have to do with like maybe just the rights over here because it is a British film. Mm-hmm. So they had to get like that print to do the transfer for the U.S. release. True. No, 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 no. The Lionsgate owns this film. But they don't own it. I, I believe they own the elements. But the unrated version's been released in in Region One before with that with that title of unrated. So I'm wondering. Yeah, but the, is is it? But what I understood was the uncut elements to, that you actually have to have to do the transfer mm-hmm. didn't exist at the time or were like locked up. Okay, I, I just don't because you so. can do a DVD transfer without it being without <sighs> without having the the original negative or oh, whatever, of course. right? Like, can't you just use it? Of course. I don't know how that shit works, honestly. I shouldn't be well, it. But I'm just saying, cool, if they were though, using those elements, oh. if they were using those elements to paint those those crappy, you know, DVD unrated versions, they obviously had access to using those that footage, right? Mm-hmm. So why not, when the time comes to do the, the 2K, or, like, why was it such a big challenge to do this before if there was already a couple versions out that were labeled as unrated that has that footage stuck back in? Because they were DVDs, right? Yeah, but I mean, they obviously found, they obviously used the footage for that, though. Yeah, but it don't, like, ain't it if you there have, like, all a those print, DVDs full screen, though? It, it's the same reason yeah. that True full screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same reason that um, the My Bloody Valentine Blu-ray is has the scene um where the, like they're just using standard deaf scenes no 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 the, uh, no i know no i know that 100 i'm just saying um because a lot of people are saying oh that you know they never released the the blu-ray in north america be- because they were having problems with uh with the elements you know from the cut footage but that those elements were already found to release those dvd versions and I'm assume- no, but that's not necessarily the elements, right? That could just be a print. I don't think you can make a HD copy from a print. You have to have the original negative, right? Yeah. Is that how that works? Yeah, it's true. It is. True. I don't know how it works. I like. I do, don't really like talking about it. But that usually, much cut just- footage. But usually, cut footage is actually from the original negatives, right? That's not kinda- unless it's on a print. True. Yeah, like they stripped it. A copy. It is true. Um. So. Yeah, so that's coming out October thirty first, which I, I'm a little, I'm a little, like iffy on that release date. Like I, I feel like it should have been earlier in October, so you can have it for the Halloween season, not after. I feel like a lot of people slow down buying, you know, at the end of Halloween because they spend so much money during October. Yeah, that's true. But um, yeah, so well, Vestron, every company just goes apeshit usually in October too. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's one of those titles where, like, I'm not super excited about it because I don't like Slaughter High that much. I'm happy that it's finally uncut in HD. That's awesome. But I, I'm not, like, you know, stoked on it. I don't really like the movie that much. I know, Jeremy, you're the kind of the same on that, right? Yeah. I don't know, man. I think, I, I'm pretty... like, I, like I said, it's a, it's a cool release but a shitty announcement because it's like we all knew it was coming it was in that aid pack it's not nothing mind-blowing nothing like oh my god this is so awesome it's just like we all knew it was coming it's nothing fresh it's not like rumple skilled skin or anything artisan is getting released it's just yeah but it's a little bit anticlimactic really be pumped for rumple still skin it's a little bit anticlimactic it's something it's it's a out of print movie i mean i have it. it's like an out of print movie it's something different it's not something that you could have got relatively all the time you know Mm. 
dig yeah, into the artisan good. stuff, you know? Yeah, and Dar- I think they the, will, uh, man. I, I think they're just, you know, they're working with the because they have a little bit, right? They released the Warlock films, which were not in those eight packs. Yeah, and the Wishmaster. And the Wishmaster set. So I, I think that they will the further they get along. Uh, the the one good thing about them releasing these eight pack films and the and the other six pack film is that they're gonna run out of them, so they're they're going to be forced to release other cool shit, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm excited about. I think the main reason why they're doing that too is because those six and eight packs sold so damn well. Everybody you know? was crazy about them. Yeah, and yeah. so obviously it was the films that were on them. So why not put them into the best, you know, standard conditions and yeah, stuff put them in the best you conditions you can. So um, yeah, there's only a couple more films left though, like Class of 1999. I can't wait to buy Earth Girls. Is are easy? Ah, oh, dude, please. You think, do you think they're going to release uh, Return of the Living Dead uh, four and five? I don't know that <laughs> those were in that, the original packs though, right? Like those were in a third. But the thing is, that they were in they, that six pack. I think when that DVD, when Mike Flesher did his announcement, he did like some. There's something coming about dead in his announcement. Oh god! He ended <laughs> it with the word dead. Really? Yeah. Wonder what that could be. <laughs> a new dead movie. Return of Living Dead Four. Maybe, maybe they, they went after that. Return of Living Dead Part Two. That would be be cool. I think Warner Brothers owns that. They do. That would be a surprise announcement. And who usually works for Warner Brothers? Olive, right? No, they they work for Paramount. Warner does their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they've been putting some stuff out for Criterion lately, like a a blow-up. It was a Warner Brothers-owned film. Yeah, yes, it is. Paramount goes with all of. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, after that, we have Dead Snow Three is happening and will feature a zombie Hitler. So <laughs> <laughs> I love those movies. Those movies are fucking they awesome. Are, they're so they're fun. so fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see yeah, it. Any movie where a dude's getting a blumpkin is cool in my books, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, tell hey, me where Jerry Cola. gets them all the time. They're not on film, so oh. <laughs> just talk to Jerry. He'll tell you all about them. Uh, so Norwegian filmmaker Tommy uh, Workola, uh was interviewed while he was promoting his Netflix movie, and he basically said, just so you know, if you're a fan of the Dead S- Snows, the dead snows we're hoping to make uh one uh the third one in a few years uh we've got to finish the trilogy so i'm excited about that we've got to finish what we started all of us we have some ideas i think it's a natural to uh, it's natural to maybe put some of the story in south america uh where a lot of the nazis fled of course uh-huh. He added, we've got to top what we've done before. We have to bring back Hitler as well. Zombie Hitler. It, that just feels natural. <laughs> so I, think, I, think, I think it would be the perfect trilogy. You know, like I'm not like amazed by those movies, but I do like them. And I think that they're fun and I would be excited to see a third one. And I think a trilogy is where it needs to go. I think that would be a cool wrap up. Yeah. You can't stop it too, man. You got to keep it going. Got to yeah. keep it going. Uh, after that we have netflix uh set a couple of premiere dates for their netflix original films uh we have stephen king's 1922 premiering october 20th which is based on yeah 1922 uh 131 page story uh, of a man's confession of his wife's murder 
this is from the Full Dark No Stars, uh, I believe, um, compilation of shorts. Uh, and it is Four my stories. personal favorite Stephen King story. Um, I loved it. I don't know. It was just something that... Without um, a doubt, It was like one of the... Yeah, we have literally say? talked about this on the show, how they should adapt Here. that into a film. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Yep. Because they had already uh, did the... Um, anybody could do it. He has so many one. stories for sale for a dollar. All you got to do is go to his website, buy it for a dollar, and you can make a movie out of it. Mm-hmm. I know people what? do it all the really? time in film school. Yeah, if you go to his website, you'll. It, they're called Dollar Babies. And you go to his website, and he has a list of all his stories that film students could buy the rights to for a dollar. You buy the rights for a dollar, and then you're able to make them and do whatever you dude, want. Dude, that's but. fucking cool, man. Stephen King's a cool dude. Yep. Oh, yeah. Huh. Called Dollar Babies. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, that that's a film that we I'm really excited for. I, I hope they can capture what I've always felt the film was like, um, you know, the, the story was like, and, and adapt it. You want to know properly. some of them that you could buy for a dollar? Sure. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Very tight place. All that you love will be carried away. The Ballad of the Be- Flexible Bullet, Beach World, Kane Rose Up, Dedication, The Doctor's Case, Gradu- Graduation Afternoon, Gray Matter, Here There Be Tigers, I Am the Doorway, In the Death Room, a whole bunch more. Beach so, Bullet? Is that like a killer bullet on a beach? <laughs> you're in film school. Make them for a dollar. <laughs> So after that, we have Mike Flanagan's new film, Gerald's Game, uh, which Mm -hmm. has longly talked about being adapted, um, you know, from Stephen King's source material. (laughs) But I think that everybody kind of didn't know how to do it because it's basically about a woman who accidentally kills her husband after being handcuffed to a bed, leaving her unable to free herself. As time passes, she realizes that rescue is all but hopeless. She begins to slip into insanity. Uh, and yeah, I think that that's one of those films where you think like, okay, how can I tell a 90 minute story about one person in a room tied to a bed? You know, it's a challenge, man. It's a challenge. I'm curious on that one. I'm super curious. And this one premieres, uh, uh, September 29th. So just getting into the Halloween season, you got, um, uh, uh, Gerald's game, uh, you know, Stephen King adaptation. Then a couple weeks later in the middle of October, you have, um, 1922 so i think that's super cool like i think everybody's gonna check these out i'm really excited and flanagan's uh, a good director so there he is i'm curious to see what he does with that story plus they yeah. they cast a uh, caller Jugino, i believe that's her name to play the part i'm very curious to see how she uh takes that character because i actually enjoy her as an actress and when i've seen her yeah i'm cu- i'm really curious on this too because i remember reading the book and being bored in parts oh, okay. <laughs> so because it's actually thicker than you think it is. Like it's like a three hundred page book. Yeah. So I remember there was part. I don't. Re- it's been years, but I just remember there was parts where it was really dragging for me. He's you know Stephen King when he writes. Sometimes he gets really descriptive. He could have. Like, oh yeah, like un- like under the dome is like a deer got cut in half. There's a whole chapter dude, about just the deer. I, it's like he can describe a door opening in two pages. It's like holy fuck, mm-hmm. dude, like, we yeah. get the point, man. Come on. <laughs> That's why all his books are. Two thousand pages long. Yeah, Gerald's game is quite a bit longer than you would imagine it to be. So I'm curious on this. Mm. This is interesting. All right. So after that, we have Sci-Fi's Tremors pilot has finally found its director, uh, Vincenzo Natali, who most people know from Cube. 
uh, really? as well as Splice, is going to be directing the pilot of the Tremors uh, TV series, a second iteration of the Tremors TV series. And of course, we know that we have Tremors 6 coming out on the way as well. So uh, Tremors has never been hotter than it is right now. And nope. uh, this is actually going to return... Uh, Kevin Bacon to the series, which I find incredible that he's doing a sci-fi TV series. I really see him back in the films. Yeah, I, don't, I, I find it a little more incredible yeah, that he's too. doing the TV it's series too. and not the film. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. which is more surprising, but yeah, you're right though, man. But it's still cool to see his face back. That That's a big yeah. selling point. That's a huge selling point. I'm sure mm-hmm. the series will last longer. What did the original one last? Five episodes? <laughs> or something like that? <laughs> I forget. <laughs> It was Something pretty. Wild, it was short. It? It, was uh, short. Uh, it was like twelve, I think. Was it really? Ten, there was actually was that ten, many episodes. Ten, ten episodes. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, they canceled it after six, I think, though. But on the DVD, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I think. Uh, so yeah. Um. I, I mean, I'm I'm interested, but I love you know I, we love Tremors here on the Twenty Two Shots. So uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. Uh, but we'll see what's up. I'm more interested in the film. Obviously, I don't really have time for TV series anymore. So. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm always more interested in the film, but uh, the final piece of news here, and I, I didn't want there was more news, but I didn't want to like you know bog down the show with massive amounts of news. Uh, basically, in one of the coolest you know surprises of the year for sure, and in recent memory, I mean, last year it was really cool to find out there was a Blair Witch sequel, like yeah. like the way we did. It might not have lived up to what we was hoping for, but it was still especially pretty cool. The way yeah, especially for Mitch. Oh, it's his favorite movie. Oh man. Um, so we have a, and this this is something that I want to clear up right now. Um, so bloody disgusting reported surprise. You know, we have a hatchet reboot slash sequel. Oh, there's uh, the fucking R word again. Yeah. So a lot of people were giving bloody disgusting shit for this, including me, because if you actually read. The synopsis—it's clearly a sequel, yeah. and I know reboot technically doesn't mean remake, mm-hmm. but it's so often lumped in with that that we've kind of just used it as like a synonym for remake. So why didn't he name it Hatchet Four? Um, I well, I don't know why he didn't, but I have like ideas why he didn't because he's always said that Hatchet One through Three is a trilogy. It was designed as a trilogy. He wanted it to be a trilogy. If he ever did. Um, another hatchet film which he kept saying that he didn't want to do um, he would uh, kind of tell a new story um, but I will say this that this sounds very sequelish so uh, this film is made finished and has screened it's oh. been reviewed yeah which is crazy that nobody knew about it so for those of you who don't know uh, hatchet's 10 year anniversary uh, was this past you know week or whatever and adam green to celebrate was gonna screen the original hatchet well what the audience got instead was hatchet four, four aka victor crowley. Victor, crowley. victor crowley which that's the best way of doing it too man that is so cool he secretly yeah. filmed hatchet four aka victor crowley over the past two years you get a real reaction out of it you get a real reaction out of it you know uh, like if people are going so there to watch on the internet these days, you know that that's incredible. Yeah. And it's not like you can actually film the movie like under a working title. If you have yeah. like mm-hmm. Victor Crowley in it, <laughs> that doesn't make yeah. sense. Where's so, Kane Hunter going? You know? It's impre- <laughs> it's really really Im- impressive in today's world to to conceal something like that. That's crazy, man. Crazy. 
definitely some information or some yeah some news that got me got yeah, me thinking um, i was like damn it's that's so nuts. funny because we it's been happening a lot where a lot of the films we covered over the past year have been getting sequels you know it's it's so like my, my first definitely my first out of date show <laughs> yeah your first out of date show yeah it's like uh, our 50th well, house is october built too yeah oh yeah that's right i forgot what about chrome that. skull three yeah, yeah that, that one was just recently. Yeah, so it's been happening to us. Like I said, uh, I would like to dedicate a full show to the, the, the fourth Hatchet film as that being the featured review. Um, but some of the other ones like Chrome Skull 3 and stuff we could do, I think it would be cool to actually do one of those franchise roundup shows where we cap off a couple of franchises like Leprechaun and Phantasm and things that we've done in the past that have gotten sequel mm-hmm. sense. Um, because I, I'm very picky with like, continuity and like keeping things like i'm like ocd about stuff like that and i always feel weird that we never covered phantasm 5 in depth and like same thing with leprechaun i try to do it like three times Shit, at that point i would have to go back and rewatch them all again because i don't fucking remember yeah but you know, leprechaun you know the, the leprechaun leprechaun origins has nothing to do with yeah you don't have to watch the other ones to to get that yeah, yeah it's a whole yeah. different movie it's, yeah <laughs> it's its so, own thing. <laughs> um, I'm super excited about this. So here's some of the information we got. There, I, th- I believe there is some clips or trailers or something. I am staying far away from that. It's just a obviously. Uh, I thought this was an interesting fact that nobody else mentioned. Um, Kane Hodder, this will be his fourth time playing Victor Crowley. Um, and he also played Jason four times. So like that's really cool that he's like, you know, pl- eight fucking movies with those two killers, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, I think that's a whole franchise of movies. <laughs> uh, so that's really cool. Uh, so in the film, we discover Shen, um, uh, lone survivor, Andrew Young, who uh, Perry Shen was the, the really like kind of the star of the hatchet films, like the, yeah, he's in the all un- three, yeah. unofficial star. Cause he's in all three. Different he's, hilarious. he's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the only actor besides Kane, obviously to be in all three, I believe. And Adam, but mm-hmm. yeah. main character, um, well, main actor, rather. Uh, so, basically, um, uh, over a decade has passed claiming that local legend Victor Crowley was responsible for the deaths of 49 people killed in the original trilogy of films. <laughs> Young's allegations have been met with widespread disbelief, but when a twist of fate puts him back at the scene of the tragedy, Crowley is mistakenly resurrected and Young must face the bloodthirsty ghost from his past. I like this. I really hope they make Young the protagonist in this film and he's not just killed in the in the early stages because... Now, I was just gonna say, did Green direct this one? I believe he did. Apparently, That's so he did, weird. Yeah. Why would he not direct Part Three then? It's so stupid. He was really busy with Holliston and stuff, which is kind of yeah. which is interesting which, too because he there is heavy he was, rumor. Yeah, that he was actually on the set for the majority of the filming too. Yeah, and who mm-hmm. may have been actually pointing direction lot, during that film? He probably should actually have a credit for co-director at very least. Yeah, but um, yeah, so. Yeah. Um, I think he just doesn't want to do that. Like he doesn't want he wanted that to be his protege or like you know longtime yeah. friends film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think this is one of the coolest bits of news, and I hope more things like this happen because it it takes me back to when you don't have this long build up to a film. Like yeah. even Carly mentioned that that was cool that she didn't have to see like you know 
Like I remember it, the trailer felt like it, the original trailer to it felt like it came out like four or five months ago, which it did. I think, you know what I mean? Like six mm-hmm. months before a film comes out, you're showing the trailer. Then you have 18 trailers by the time the film comes out. Like it's just and too TV much spots like, and all that bullshit. Yeah. And we're partially blamed because we cover the news the moment that it happens too. But I just like the simpler, you know, there's a movie. Oh, here you can go see it. And while well, you want, I wasn't going to read this, this from just another Fangoria that I pulled, but I pulled it aside because I found it interesting and it's it's curious that you said this. So this issue of Fangoria is from June 2002 and it says word is that Michael Bay is planning to direct a new film version of I Am Legend and Will Smith will star. Now when did I Am Legend come out? 2005? So this is three years prior to that and they're already talking about it. Uh, Geez whiz, this has potential to be almost as good as the Omega Man. Oh, mother of mercy, please make them stop. So it's just funny that, like, you said, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, it's just, like, years Definitely of build-up. live up this to is, that hype. <laughs> fucking three years of build-up. That's kind of funny because Michael Bay didn't even direct it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. Uh, but, yeah, Jeremy, you're absolutely correct. Another film that we have been talking about for literal years was It. Stephen King's It and the Miss TV series were both mentioned on episode one. Yeah. Of the podcast. We are now on episode 110, almost into our fourth year, just a couple months away from our fourth year, and we will be in to that territory, um, which I, I find is just, you know, crazy. Uh, we also, listen, here's a couple of films we mentioned on episode one XX, that anthology that came yeah. out this year, mm-hmm. Jeepers Creepers 3, Trick or Treat <laughs> 2, Insidious 3, Saw 8. The Mist TV series, Day of the Dead remake, Sleepaway Camp remake, Hellraiser remake, and Friday the 13th. <laughs> like, that's crazy how many of those are, have happened. Yes. That's mm-hmm. nuts. Yeah, and a lot of them are this year. So it pretty much takes about three and a half to four years to, to, to make a film these days. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> from uh, initial announcement. Man, what, um, a but, weird, what a weird format we had back then. Looking at the show notes. <laughs> yeah, because the news was at the end of the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. it was too. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, the that is the news. Wow. Nice. Okay. It's crazy. Fucking hatchet four. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that oh, is yeah. that is like really, really the coolest news I've heard in a while. I, I was so stoked. Because <laughs> which a lot of people say that's one of our best shows is the hatchet show. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. I guess all those people should be in the Hall of Fuckers then. <laughs> I gotta love, I Fuck gotta everybody. love the reading comments, man. I just just scrolling around for like ten minutes today on, on Facebook and just all the people hating on Hatchet Four. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, crazy sorry, sorry, how much sorry, sorry. I was reading. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the thing that I wanted to clear up right away, which I didn't do right away. Uh, Bloody disgusting called it a remake or reboot, reboot. slash sequel that was not their wording that was actually in the press release so it's not their fault that are you what defending bloody disgusting was. right now uh yes <laughs> because everybody's going hard on bloody disgusting oh everyone just seems to be hating on those guys so much right now it's crazy i read that shit every day i don't give a fuck yeah, yeah I they, like, take a I mean, of, dude, they take they, a lot of hits man they definitely are not the most you know uh moral or like ethical but you know they do get the news right most of the time they they don't report false news 
they may manipulate some wordings of things to get hits, which show me a top website that doesn't. They're like 97, 98% with right news. There has been the odd time. I remember, I can't remember what the article was, but it was completely wrong. And I think they actually apologized for it too. (laughs) But, you know, but I mean, that happens when you try to jump the gun and get your shit out there, man. Everyone's Mm -hmm. going to make mistakes, man. But, you know, for the most part, bloody disgusting is not really that bad of a source. No, it's Same. not. And and honestly, they get shit first. It, it sucks that one thing dominates all of the horror landscape like that, but they've been around forever, you know? First come, first serve. It's similar to why Cool Dude is popular. Cool Dude is popular because fucking Jeremy keeps clicking on his videos. <laughs> Only the thumb them down. How many times do I got to tell you? <laughs> Jeremy, you like probably it on the fucking video. Cool like 100,000 lifetime views. Probably. Well, considering I have like eight accounts and each one gets a thumbs down, so that's eight views on every video. So. <laughs> oh my god, let's move on here. Jesus Christ, dude, that's some scumbag <laughs> shit right there, man. Holy yeah. Fuck. I'm glad he likes us. Holy <laughs> man, dude, that is funny. <laughs> okay, man. Hey, it's still that's... not as much as that howling body bags review. <laughs> no, no, it was... Next time you're wondering That's how classic. your videos can get so much dislike so fast, maybe you might need to look a little closer than, uh, than, uh, you oh, know, yeah. the only keep your, keep your friends, your enemies, what was it? Keep your friends closer. Enemies <laughs> closer. Yeah. Friends yeah. closer. Yeah. It could be, it just, could be it, man. Just cuts. It could be it. <laughs> he annoys me. All right. Apparently. Cool. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Get into mood swings here in the DVD and Blu-ray releases for August 29th. August 29, 2017. And of course, speaking of the king himself, it's for all the people out there that are too cheap to buy the individual Blu rays. But there is a Stephen King four pack called The King of Horror Collection, which features uh-huh. it, Cat's Eye, The Shining, and Salem's Lot. And it's reasonable, man. It's like $26.89. So nah. it's not bad. I have all those already. Well, I'm, I would assume most people do because I think when the the solo releases came out, what were they? Ten bucks? So everyone snagged them. Seven ninety Yeah, they were cheap, man. They were super, there was super a dump cheap. in at Walmart, dude. I've seen it there before. What are that? Five bucks? No, seven eighty eight. Seven eighty eight. So fuck, it's good, man. Good prices. So essentially the same price without the artwork. <laughs> but you know, not a bad pack. I mean, King of Horror. That's, that's pretty cool. So. Moving along here, man, from Blue Underground, we got the longly awaited Amsterdam, the classic yes. Dick Moss nope. film. Jeremy's watched Don't it, buy. and he said the transfer was awful. Don't buy it, but there's problems with the discs. Again? Again? They just the had trans- problems with the Stendhal syndrome, too. The, the What's wrong with Stendhal? I don't know. Something to do. Weren't they issuing new discs for that? Yeah, they were Com- issuing new discs for the like, Stendhal. Literally, the PQ is like a one out of five. Like Something happened when they were transferring the shit over and it looks horrible okay so again explain this to me that's fine those mistakes happen but how does it go through the whole production process and actually get distributed without no one going the only Holy thing shit, that this, i this can think of up. is the tests were fine the test copies were fine and then the actual when they started printing them the real versions because they get they get tests and samples first. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You think you would get an, like a full sample, like booklet, artwork, everything all in there. Here's your test copy. Is the artwork good? Is there any mistakes yeah. on it? Because you got to check read, all uh, that type of shit. But how? Like obviously the PQ is the main thing here. Here, I'll read you what it says and the Blu-ray.com review. Fucking where I go for a lot What the of fuck's things. going on over there? So it Bill? says the, the 
The folks at Blue Underground are now aware of this issue that is highlighted in our review and are investigating it. Further updates will be provided as they become available. So the release is sourced from a stunning new 2K master that that was completed under the supervision of director Dick Mass. Unfortunately, the end result is incredibly disappointing because the release was very poorly authored. To be be perfectly clear, the entire transfer is now plagued with horrible macro blocking and compression artifacts, which during the darker slash indoor footage basically collapses existing detail and introduce the type of awkward smearing that could be found on problematic transfers that are tweaked with digital tools. There's no such problematic digital work on the new master. It is very, very beautiful, and if it is encoded professionally, Amsterdam will look every bit as impressive as the remastered Maniac Cap 2, Maniac Cop 3. So Yeah. I know they've been having problems with their machines because when they were restoring like dead and buried, their machine blew up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. They're definitely no vinegar syndrome, man. I mean Maniac Cop two and three are like some of the best transfers ever done. Especially Maniac Cop two. Like that shit is fucking insane. So But you know what, man? It I mean, doing the actual transfer itself is half the battle. You gotta find that good print though too, right? Yeah. That's true. So if you find a really, really good one, man, most more than likely your transfer is gonna turn out good. But that's a shame to hear. And actually it's the first I've been hearing about this too, because I love Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great film. It's it's a unique slash. I, I didn't film. end up getting it. I was really disappointed, but now I'm not as disappointed. I mean, so. it's not like I can't pop it on tonight. I have the the shameless DVD and it looks fine. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not like ultra like, oh my god, I'm never gonna get this movie. I'm fucking freaking out. No. I mean there's still like a shitload but, of features on it that Oh, yeah. Are they going to yeah. fix that though eventually? I don't know. We'll and I'm wondering if out. that's why I never got a press copy. You know what yeah, I mean? Maybe. maybe. Hold them. Mm. Wow. It just popped up in my mailbox. So. Yeah. Well, you usually get yours before me, normally yeah. from them. Um, so maybe they said, because he told me that they sent out uh, multiple batches or something. They sent out one, they were sending them in two separate batches or something like that. So I don't know. Um, but I know a lot of people. He told me that a lot of people didn't get theirs. So, hmm. yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe they did an initial batch and then got the or got they the info bullshit. back <laughs> and we're like, well, we probably shouldn't keep putting these out I to reviewers. To reviewers. Yeah, I, I bet. But well, I mean, but that's good though because the reviewers are the one that caught it. You know Ex- what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. I wonder how bad that damages a company. You know, like to have to pull all their discs like they don't release that much stuff as it is it's definitely a little hotter lately a little bit more but hopefully there's not a problem with down and uh the lift lift what'd you think of stendhal time man yeah i haven't watched yet what the fuck you doing over there uh, man with your fucking reviews (laughs) holy shit man I've been working for like six weeks, man. No, now it's six weeks. I thought he was gonna say six years. Fucking liar. Like six weeks straight, like six day weeks. I haven't had any. Jeremy's the type of dude that's like, man, I work twenty eight hours today. (laughs) I know he does. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, fucker. But um, (laughs) okay, fuck. I'm really disappointed about this. Jeremy's like, I'm over here working twenty five (laughs) eight. <laughs> I'm so disappointed by that Amsterdam, but anyways, that sucks. Hopefully, we'll fix the problem. But uh, back to the releases. Back to the releases. Thanks, yes, Eric. And uh, moving along here with <laughs> with a Scream Factory release called The Manster. 
<laughs> I did not even know. Th- I'm so far removed from Scream Factory, I had no idea that was released. Oh, th- this fucking movie was actually... Uh, what the fuck was it? It had a crazy story where it was paired with another movie. Because I actually had the movie it was paired, in, paired with when it was in theaters. And they actually have it, the trailer with the Manster trailer with the other trailer. I can't think of the movie. It was just on the... Oh, it was I Was Without a Face. This is the movie that was paired with Eyes Without a Face when it was originally released in the States. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I know Screen Factory went on this uh, this kick of releasing public domains to like these older films. I think we released probably seven or eight of these. And Derek, mm-hmm. there was a, big, a whole string of these mm-hmm. films that kind of keep... Yeah, oh, a bunch of shit that nobody cares about. Well, I was surprised by some of the public domain films because they hadn't really released any public domain films and then all of a sudden, like, a batch came out. I was like, whoa, were they just hurting for films to release? And we're like, well, we might as well just do decent transfers on these, throw them out and sell them for 28 bucks. Oh, yeah, Moots, I forgot <laughs> to tell you, that, that Tenement Games of Death Blu-ray yeah. is supposed to be, like, fucking amazing. Really? That's awesome. I heard, I heard the transfers, like fucking so good uh, so that, weird that's that's good to hear that because that's coming out from shriek show and you never know because back in the day everyone loved like shriek show always released like the coolest movies but the, some of the transfers are always suspect but that's cool if the blue yeah. rats are looking good man <laughs> that's yeah. awesome good news <laughs> cool stuff um yeah next up here is film from vinegar Too syndrome bad it's 35 bucks yeah i know the price and that's ridiculous man <laughs> uh they have released snapshot A.K.A. The Day After Halloween. Scorpion released this film a few years ago under the title The Day After Halloween. Uh, For the people that don't know, this movie has nothing to do with Halloween whatsoever. They were just capitalizing on the success of Halloween after this thing came out. My opinion, this movie is actually quite boring. Derek really likes it. I don't know, man. I haven't watched it in years, but yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Snapshot from Big Syndrome. I'm sure the transfer is awesome. Uh, this one right here, I, I, I'm pretty fucking sure that this is a action film. I'm not 100% sure. I don't think I've ever seen it before, but again, from Screen Factory here, and it's called Time Bomb. Has anyone oh, seen shit. this one? I have this on VHS. I just picked it up recently. Have you, did you watch it? No. Derek, have you ever seen this one? I haven't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know much about it. I think it's from the 90s, too. If I'm not mistaken, it might even be from the 90s, which is even stranger. Yeah, it says pounding action thriller. Oh, it does? Okay. Yeah. I, I, so I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I think I've No, I don't think so. Again, Screen Factory with their odd choices these days. I don't know what's up with that. But yeah, Time Bomb for anybody that's interested in that one. Uh, next up here from Severin. And man, I, I, I've never been able to fully understand why Jess Franco gets so much love with his films. I mean, I understand he's got like 200 of them and stuff, but man, his movies get the best releases. It's awesome. Yeah, they do. It's they do. nuts. The best companies always seem to release his films. It's crazy. They give so much love to him. Jess Franco, two female, two female spies with flowered panties. <laughs> Sounds like an animal spank. I didn't. Movie. I did not request this. One. <laughs> this is the fucking best title. Two females. Did you, Jeremy? Flowered panties. No, but I'll probably get it anyway, just because. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so total good. spank. Sounds like a total spank fest from that. Coming time. soon to the to the September Patreon, you could win a copy of this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck that shit, man. I want that. <laughs> I want that one. It's just Franco <laughs> film. <laughs> Yeah, I love me some Franco, but that's a great title. Never seen it before. Sure, it'll be a dope release by Severin. Uh, next up here, again from Scream Factory, and again, not a horror film. <laughs> uh, this was released on one of their um, 
one of their four packs, one of the Shout Factory four packs a the couple years ago. Maybe, yeah, I think it was the, the Cult one or something. Pretty much all those films are getting Blu-ray releases now. Again, this is from the string of releases that they're doing. And this is Vicious Lips. Has anyone ever seen this movie? I know it's from... Uh, I know the director of this movie. He directed Cyborg with Van Damme and Mean Guns. That actually makes sense with Cyborg, a little sci-fi action and stuff. And he also directed Mean Guns with Christopher Lambert and Ice-T. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is a really, really bizarre one. It goes intergalactic and stuff about this band <laughs> and shit. But it's really, really bizarre. It's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, it's just, it's out there. The storyline's completely out there. So um, not a bad film. I actually didn't rewatch it for the 86 show. I guess it's not really a horror film, though. It's more of a sci-fi, but it is from 1986. Yeah. So, but yeah, Vicious Lips, definitely a unique film in itself. Uh, next up here is a film just strictly titled demon from sony <laughs> sony is putting out a film just called demon <laughs> like, what's the cover art look like it's pretty bad a guy, actually. a guy looked like a demon's exiting his body yeah it's there's a quote uh, on here uh it says haunting echoes of roman polanski sean c phillips cool duder oh did, man did he write the, <laughs> was that he really quote the review no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like exactly. that Death by Temptation movie. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Like a home invasion film that he has a quote by Sony on the back that I almost fucking barfed everywhere when oh, I saw yeah. it. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, this is like, this is a Polish film actually. So yeah. oh, maybe it's foreign. <clears throat> yeah, who knows? It might actually be all right, but who knows? It could be a piece of trash too. Demon, not very Wait. not very creative on the title there. Always till it's like three dollars or something. Uh, this one right here, I actually did watch. I uh, watched this one, I believe, last year. Uh, being released from Image. It's called The Evil in Us. Anyone see this one? No. Actually, it was kind of cool. It got nope. real fucking bloody and nasty in this one. Not too bad. Hmm. Kind of had like an Evil Dead type thing going on in it, too. But a um, little more to it, though. There was a little more story to it. It was actually kind of cool. I do recommend The Evil in Us. It was pretty fun. And last up here for the releases... Uh, who the fuck? Sony's releasing this one too. What's with Sony releasing films? Sony's back in the game. They are, man. <laughs> They're not only getting all retro on her asses, they releasing modern films too. Uh, and this one's called The Hollow One. I thought this one was already out, but weird. I don't know. There's like 9,000 movies with this title. The yeah, Hollow there's like one. the one with like the eye on the cover. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Is that the name? It's Hollow Something. Just yeah. another generic. You know, it's kind of funny, you know, Sony getting into the game of releasing all these modern horror films, but. The releasing one's called The Hollow One. <laughs> Fuck, it's so Actually, boring. It says, it's so boring. It says, it says Phase 4 on Amazon. Does it? Uh, I think I'm, like, I'm looking at... It says Studio Sony. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mm. I think Sony owns them now. Phase yeah. 4? Could be a possibility. Yeah. Because I, I got a, a film from them, and it said Sony, and it was like Yo. the Sony, like... Although, I mean, Phase 4... They actually released some decent films. I mean, I know they're kind of a lower tier type company. Not stuff, Wonderland, they, that's for sure. I never seen that one actually. <laughs> that's the worst film I've I ever never seen. Saw, I never saw that one. I never saw that one. Worst film I've ever seen. Derek knows. Yeah, it's, thank you for that torture. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so that, that's going to do it for the releases, man. Now this this just made my this made a whole kind of put a little bit of wrinkle into my pick here. Yeah, I think the obvious choice was going to be the Blue Underground Amsterdam, but with the issues and us not knowing fully if they're going to repair that, I, I'm, I'm assuming they are, but might take some time. 
So as of right now, I wouldn't suggest going out and buying Amsterdam, knowing that you're going to get a pretty bum copy. Yeah. Um, wow, this really, really puts a kink into it. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> no vicious lips. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go with, even though it's, you know, it's gonna be some very erotic sleaze. Oh come on! What else go are you gonna pick here? I don't fucking know, man. The Manster. From my, I can't choice, remember what there was. <laughs> there's really not a lot. I mean, the Manster's the Manster. It's not even. It's not really a good film. I've never seen time. Well, Time Bob's not even a horror film. Go with fucking Ronin. <laughs> Ronin. Ronin's awesome. I love Ronin. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember much from Ronin, but I'll, I remember the awesome car chases in it. Yeah, John Frankenheimer. Man. Yeah, I'll, the car chases in the film are like in the really narrow streets. If this was France, next week, fuck, those are awesome, man. This was next week. You could have picked American Psycho two on Blu-ray. Okay, you know, according to the films that I've seen on this one, you know, here we'll do it like this. We'll do it like this. Since Amsterdam is kind of omitted right now, considering the transfers all bummed and shit, I'm going to go with the Evil in Us because I actually enjoyed this film from last year. I thought it was pretty damn cool. It was it was a little bit of a surprise. I know I talked about it in a video or something like that, um, but it was it was decent. I think this is the first time I've ever recommended just like a standard modern DVD. <laughs> it's fucking weird. But yeah, The Evil in Us, give it a shot. If you don't like it, tell me to go fuck myself. Yo, next, so check, next check this got out. some good shit. So check this out. I was looking, I got an email that um, I got, we got a comment on one of the posts on the website and I clicked it and it's funny. It was from earlier today, but I somehow missed it. Um, I recently posted my YouTube video on there, um, the one where I reviewed like the 15 films in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Severin Films actually commented on it and said, uh, love your comments on Bag Boy. We would love to share your video review if you decide to do one. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing Um, and i was like okay like that like i guess that doesn't count as a review then because i only did it it literally says 15 reviews in 15 minutes is the title of the video um but i do then i started thinking about it and i remember that in the video i said i'm probably gonna do a full review on bag boy lover and i think they probably just assumed i was gonna do it on video or i might even said that but i did do a full review on the podcast yeah, yeah. i'm gonna share that with them because i i really really love that film and it's it's a highlight of the year for me so uh you know it deserves the praise and if you haven't checked it out man pick it up and check it out it's a good play Se- Severin's pretty cool Severin's pretty cool that they shared my feed the light review yeah, no, I didn't even sh- share Those this. Fuckers, what about me? They just Severin. found this video. I thought Severin. that was cool. Not Severin's I mean. in the hall of fuckers now. Dude, you're, Fuck you, you're too busy clicking on cool duder videos and thumbing them down. You're too busy not watching your Severins. I fucking refute feed the light on my YouTube channel, you mofos. Dude, your two watch pile is massive. Notice and I don't. Fuck that shit. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Derek's this fucking star right now, dude. He has he has a podcast that more people listen to him than you. And mm-hmm. you're on the most downloaded podcast on Horophilia. Uh, at least according to last month. Hey, Jeremy, I still love you, man. I love you, Derek. <laughs> all right, so I just I thought that was funny. this Mexican jabroni dick face. I think we also had... Fucking asshole. Even after you did that review, too, because I, I think I brought it up after I watched it, and we had a conversation about the film, too. Yeah, I've been talking about it a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty... <laughs> it's a good film, man. It's a really damn yeah. good film. Nice. Everyone needs to go check that one out. It's. Did you watch it, Jeremy? It's intriguing. What do you, what do you think? 
No. Come on, I even told you it's good and you still didn't watch it. I'll grab- watch it tomorrow. I'm gonna grab it and Dude, did it. you not hear him? He's been working eight days a week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe talking to the mic when you podcast. Amateur. He's too busy fucking it. imitating Stevie Wonder over there. Ever watch him? He's fucking yeah, no, he, the air. He can't hold still. He's sitting there opening DVD cases and shit. All this, all this terrible white noise. He's trying to look for Dumb and Dumber. Like, I mean, for the people at home, I know obviously you can't see him, but like, he literally looks like that kid who has either pissed himself or just has amps in his pants. Literally, yeah. Like he's moving around and he's doing some weird shit and stuff. And look at him; he's doing it again. (laughs) Like a two-minute discussion about me not fucking sitting still, and you can't still can't hear him. It's like a two-minute discussion of me sitting still talking to the microphone. (laughs) Okay, baseball. Use the microphone. I'm a chill. Jesus. All right, let's get it. This let's let's move on here. This yes, I want to move on, but this fucking Stevie Wonder, this white Stevie Wonder. <laughs> you think Stevie Wonder knows he's black? <laughs> <laughs> I would assume oh, by some of his songs, man, for sure. <laughs> but but oh, anyways, man, bad times. <laughs> that yeah. is that is it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases for August 29, 2017. Let's move along into the box office Brazil. What is it? Brawl. The what? The box office brawl, bitch. What is that? To be prepared. Look at this fucking douchebag. You still can't hear him. He literally cannot hear Jeremy. Mike is right here, bro. Dude, what are you doing to your mic? Quit slamming it down and stuff. All right, let's get into this. Hey, Jeremy, box box office brawl. Who won? Who lost? So, Annabelle. You did something to your mic. You're low now, homie. This this fucking amateur. He's called me an amateur. Jeremy, when I announce box office brawl, you're supposed to be like, yeah, Annabelle, 35 million, moods wins. Well, guess what? Right, you just said it. Now. So, All right, All right, so what did we predict? So, Annabelle, we... The total of Annabelle was $35 million for opening weekend. Oh, that was a good guess I had. <laughs> Which is actually pretty good, <laughs> considering the fact right now, 12-day-wise, as today, uh, it is beating the first film box office-wise. So it's quite interesting. Wow. The first movie did quite well. But in 12 days, that movie made 64394000 And in 12 days of the prequel, of the prequel, it made 67900000 So I'll talk about that film later on and what we watched, but... Made thirty-five million. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what's the scores? That's crazy. You had it writing down. Okay. So, uh, okay, uh, you come unprepared. Uh, look, I'm preparing for Jeremy's segment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I predicted uh, a cold twenty-seven million. Uh, I was I was off definitely by like ten million. So uh, I lose against Jeremy. He predicted thirty. Uh, I lose against Moods. He predicted 32, and Jeremy actually loses against Moods as well. Uh, so Moods is the big winner here. He 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 won both of his matches. Uh, I lost both of mine, and Jeremy uh, split. Yep. So that's 22 uh, for the, me. The total score <laughs> right now is it is now um, two one to two with uh, me versus Moods. So Moods is is beating me. Uh, he has two points now. And I only have one. Jeremy has uh, kind of 
clock a little bit closer. It's now three to two versus me versus Jeremy. And uh, Je- Moods is actually two to nothing against Jeremy. Mm. So yep. that is that is block box office brawl for this week uh, in terms of you know the the points. But um, do we have anything coming out, Jeremy? Negative. Next There's... movie that comes out would be it, and we shall talk about that in episode one eleven. So well, let's make not... sure here because I don't know for sure. Are we we are we for sure recording next week? Yeah. Okay. Then we'll say isn't, isn't 111 fucking those found footage movies? What does that have to do with box no, no, office no, brawl? No. Fucking... Oh, we're going to talk about that inbox. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So that that's that's it for that's box it. office brawl. No uh, movies. Annabelle did good, man. It did good. It did good. Yep. Who would have thought a prequel to a prequel would do good? How, <laughs> what a bunch of bullshit Jimmy that is. Jeremy was texting me last night and he's like, He's like, yep, yep, see a mistake in this timeline already. And I was like, oh. I was like, it's a prequel inside a prequel that? inside a prequel. Fuck, it's crazy, man. I guess Annabelle, the first Annabelle is a prequel to The Conjuring, but yeah. Annabelle Creation is a prequel to Annabelle, yeah. which I don't find confusing or annoying at all, Jeremy. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, it's kind of dumb. Why not just make one prequel? Why do they well, need a prequel this, to the prequel? The story of Annabelle is over. In I the Conjuring, hope, at least I hope so. Well, I mean, it, the story in the Conjuring, yeah. the story's over, so you can only tell what happened before. So, yeah. Jeremy, so Jeremy, without ruining your whole review, is there room to make a prequel to the prequel of the prequel? No. <laughs> okay, so you'd have to go sequel at this point. <laughs> you gotta yeah. go sequel. Okay, that's good. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I, I'm assuming we still didn't fix our our voicemail problem. Uh, no questions, no voicemails this week. Alrighty, so Jeremy, let's get into that fucking dead male. Courtesy dead of Fangoria. Mail. Courtesy of Fangoria. I actually like All this. Right. I like this segment. It's pretty cool. I've been looking forward to it. So I had one issue, but then I decided to go with this one. So we're going to be digging into issue number 152 of Fangoria from May 1996. This is the issue for Stephen King's Thinner. And also on the cover, we have uh, Tales from the Crypt's Shocking New Season, uh, The Craft, Witchcraft 90210, and Special Report, Fear Fiction's New Breeding Ground, and First News and Photos of the Crow City of Angels. So this is from 1996. So let's look at the mail, and then we'll go and we'll look at the releases that were coming out for that time period because that was fun too. All right, so this comes from Mark Walkow from Sharon Hill, Pennsylvania. I don't know if that's near Never JP. Heard of that Could you place. imagine reading out someone's mail from here and they actually were a listener <laughs> of the show? That would be insane. Please happen. <laughs> that would just so, blow my mind. It says, it Dawn of the Dusk. From Dusk Till Dawn is the best damn horror movie in a long time. Selma Hayek is the most beautiful woman ever. And congratulations on your 150 (laughs) issue. I've been collecting Fango since number one, and it gets better all the time. Then he says, from Dusk Till Dawn is the long-needed shot in the arm or neck the mainstream American horror market has needed for a long time. Easily ranking aside such classics such as Evil Dead 2 and Dead Alive, this horror action comedy is what every Fango fan has been waiting for and more 
and more. Tarantino and Rodriguez, not to mention the KNB boys and Tom Sfini, deliver the goods in spades. Although the final theatrical print seems like it has gone through some cuts, uh, the mouth bitch tongue scene described in Fango 148 is gone or so heavily, heavily cut as wow, to be unnoticed. Interesting. Huh. Uh, the film still pushes the R rating, envelope delivering, vampire spikings, exploding and melting heads, arms torn off, and a bar floor awash, and enough gruel to fill the two dozen lame Halloween scanners or Friday the 13th sequels. Uh, Tarantino brings the black humor and stingling dead-on dialogue, which makes his earlier films such masterpieces to the genre, which he and Rodriguez both obviously love. Uh, they even throw in a reference, a homage, really, to the late great Peter Cushing, although I was the only one in the theater who cheered at that particular line. What a fact. Uh, it is a spec- spectacular joy to see Tom Safini so prominently on the big screen once again. Even though I had to explain to most of my movie-going friends exactly who he was, they are now diehard fans and want to know what he's doing next. So is he going to get the part in Sorrow, Robert, question mark, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, I saw the sixth Halloween and Vampire in Brooklyn out of loyalty to my beloved genre and was sorely disappointed. I was even sadly unimpressed with the theatrical cut of Lords of Illusions. But I am proud to say that From Dust Till Dawn is a balls out, no holds bar horror film, which I could guiltlessly recommend to people like myself and which I can honestly praise to mainstream filmgoers. It is the real thing and lives up to any standard the most discriminating horror fever may have set for it. Between this film and Cemetery Man, the genre has a bright-looking future now than at any time in the last several years. Hmm. Very well written and very, you know, like, he project he, yeah, the, the genre was coming back up at this point. You know, 96, we covered it on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, the year as a whole. Uh, and two of the standout films are definitely Scream which I believe hasn't been out yet at the time of his review and from dusk till dawn. So he's about to get another shot in the arm. Frighteners um, must not have been out either. Fucking guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Best film in 96, man. But I do agree with them with uh, Lord of illusions, man. I'm not a big fan of that film either. I think a lot of people, I've literally have not heard. I mean, I think maybe Christian likes it. Yeah. Christian's a fan. Yeah. yeah, is it Scott Bakula that he likes or what? <laughs> is that I what know. it is? Maybe. I find he's the movie to be. It's funny to think of yeah. this guy. He's like, he's like, I saw Lord of Illusions and Vampire in Brooklyn. Like these were the horror films coming out then. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's weird to think of that because I look back on Vampire in Brooklyn and I like it, but it's like if this was like the horror film coming out, I'd be like, oh, what the man. fuck. When I first seen you know Vampire I mean? in Brooklyn when it came out, it, I fucking I thought it sucked. Yeah, I did not like, I like it at it. all, I like man. It. I thought it was t- oh, horrible. But I, it's grown on me over the years. Not too bad. Yeah, but. yeah. I love the fact I, the director's cut actually grew on me after I saw the director's cut of it. I don't remember what the difference is. I mean, it's just one of those things no, that kind a, of slips out of my differences. mind. But well, uh, I think it's interesting that there's probably an unrated cut of From Dust Till Dawn that we never seen. Oh. That, that's that's true. That's frustrating. Man. That's cool. I would love. That's to, cool that it's because they do have the deleted scenes on the DVD with about oh, that okay. scene that they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what, man? Um, I I love this article and this segment because it put in perspective being in you know 1996. You know, the, the 80s is long gone at this point, and the 
like just the the vibe for horror at the time. Like this guy is probably the only horror fan in his like vicinity because horror is so dead at this point that it's just like people who have been collecting Fango from from issue number one that are still around. And like to to have a film like From Dust Till Dawn. Watching it now, we've seen so many good films uh, in recent times. Like so many good films come out every year. It's hard to put yourself in a perspective where nothing good was coming out, and then to see a mainstream theatrical film like that, like I could see how why I could see his ex- why he was so excited about mm-hmm. it. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. I like that a lot. All right, let's read oh, another yeah. one. Got a lot more here. I want to read more of these. So, uh, I'm writing to let you know how disappointed in the genre both my girlfriend and I have become. Two years ago, when your magazine featured Necromonicon, how do you pronounce it? Necronomicon. Dude, have you ever seen Evil Dead? Yeah, dude, I just can't fucking pronounce Necronomicon. On the front cover, we couldn't wait till we couldn't wait for it. Time kept passing by, and the movie never came out in America. So I recently gave in and chucked out eighty dollars to buy the import laser disc of it, because the rude salesperson would not even preview the movie to me first. Now I know why. Jeez, what a piece of crap! I'm stuck with a worthless disc. Maybe I could use it for a frisbee or something. How come movies like Night of the Living Dead, Phantasm, Halloween, and other classics that were made on shoestring budgets are not made anymore? Why are idiots like the makers of this film given money to produce utter crap? When starving artists go unheard of, question mark, doesn't anyone have a feel for true horror anymore? FX are not scary, especially crappy ones. Horror is Aurora, suspense, sound, story, and characters you identify with. I know the quality of your magazine relies solely on what is released, and so since nothing is being released that is even worth viewing, it isn't your fault that the pages are becoming as dull as the material they cover. But you guys saw the pros working. You guys covered Geniuses at one time. All I ask is, all I ask is if you know any of them, please give them a loud yell for help in their direction because the genre definitely needs them back. Very interesting to, that they published that. You know, well, because that's uh, basically saying like, yeah, your magazine sucks as much as the movies that are coming out right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think you have to have that balance in your publishing. I mean, if you published all positive stuff, it just it just. No, I agree. I think that's good, but I feel like some people wouldn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah. so that film he was talking about on that was that the Necronomicon, the anthology film. Yeah, the Book of the Dead, the um, yeah anthology. The one film. that Scream Factory is releasing. Is that what they're releasing? No. What is that? No. This is an anthology film, I believe, from 93? Yeah. I think it came out in 93. Well, it was originally supposed to come out in 93. I have a copy. Um, I think, yeah. What's the movie Scream Factory's releasing then? After Midnight? I thought they were releasing, like, Necronomicon or something. No, The Resurrected. Oh, The Resurrected. Okay, not bad. All right. This one, I got two more for you. So it says... Uh, I like to read your magazine, but I'm so sick and tired of the negative criticism that the mangler has continuously been given. (laughs) It's not an everything has to make sense kind of movie, and that is what makes it enjoyable. The film is fun to watch, the dialogue is entertaining, and the characters themselves are amusing. I like the mangler, and it deserves more credit. Yeah, up until the ending. Toby Hooper classic. Didn't he direct that? (laughs) It did. It's up until the end. It's fine up until the end. I've actually read that story before yeah the mangler it's not it's not bad is All it right, from night shift uh yes it is. It's, like a, it's a little short yeah yeah i remember yeah it's a shorter one in there too yeah, yeah that's All right, right. So, cool. 
Uh, recent Fango letter. This is the last one, and then we'll look into the releases. Uh, recent Fango letter pages have registered readers disappointed with Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions, but a fair-minded assessment of the recently released director's cut would have to, would have to conclude that it is an improved film. The best addition is a chilling sequence in which we visit the home of former cult members preparing for the homecoming. They've all disposed of lives and families without a second thought, leaving suburban splatter in their wake. It helps to create a sense of impending doom at a crucial point in the film. An additional dream sequence serves the same purpose. Some extra musing from Swan and Nick's towards the end also add to the film's mood of despair. And in fact, one of the most intriguing things about watching it again is seeing how much a dark sense of apocalypse seems to address issues of isolation. The cultists feed a loneliness so great it can only be quenched by banding together in horror. Nyx could only be made whole by Swan. Swan is isolated by what he has done to Nyx and lives in a sexless marriage created out of gratitude. Diamore Moore cannot sustain a relationship and is ultimately left alone with his only true companion, the darkness. Everyone tastes the darkness with little hope of reprieve. It's a bleak vision, but Barker's readers will instantly recognize it. For me, the biggest disappointment is the film's failure to translate the breezy tone that always marks Diamore's fictional appearances. The sly humor that permeates those stories is nowhere in evidence. Uh, it's hard to imagine this Diamore indulging in, in sarconic kill blitzing with some demonic entity he wow. seems standard hollywood issues uh stoic and uncomplicated uh if there's a next time it would be nice to see barker and bacula expand this side of the character <laughs> hapless yet heroic blackula bacula. barker and bacula yeah scott bacula bacula dude well, well, it's actually... that, that review is way too wordy like i didn't care uh, for that at all yeah Three for right. four. Well, actually, it's kind of funny because his last book, The Scarlet Gospels, is actually Scott Bakula's character from Lord of the Rusians fighting Pinhead. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. So the director's cut that's on the Screen Factory disc, which one is it? Because like, I just typed it in IMDb here, and there's like theatricals 109, and then there's a director's cut at 119, and then there's another director's cut at 121. <laughs> so I'm not sure. What's, what's no. the fucking difference I here? The, I never picked up the screen factor, that's why. I, I, just, I can't DVD. remember. My copy's still sealed sitting on the shelf. <laughs> I, I bought it when it came out. Yeah, it's... I don't know. Alright, and here are the releases for May 1996. Cool. Uh, these are VHSs. We have uh, Castle Freak nice. from Full Moon. Uh, we have Witchboard, The Procession nice. from also Republic. From oh, Witchboard. I thought you meant Witch House. No. Uh, Death Machine from Video Mark. Uh, what else? Uh, the Wicked City from Fox Lober. So those are in VHS. And then we have Laserdisc. Uh, we have The Hidden from nineteen late 1980s. Nice. Um, cool. Ghost Parade. Brigade, Ghost Brigade. Ah, Tales from the Hood. Nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, Phantasm. Nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Tales from the Hood was sixty nine ninety nine. How much was that? Who was releasing that Phantom? Was it Anchor Bay on, uh, on VHS? Image. It was Image, Image Entertainment Special <laughs> yep. Edition to this set should be available again by this time. This sees print. You own this, that, Jeremy? No, it's it's like a hundred bucks. Uh, who bought uh, Death Machine? Uh, Death Machine. Oh, so the Image had the rights to Phantasm back in those. Image owned everything, didn't they? Uh, Death Machine was mm-hmm. Fidmark. 
whatever the uh, hell that is. Oh, uh, that. Oh, good. I hope they put that out. I, on think, the cut. I, I think actually really enjoy that movie. Is Death uh, Machine? Is that's not the one that like Code it's Red, the one Red and Red Dwarf and the High Rise with the machine? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brad Dwarf's like a timing wise. Dead Mel is fun. I like the segment. That's good. I look forward to it, even though it's only the second time that I've been doing it. But um, like I said, if you guys get a chance to come across Fangoria's anywhere cheap, just pick them up. Fun to read for you. Yeah, then like, send them to us so we can do more Dead Mail. Yeah. Have you uh, have you went back out hunting for them at all? No, I, like every time I go places, I look and I've been keeping my eye out on eBay and stuff like that, but. Um, I still have. I mean, we like, have a lot right now to to hold us. We have over. enough right now, and like, I have another one right next to me that I think. How will far? Be good how far back do you have them? Do you have them like right to the beginning of publication? No, I have like issue two. Wow, that's pretty far back. Yeah, but I have like issue two, but then like the next one is like sixty, and yeah. then I have a lot in like the hundreds and the two hundreds. So sixty yeah. still would have been in the eighties, though. So this one is number one hundred and fifty-two, and it's from nineteen ninety-six. Yeah. So I have a lot from the nineties. I don't have any of my old ones. This fucking hurts me to say that, man. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I kept some of mine. Who knows? Too. I could even have had that one. I don't remember. Ninety-six, possibly. Good shit. Good shit. Yeah, next week. Yeah, it's fun stuff, man. All right, so that is going to conclude Mood Swings and Dead Mail. Uh, getting into the WWW portion of the show, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm, is what mm-hmm. we watched. Who wants to start us off this week? Derek, since you're the guest. Yeah, why not? Why you, I'll give uh, Jeremy a, a break from being first. <laughs> yes. Okay, the first film I chose to review for you guys today is a film I actually watched recently. I got the 88 Films Blu-ray in the mail. And I was wanted to check the transfer out for it. And this goes by numerous titles, like most Italian films do. Uh, the, this release is under the title Zombie Creepin' Flesh. But as most of the people that know him when it was released from Blue Underground know it as Hell of the Living Dead. Of course, directed by the infamous <laughs> schlock master himself, Bruno Mattai. And written and co-directed by Claudio Fagazzo, of course. It's not entirely true. Bruno Mattai actually released, I think it was originally released actually under Vincent Dawn. Yes. Which is Bruno Mattai, but I think the original name you would have found this release under was Vincent Dawn. It was the birth of him, too, I believe. Well, no, I was talking about like uh, when it was like the title of the actual movie, not the director. No, no, no I'm just saying when, when Bruno Mattai put, when this movie first got released. Yeah. It was actually under Vincent Dawn's name. Yeah, it says Vincent Dawn still on the front. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah, but yeah, it's co- it's written and co-directed by Claudio Fagazzo. Of course, yeah, they yeah. were partners during this period. No, Claudio Fagazzo, of course, infamous for later directing Troll Two, which we all know is like one of the worst movies, one of the best worst movies ever. You know what I mean? But pretty much, this one has like kind of like a kind of like a mixture of like Dawn of the Dead and Return of the Living Dead. Even though this came out before, like the way that. Uh, the zombies are created in this film. There's like this chemical spill in like this power plant and it starts turning these people into infected zombie like creatures. And pretty much what ends up happening in this one is it has the government of uh, New Guinea. That's where this film takes place. Yeah. And they hire this uh, four, I think it's four or five members of this commando troop to go and investigate this 
spill where this container has started. So they end up doing the traveling and stuff, and they end up running into like this news crew of like uh, this news reporter and her uh, camera photographer boyfriend. And then they end up going on the journey. And that's pretty much the main plot of the movie. It's pretty much getting to point A to point B throughout the film and trying to survive against these undead uh, zombies until they get there. Now, my thoughts on the film, it's, of course, if you haven't seen a Bruno Matai film, it's cheesy as all hell. It has a lot of like uh, stock footage and stock music, actually, because uh, the film's score is is credited to goblin but it is goblin but it's not an original score at all no they use tracks from dawn of the dead and contamination in this film yep and it's just funny like the stock footage they actually use from the the footage is uh from the documentary uh the real cannibal holocaust documentary and there's like scenes where they're just looking at like all serious and you see like a monkey five times in a row <laughs> jumping from tree to tree and it's like wicked like slow-mo and just like elephants and this one they, they go to like this cannibal tribe in the middle of the movie and like there's like the footage from like the a burial like service that the tribe does and they try to like mix match it with like the film and they have and like there's a scene where like this cannibal priest god with a mask on and they have like one and interact with the actors and it's a totally different mask and shit and they don't even look like it doesn't look like it matches it's just cheesy as all hell and of course i did watch the dub version and there's like cheesy over exertion of the acting especially one of the commandos when he's like taunting the zombies he's like overacting to save his life and it's just fucking hilarious super fun stuff definitely not a greatly made film of course especially if you know but it's super fun and enjoyable and it has some great gore i have to say this the kills in this is awesome and just has amazing like gore value if you're a gore hound you'll really enjoy that aspect i had fun with it so i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten it's maybe a little higher than a lot of people will give it but it's super fun oh yeah this this is one that you almost have to rate on a fun factor i mean yeah I don't know what Matai's thinking when he's making his films, but it's ridiculous, dude. Like, when you're hearing all these musical cues and shit, it's like, what? They, obviously, people are going to recognize th- those pieces of music. Especially, <laughs> who, well, us, anyways, because we've seen, like, every Italian film known to man. I swear, there's there's animal killings in that, too, that have been rehashed throughout films, too, right? Yes. And, like, so you've seen all those type of, that, those stock scenes and everything, and, uh, dude, yeah. the fucking monkey part, man. <laughs> Just jumping for the tree. It's so this fucking. Sh- it's so ridiculous, man. I haven't watched the movie in a while, but as soon as you said that, I almost lost my shit. <laughs> I uh, laughed about that so hard. And the good thing about this release, the transfer is fucking amazing. This film looks way too good for. That was going to be my next question. Is it worth like if you own the Blue Underground double feature of Hell Living Dead and Rats? Is it an upgrade from that? Yes. Not based on features because I'm pretty sure there's features on the Blue Underground that aren't on this '88 film's release, right? Yes. Okay. So, yes. so having both wouldn't be too bad. But the transfer, you say, is better. Yes. That's good, man. That's good. No. Yeah, I haven't, yeah, I haven't received my, my uh, copy Blue Underground because so. I rats is on that. It's the only way I own rats. Exactly. You know, honestly, man, '88 films is probably going to be releasing rats too. So I just haven't received my copy. I never picked up the Blue Underground Blu-ray with rats because i had both the dvds so i just never kind of upgraded but uh yeah i'm still waiting for this one but that's good to know the, the transfer is cool man i can't wait yeah. to see it don't like uh did you get the one with the 
the slip cover? Yeah, the slip cover is really nice. It's uh, it's got, under the like, virus title, right? No, it actually has a flip art. It's actually really cool because actually in the slip cover and like the booklet that it comes with, it incorporates like a lot of the posters and different titles. Like it has the poster with Night of the Zombies in it and stuff. Yeah, really good a, like booklet and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. So what's the what's the actual header it's under? In the, in the uh, for, for this one, it said it's video nasty title, Zombie Creeping Flesh. It still comes up as Zombie Creeping Flesh. Cool. Yeah. That's cool, man. Awesome. Good shit. All right. Who wants to go next? What was the rating on that? 7 out of 10. All right. If you'd born on your phone, you would have heard. <clears throat> oh, fuck off, Jeremy. You're the one always doing something else. Jesus. I, uh, I was just giving, on it because him I, shit. Hey. If you were paying attention, you wouldn't have realized you missed the morbid fact, weird stand morbid fact, you fucker. He, well, if you would have paid attention, he mentioned he wasn't doing it before the beginning of the show. Dumb yeah, fuck. dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Jeremy always tries to insult, and he always ends up getting it back ten times worse. That's why we yeah. love him. That was I wasn't even on that part, and I knew that like three days ahead. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Derek. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Who's next? That's good shit. Jeremy, enlighten All us right. with your Annabelle review. Yep. So we're going to be talking about Annabelle Creation <laughs> awesome. from the year 2017. So this movie, we talked about it uh, last week on the last episode, 109, about how much pop this movie was getting. A lot of people were talking about it. People were saying it was good. It was getting critically okay reviews and things like that. So does this movie live up to those reviews? And my answer is, like I said in my Facebook post, if there is a definition of average, there's a film that should fall under the term average, it would be Annabelle Creation. This movie is super, super, super average in every sense. It's not a bad movie. The movie shot really nice. It has a really great atmosphere and things like that. But it falls in points in my sense that it's extremely... Uh, basic and very uh, formulaic. It goes from uh, jump scare to jump scare to jump scare. It doesn't build any sort of suspense like the first Conjuring did, and I'll talk about the Conjuring after this because I rewatched it. But it it really uh, doesn't have anything that the, uh, the Conjuring films have, and I feel like it hurts it. Now, is it better than the first Annabelle film? Oh yeah, by a thousand and ten times better than the first Annabelle film. Uh, mainly just based on the way that it's shot, but it just doesn't do anything fresh or anything uh, original that it hasn't been seen before. And I feel like um, that if the films in the Conjuring universe start to uh, follow this suit, then I feel like they're going to start getting stale extremely fast. And I hope that doesn't happen because I'm a huge fan of the first Conjuring two conjuring films um the second film was probably one of my favorite movies last year i really liked it i talked about it a lot uh the the shot through the open window in the second film is one of the best shots i've seen in a long time in mainstream horror film but this film doesn't have any of that um and it just falls short so this movie like i should probably get into the story it's a prequel of a prequel uh we learn more about who annabelle is and how this uh, doll got possessed. So we basically follow the maker of Annabelle. He is a man who has a wife and a daughter. One day the daughter gets in an accident and 
ultimately they uh, accept the fact that the daughter's soul should be transferred into the Annabelle doll. And that's basically about it. Uh, a whole bunch of orphans move into the house and your typical conjuring stuff starts to happen. Uh, weird things start to have booms in the darkness and a whole bunch of jump scares, like I said. So, I mean, it's it's an interesting idea. I said that a prequel to a prequel is kind of a retarded idea because why not just have one prequel and move on with it? But JP thinks it's a cool idea, so why not? I just not? don't see a problem with it. It's because it, what what's wrong with telling more of a story? I mean, uh, I would rather them just try. I think it's more for confusion, really. You know, it's like using I the think, R words. I don't think it's that confusing. It's like, okay, I, I this one takes confusing. place here. This one takes place before that one. What's I, so fucking confusing about it? I don't think it? it's because confusing you're to us. A, you're practically watching them backwards. So, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, I guess. Well, I don't think it's confusing to us, but like to the general public, man, like you start throwing in prequels or prequels and shit, and it's like, fuck are you doing? I, I don't think, think like, it really matters, honestly. And, like, like, and then like yeah. this film references the nun a lot in it, so it's like, where does the nun play take place in the timeline? Oh, the I think that's cool, man. So. I think that's cool. I think stuff like that's neat because like it's there for like super fans, people who are going to take the time to to to. I like cinematic universes. I think it's neat. I really do. I've always yeah. Liked so that, that means like the nun has to take place before Annabelle takes place. So it's like a whole bunch of just things like it's, that. It's that like I Tarantino's think. films, right? Like there's like hot debate that they all take place in the same universe. Like this mm-hmm. one takes place before that one. This one, and it's all out of timeline. Too. The director of this it's one, he directed Lights Out. Is that correct? Yeah. Which is another average film. I mean, it's not a bad film. It's actually okay for a It's above average. Film. I don't know how I, you're I connecting enjoy- Glorious Bastards to fucking some of his other films. So I really enjoyed Lights <laughs> Out, but I do agree that it was very formulaic with that film also. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it's just, it's not a bad film. I think you guys should see it. It's the third best in the Conjuring series, <laughs> which isn't saying much, but... Three out of four. Um, yeah, it's the third one in line. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's if, if you're gonna go fucking top do worse one, than Annabelle, you know I mean? yeah. But so if you're gonna go into it expecting one type quality of work, you're not gonna get it. But I still think it does enough different things. The little girl from the second Ouija is in this movie. Ouija. I mean, how do you pronounce it? Ouija. 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 I don't. I pronounce it Ouija. Ouija is actually the pronunciation for it. There's no, there's no debate on that. Look it up. This is Kevin Tenney. I'm sure somebody will comment and say I'm right. <laughs> Kevin Tenney, yeah. She's in this movie. I mean, I wasn't a fan of her in that film. That, I mean, that's a good movie. That's an okay movie, too. I wasn't a fan of her in that movie, and I'm not that big of a fan of her in this movie. But, uh, okay, moods. Thanks. I appreciate you showing me your cup that says Ouija on it. Ouija? <laughs> you sound like a I'd be scared of saying that. I've actually started moving and shit. <laughs> this cup's getting beat up, man. Fuck. But I'm going to go with a rating that I've been seeing a lot of people post on this one. Uh, five and a half out of ten on Annabelle oh. Creation. Five so a- this mm. is better than Saw 2. Yeah. To you. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, totally. This guy. It is. Fucking spoiling whatever episode. The better main movie. All right. That's funny. Cool, cool shit. <clears throat> All right, I'll go. Um, so, 
first film I'm going to review here is actually a Patreon pick, and I believe it was chose by Matt Jovanoski. Janoski. Janoski? Not Janovana? Okay. Jonas. Classic shift. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really fucking bad name. Sorry about that, but Matt. I always refer to you as Matt on the Facebook page. So, anyways, he chose. What is his name? So. From <laughs> 2000 and what, what did it come on? 13? I don't think I don't think it got released in 2013 though. Uh, called Under the Skin. Um, mm. when did it make its way over here? 2015? No, I think it was 13 because I remember talking about it on the podcast. I think <laughs> was it really 2013? Holy shit! Hey. For some reason, I thought it didn't come out. Th- this later. is a film that I believe Jeremy wanted to cover at one point, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So I, it might have been 2014. I don't know, 13. but 14 it says it got released in 14 on UK. <laughs> so, anyways, this film right here was a was a really big surprise. I saw it when it first came out, and of course, it's starring uh, Scarlett Johansson. And uh, I remember hearing about this film and being like, "What the fuck?" Like, you know, you get to see Scarlett Johansson naked in this film, and I was like, "And she's kind of playing like an alien." And I was like, "What the fuck's going on with this film?" So everything was just peaking my interest, man, because Scarlett Johansson is. I've masturbated a lot to pictures of her. Just put it this way. I love her, man. But so I was just like, this is so intriguing that she's doing a film like this. But anyways, basically the storyline to this film is, uh, she's kind of like this alien entity type thing. Um, she's down on earth and she's basically consumed, uh, another human skin. She's like living in someone else's body type thing. And what she does on there, she, to survive, she needs to, uh, kind of feed on other humans. So we follow her in like her daily process of going around and picking up men and luring them back to her, I guess, house type area. It's like this almost like this dimension that she brings them in there. Mm-hmm. She strips them down and this dimension kind of consumes them. How it works beyond me. It doesn't matter. It's visually amazing. Um, so that's really the whole film. It's just a character study of this of this uh, entity, um, this alien uh, who is not named, by the way. Scarlett Johansson's character is just dubbed on here as the female. Um, my thoughts on this film, it is absolutely stunning. It is one of, it's a perfect, yeah, I love, it's amazing. I absolutely fucking love this movie. It is such, it's one of those films that sucks you in after two minutes of watching it. You gotta love some Scarlett Johansson Bush, you know? Oh, it's dude, so cool, man. It, I just I love the way they approach this film. It's such a it has such an <laughs> ominous feel to it. It's such a quiet film. There's like no score to the film. And as, you know, some like people that know me know how much I love amazing scores to films and it always kind of capture capsulize on the feel of a film for me. This one doesn't have any score. It's absolutely brilliant how they did it. And it's really cool how they actually filmed this movie too. So there's a bunch of scenes in this film where Scarlett Johansson's character is basically driving around the streets and picking up men. And now the cool part about these scenes is that they had actually hooked up um, surveillance cameras in a sense, like kind of hidden cameras inside this van that she was driving. And the men that she was picking up in the film were not actors. So all the dialogue and stuff, everything was improv by her. She was just asking questions and the reactions that they, that, these male characters were given were real reactions to film that of course they were the males were told after what it what went on that they were going to be in this movie and stuff like that so the reactions and stuff it's just 
really, really amazing to to know that you know you still have the balls to make films like that. I think it's really, really mm-hmm. cool. But that was really interesting finding out that fact about the film. But but I have to say, Scarlett Johansson's performance in this film is second to none. It's just it's really captivating um, on so many different levels. She plays the part so perfectly. Um, and you can see the confidence in herself too in these scenes. Like she didn't use no body doubles. You know, she actually does the naked scenes herself. And I, I just praise her for that. She's such a big name even at the time to do things like that. Thought it was so captivating, mm-hmm. man. But the overall feel to this film, it has this like really dreary, moody, atmospheric feel to it without the uses of music. It's such a bleak film right from the start to end. I mean, the consumption of these these humans like throughout the film and stuff, it's just like, what the fuck? And these scenes themselves are like, they're basically their eye candy. They're some of the weirdest shot scenes you've ever seen before. Love the way these things were developed and stuff. There's this really crazy scene in this film where she, uh, where this guy actually, this, this dude that's down at this beach, he basically goes in to save this guy in this water and stuff. And it doesn't go so well for some characters here, but they later on show like how bleak her character is. She could have easily like saved this baby or whatever, but this baby's like left on the beach and it just kind of cuts away. Oh man. Ballsy, ballsy cinema right there. Absolutely loved it. So much going on in this film. Um, a lot, I mean, there's a little bit of subtext and stuff too, which I will not get into, but, uh, overall it is an absolutely amazing film. I mean, it's not very often you can make a film so quiet with such little dialogue. That's so intriguing overall. And it's got an awesome ending. It really does. It has a really great and bold ending too. In bleak. Um, I don't really know what else to say about the film. There's actually one kind of interesting thing in the film too. There's a scene where she's in Scotland and she's walking through the streets or whatever. And you actually see this MF doom concert poster (laughs) on the side of this building. It's like so random. It's like so random in this film. I don't know if that was meant to be in there or if that was just strictly by chance, but the people that know who MF doom is for you. Yeah. Just for me. Right. Um, but yeah, man, this this is a very, very unique film. I couldn't stress enough to check this one out, man. If you like kind of slow burn films, quiet, atmospheric, moody, ominous, bleak, great performances, odd, very, very odd film, check out Under the Skin. I love this film. Nine and a half out of ten. Check it out. It's just really, really great Such stuff. a weird film to get a mainstream release. It's so weird. Well, I remember you saying that like back in 2013. Yeah, it's so weird. It, it's weird to get and a mainstream. And it worked, you know, it made money. As, what's, what's it called? Under the Skin or Under the Skin? The, under the Skin. Under the Skin. Under the, skin. The, the reason why I think it's so crazy that it went mainstream is is because of uh, of its bleakness. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. so it's so dreary feeling, moody. You don't think people would get into this type of film. You almost, it, it's almost a film that like would in a sense make you a little bit depressed. Like an art house film? It, it is sounds very, like it's very film. artsy. It I didn't want to use the word art house, but it is like that. It is very quiet and there's very limited dialogue, which is also another reason why it's interesting that there's a mainstream release for it. It's like <laughs> one of it's one of like eight twenty four's like first films they ever released. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh it's a Kelly's gem, song. man. It's a fucking gem. It's a yeah. real good one. I've kind of picked that up so I've seen it. What film? Yeah. yeah, I gotta pick up a copy. It's been a while since I've seen that one. A lot of bush. Oh yeah. <laughs> a lot of bush. Yeah, she's good. All right, JP, me. you're up. Repo man. No, not Repo man. Uh, so 
Um, I got the Arrow two disc in the mail um, from them, and you didn't even I, say what it is, you retard. I'm getting to that. Calm down. Oh, but I can't say it without giving an intro. Well, you, I always you like literally drunk. start reviewing the film before you <laughs> even say what the title is um, of uh, Reanimator. I've actually never seen Reanimator, and I've specifically avoided Reanimator because I always thought there was going to be a film because I knew so much about it. I've seen clips of it. I've seen people talk about it. I've seen video reviews where they use footage from the film. And I've always thought, like, I, I don't think I'm going to like it that much, or at least not as much as everybody else. So I was like, I don't even want to not like it. I'll just leave it alone. Um, but then it was, like, literally, like, forced upon me. And so I finally decided to check it out. And it basically follows this guy played by Jeffrey Combs. Uh, Herbert, West. Herbert West. It's based on, I don't know how loosely or, or not loosely but an hp lovecraft story uh basically this guy creates a serum he is in like medical school and he creates a serum that supposedly can bring people back to life after they're dead uh or at least a version of what that person used to be of course horror movies tell us that is better uh so we know bad things will happen when this um serum is injected into dead things uh, i like the you know the science behind it it's kind of it's kind of they don't get into it too much but you know it's it has they talk a little bit about like the threshold in which the brain dies after you know it becomes completely brain dead when you know injuries take place and things like that and he basically can he he moves into this house and uh, gets a roommate where he like he's like renting a room uh, from another student I believe and he begins his experiments there he eventually gets this guy to help him and they end up um, kind of accidentally killing someone in a way getting someone killed and they use the serum on him and then there's like another dude who's like I'm gonna claim this for myself and uh some stuff happens i don't really want to spoil everything and, mm-hmm. and like that but uh yeah i mean reanimator is pretty much exactly what i expected like it, it's i i expected to be more comedic than it actually is i guess if if that's one of the things that i didn't expect um it's actually not that funny in terms of like intentionally it is actually funny uh there's a scene my favorite scene in the movie probably is uh, a scene in which he uh reanimates a cat and then this cat is like attacking and it's just a funny scene of like them trying to kill this cat it's i don't think it's greatly directed because you don't really see the cat it's like almost like a cartoon in terms of like you hear the sound and but like you don't see it on screen and they try to use clever lighting to hide that but it, do- it doesn't work all the time um but it's still an effectively funny um like dark comedy type scene uh, I think that Reanimator is a cool concept. It has like a very interesting like score with it. Very much sounds like the Psycho score um, with a few different changes to it. Uh, I guess um, Richard Band, who is not Charles Band's dad, I learned that <laughs> uh, did the score to this. Um, it's bro. It's very, yeah, I know. Thanks, Derek. If you listened to last week's episode, had to, had you to would film know in that. on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
he he basically <laughs> does a story that's very psycho reminiscent of psycho and he um i believe says that it's like a homage to psycho because he really likes psycho or whatever uh jeffrey combs is awesome he's really good in this role one of the things that uh i found to notice with this film is the effects really aren't that great they're really not and i think that one thing that i did like though is because like one of the more cheesy looking effects is the cat effect it does not look like it looks like a piece of fur and like you know like a piece of uh cloth essentially but i will still say that it's better than cgi because at least it's like really there with the actors you know what i mean uh-huh. it, it it's better than cgi and the cat um i think reanimator is a very solid movie uh i am not as high on it as a lot of people are i hear people talk about this movie as if it's like one of the greatest horror films of all time. I think Moods loves this film to death. I watched it uh, twice so- this week, actually, because I got the question <laughs> in. I watched both. Um, I'd never seen the other cut before. And it was interesting to see the other cut because there's a lot of extra scenes put in it. And it actually is quite funny because some of the scenes are a little bit out of order <laughs> in it. Really? So when you're watching, there's actually a reveal. And it's like when the, the scene where Jeffrey Combs says to... Uh, Barbara Crampton and her boyfriend. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to let the Dean know about you guys, blah, blah, blah. But then there's a scene in the other cut where they're actually having dinner before that. <laughs> oh, really? It's so That's fucking weird. bizarre, man. It's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. But actually, some of the dialogue and some of the development with um, with the doctor and stuff is actually quite cool in the other cut. I mean, I don't recommend David, watching David that. Gale? Yeah, with David Gale. It's actually quite interesting because it, it puts a different kind of spin on his character. You know he's kind of a dick. <laughs> this guy, oh yeah. It, was this this was an Empire film, correct? Yes. 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 Okay. So, um, directed by who directed this? Stuart, Stuart Gordon. Gordon. Stuart Gordon and um, yeah. So um, probably probably one of Stuart Gordon's best films for sure. Uh, I love Stuart Gordon and I I think that this is probably one of the best Empire films made. Um, it's a perfect double feature with another Stuart Gordon film, From Beyond. I do think From Beyond's a little bit better, but I rate them nearly the same. I give this one eight out of ten. Nice, nice, nice. I like the fact you get to see Barbara Crampton naked in the film. Uh, pretty awesome. I think it's a, that's like it's an extra half point with me. The, the scene with David, <laughs> get, the, the classic, infamous uh, severed head scene. <laughs> between yeah, her legs. That, I always love David Gale. I wish I had never horror. seen that scene because it's it's one that I've known about forever, the head given head thing. Yeah. Like yeah. and I it's just it you know, I knew I've seen that scene a thousand times, so I always was, like David Gale because he always plays those over the top characters in like all his movies like Senjanor and MacGyver. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. And he but he had that look though. So it just came yeah. off like so comical too, right? When he's doing those yeah. over the top performances, something about his like long face and shit. I don't know. You couldn't have yeah, put especially it especially in the door when he goes like full blown like crazy. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, shit. So I guess it's my turn again. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back into some arrow video. I guess. Nice. This one's so actually transfer is really good as well. Hmm. This one's actually a new film that I think it's actually not released yet. This is actually coming out like I think in a week from them. But I wanted to check this film out for the longest time and I got a chance to check it out and it's titled The Ghoul from 2016. So I guess this would be technically uh 2017 because it's a British film so it's US release. 
This is uh, directed by Gareth Tunley. It's his actually his directorial debut, and this film's produced by Ben Wheatley, who me and Moods and know about like uh, certain aspects with them. Right, Moods? Ben Wheatley, you know him? Yes. Yes. Killless Ben Wheatley? Yep. And Free Fire, which didn't make no money. Yeah, poor Ben Wheatley. (laughs) Yeah, people have been picking up on Blu-ray. Yeah, that's a shame, man. That movie's fun. It's a fun movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's getting a second light on physical, so that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much this one's not really into the horror vein it's more like the psychological like thriller vein if you know what i'm getting with the drift of that it's very like psychological character study slash like mystery too when we go into the film pretty much the main plot of this one we're introduced to our main character chris as we're introduced to him he's a detective who's investigating this double murder and his uh, investigation leads him to uh a suspect which involves like this psychotherapist and pretty much it involves is him going undercover and trying to find out the, what the mystery with the psychotherapist is that's pretty much all the plot I'm going to give away because then it goes into another left turn pretty much without giving too much away into it because I don't want to really spoil this one because it's kind of a hard film to actually talk about without spoiling it especially with the aspects of like it but pretty much really solid aesthetic for this film it has this great aesthetic look for a very low budget film it's beautifully shot and it has some like great like atmosphere especially in the nighttime scenes and the lead performance by the main actor who plays chris is phenomenal because we get to see like his character go through changes as he's going to like these visits with like this psychotherapist and we get to learn more about it and it is a kind of like a slow burn film and feel to it but you have to really pay attention to see in this one to see what's going on it's very like uh talky with it's like psychological aspect with it especially like you're learning what's going on with like uh the doctor and chris and what the doctor is really about and what the film's really about and what's going to happen at the end I highly enjoyed this one. It has a great aesthetic look, great characters, great acting. Uh, its downfall is some, maybe like some of the talky stuff might run and drag a little too long, but it had it still aesthetically looks beautiful and really good. Like tension and the score really kept my interest, especially with like uh, the musical tones. Especially it has like this hot and like opening theme to the film, so. Yeah, I recommend The Ghoul from coming out soon from Arrow. I give it an 8 out of 10. Nice. Nice. Really good uh, special features on the release, too. I listened to the commentary with the main actor and the director. And it also comes with his uh, short film that he released with prior called The Baron. <laughs> when you first had The Ghoul, I thought you were talking about, like, the... Isn't there a Boris Karloff film called The Ghoul? From like yes. Well, actually, it's funny because I didn't want to spoil it, but the ghoul actually means something in the movie. Oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, I had no idea. But I did, first thing I always think when I hear that title is I think of Boris Karloff. So. Yeah. Karloff sidekick. Fuck you. <laughs> Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit. All right. Am I up next? You are. Fuck, you're always quoting Ed Wood, man, aren't you? Fuck. 
One of my favorite films, man. I love that movie so much. Uh, So we'll be talking about a found footage film from the year 2016, and it is Hell House, LLC. Now, this is one that uh, Joanna Rose, actually, from the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Facebook page, recommended it to me because me and her are both huge haunted house goers during the months of October. I love haunted houses. I go all the fucking time during the Halloween season. And she told me that I needed to check this one out after um, a little bit of discussion about some haunted houses. So uh, this movie you could watch on Amazon Prime and other VOD platforms. And I think right now they're taking pre-orders on their website for Blu-ray. So I think that's coming out pretty soon. So this is a very interesting movie. So this movie takes uh, place in a haunted house in a small town in New York City. Uh, the film follow these five uh, people who go around to all these different locations every October and they set up a haunted house and each um, Halloween they pick a different kind of location and this year they decide to pick a abandoned hotel and they set up their haunted house and everything like that and the film starts with uh, we learn about an accident that happens during the haunt one night where 15 people end up getting killed and uh, in the basement of this hotel and the film basically follows uh one of the owners of this haunt and uh she discusses what happened and she shows some footage that they shot leading up to this night and basically it's them you know getting the haunted house ready and everything like that and of course as the film goes on we learn there's some pretty iffy things happening in this hotel and ultimately it leads up to the night that the accident happens and we learn about um, the history of this hotel and what happens in the basement during Halloween night. So it's a really interesting film, you know, it's a really cool premise. I wish more people would use the haunted house uh, setting. Of course, houses that October built are using this setting. Uh, and of course we have the sequel coming out next month. So, I, mm-hmm. But I just wish more people would use the setting of a haunted house because I think it's such a cool idea cool concept i love to see a, a found footage film revolve around uh something going wrong inside of a haunted house and it's sad really well uh it's one of the better found footage films you could see um and it, it it's it leads up to a third act that i agree it slows a little bit um it's a little bit slow and it drags a little bit but it's still for a really low budget film that really had no money whatsoever it does a really really great job and I recommend if you guys want something different from a found footage film that I recommend you guys check this one out. Super different, like I said, setting-wise. And I, I enjoyed it. So Hell House LLC, I gave this one a 7.5 out of 10. Check it out on Amazon, BOD. I think it's worth the shot. So check out Hell House LLC. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't really know much about it. Yeah, I think you dig it, Moods. It's an interesting... It's a fresh found footage movie. I haven't seen a good one recently. It's been... They're, been quite, they're quite far in between good ones these days, aren't they? I mean, honestly, the found footage subgenres definitely slowed down quite dramatically, though. It has. Right? Yeah. So, uh, you, yeah. you know what was a decent one from this year is uh, Man Versus. It's not amazing, but it's definitely decent. And it's yeah. that one that I picked up from Family Video that has like that mask cover on the face. I can't remember the name of it right now. I have to look on the shelf. But that one's so fucking good. It's such an underrated movie that nobody's been talking about. 
I really love that movie. Let me fucking can't remember the name right now, huh. but yeah, um, it's, yeah. I'm always I'm always down for good found footage. It just oh, don't you seem are to come not alone. Him. That's the name of it. You are not mm-hmm. alone. This movie super I don't underrated and awesome. If you guys want to check out a really great movie from this year that nobody's talked about. You are not alone. So, for all, so for all the people that can't see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You are not alone is the name of the fucking movie. The sick of the Lego Jackson song. Yeah, I don't, awesome I don't even think conflict. I've heard of that one. Crazy. Yeah, it's, I haven't. So I haven't either. It's shot completely in first person, but it's not like hardcore Henry fucking annoying ass first person. Um it's really, really great. Highly, highly recommend this one. It takes place on July fourth, so it has that summer feel to it, so I love this movie a lot. It's so. a rare July 4th horror movie. Yeah, it's Independence Day. Cool. <laughs> cool stuff. I want, nobody's been talking about that movie. It's better than it's Uncle cool. Sam. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> Anything's better than Uncle Sam. <laughs> yeah, I know. That movie sucks. <laughs> ah, fuck. <laughs> um, all right, so getting to my second film here is another Patreon pick courtesy of Jeremy's best Jerry friend. <laughs> Jeremy's best friend, Jerry. Um, fucking dick. This one here is from the year of 1997, and it is called Perfect Blue. Um, now, when he sent me That's this, something pic- Jerry never happens. Blue, he never gets blue. That's for sure. Oh, 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 oh. oh yeah. That um, joke sucked. Now, fuck when- you, JP. You're an asshole tonight. You know that you fucking. No, dick. you started, bud. You started. <laughs> I'm always nice until you come at me. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what I did, so. <laughs> okay. All right, so. Calling I, me unprepared on Patreon. Oh, okay. First of all, when when Jerry first sent me this pic from this movie called Perfect Blue, I was like, what in the fuck? And then JP is like, it's an anime. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, I, didn't, I didn't know what to say. I'm not going to sit here and try and lie that, you know, try and tell people that I know anything about anime because I simply don't. It is one genre of films, or however you want to classify it. I know shit about. I have seen one anime prior to this film in my entire life. I've never watched Dragon Ball Z. I've never watched any TV shows. I don't know shit about anime in general. So Watch with, Dragon Ball Z. So with that said, <laughs> I don't really have anything to reference this to, so I kind of took this for what it was to me. And yeah, man, th- this is pretty much what I wasn't expecting at all. <laughs> So the storyline in this one basically follows. Um, remember, this is an anime. I, I don't know. This <laughs> is funny. I've reviewed anime. Anime is so bizarre to me. Uh, our lead character here, Mima. Now she has decided that she wants to retire from being a pop singer, and she's on top of the world. She's part <laughs> of this. She's on top of the world. She's like famous. She's in this group called Cham, and they sing like J-pop <laughs> songs. And but she wants to retire, leave the group, and she wants to pursue a career in acting. And she does. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, people are not overly that happy with her because she's got people that work for her and stuff. And they're just like, what are you doing? Like, you're on top of the world. Her mom doesn't want her to leave the group because she's famous. You know, she's got this great career being a pop singer. But she wants to pursue being an actress. And she does. So that's what she does. And uh, she starts becoming an actress. She takes these kind of seedy roles on this TV drama where, you know, one of her first scenes that she does is like this rape scene in, cra- in this crazy shit. So... Um, so, you know, she starts being an actress and right when she kind of switches from being a, an actor or from a singer to an actress, crazy shit starts going on. She basically starts kind of being stalked by an obsessed fan. 
and you know basically kind of ghosts and things from the past and she starts being disillusioned and shit she's not really sure exactly what's going on she can't tell the truth between reality and and what's real and what's fake and stuff and and that's basically all i'll say about the plot there um my thoughts on this one this is it it was a really really good film (laughs) i mean i have to say the first half an hour of this film plays out exactly like a drama the character development with Mima's character was fantastic. It's not drawn out. It's not over dramatized. Dramatized. It's just. It's like a perfect character study of her. She explains why she wants to do this and stuff. And, you know, some people might be like, "Oh, it's a little bit slow going." It's an eighty-minute film, and it's about thirty-five minutes. And before we get this moment, you know, where it switches from drama to horror, and it's literally in a click of a moment, like. There's certain th- scenes or things start happening where, um, when she first becomes an actress, there's this like, uh, I guess this male bomb thing happens and and this guy gets killed and things like that, and then there's just this switch to horror and it turns super psychological, major major psychological type thriller. Uh, it's one of those type of films where she's really having a hard time distinguishing between everything in her life because I love the execution of this film because. The, the TV program that she is on is dealing with the same things that are happening in her real life. And I love this contrast. The contrast between reality and, and uh, fiction, non-fiction, or fiction and film is, like, is fantastic. It's really, really well done. I was super impressed by a lot of things in the storytelling in this. Because, you know, when you're watching a film, you know, sometimes they can just kind of get so overly convoluted because they don't really know what to do. In this, I was expecting it to get crazy convoluted and just show a whole pile of crazy shit because you can do a lot more with an anime, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't go that distance because after the film was done, I kind of sat there and thought about the development of the psychological aspects of her character and what was happening to her versus what was happening in the TV uh, show and stuff was really, really dynamic. It was a really nice contrast and it really fit well thinking back on it. The script was fantastic in this. Really, my only complaints in the film, some of the um, some of the voiceovers. I watched the uh, the English version. I, obviously, this is a Japanese film, so it was originally done in mm-hmm. Japanese. So the the translation is done in English. You know the English language the dub, and stuff, yeah. but the dub. So I think it loses a little bit that you know on that aspect. But man, I t- like there was some unintentional like kind of bad dialogue at times. And some of the voice acting was pretty shaky at times and stuff. But, you know, as for the animation and shit, like, I really don't have anything else to compare it on. Me, personally, I'm a big fan of, like, 80s animation, like, North American animation style. Like, I like, like, fucking turtles and shit like that. So I'm used to that type of animation. <laughs> um, but, no, it was actually pretty good. The, the, J- the J-pop music in it was, I will admit, annoying as all fucking hell. That shit is bubblegum crap. It's really annoying. But, thankfully, they didn't overuse it in the film. Um, the score in the film itself was actually pretty cool. It fit perfectly with the way this film developed in the story. And I have to say, it's a major adult film. In a nutshell, this one is kind of like single white female meets black swan, in a sense. Uh-huh. If I had to sum up this fil- film just with one little saying, it would be that right there. Uh, I love, I'm a big fan of slow burn psychological films. And I find a lot of times when when you directors are trying to put together a psychological driven character study like this one um, without using the word convoluted, but that's what happens in these films. Sometimes there's a lot of scenes 
where they just don't make sense and you're going okay how is that relating to this and that there was a point in this film where i felt like it was trying to it was kind of getting like that there was a lot of dream sequences but they all made sense in the end (laughs) everything kind of came together which was really damn cool and it kind of made me smile you know i was not expecting to like this film at all no offense jerry i don't know where my (laughs) preconceptions were with this i just i've never been I, I can't even say I wasn't a fan of anime because I just... You just weren't interested. I just wasn't interested, and that's a good way of putting it. So, But this really piqued my interest because this is a really an adult film. You know, it is... Mm-hmm. I, I will say it's weird to see anime boobies and muff. That's weird. <laughs> you know? But excellent, excellent story, storytelling. I love the script. I mean, these type of stories we've seen quite a few times since this, you know? Maybe even a little bit before. Maybe it's not overly that new. But this type of development is excellent excellent execution highly recommend this nine out of ten check out perfect blue it's an excellent mm-hmm. excellent film really well i'm glad to hear that yours is a little more horror than mine yeah it's crazy dude because the first 35 minutes of this really was, was the two movies we're talking about in the feature reviews aren't horror so it's not that big of a difference anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i'm glad you liked the moods yeah it was it was excellent it was really good all right, so uh, my second film here is. Uh, let me take you guys back to 1997. I was only six years old, maybe 1998, so I was seven years old. Uh, I used to go to this thing called the video store all the time. And I talk about the video store a lot, but I was a very safe video renter. Like, I would rent things that I knew I liked, like Friday the 13th part one through eight (laughs) you know what i mean Uh and elm streets and and every once in a while i'd pick a new film but most of the time i would rent like four movies that i've seen before and like one that i had it and that was kind of my routine for the most part uh and you know I, i first seen you know phantasm and texas chainsaw and all these films in the video store but uh for the most part i always kind of stuck to what i liked and then tried a new one. And one time in particular, I tried a new one, and it was titled Bleeders uh, from the year 1997. Uh, and the reason I picked this film, it was actually at a, at a video store that I didn't go to that often because uh, it was a little bit of a smaller one. Um, but there was a certain era where I kept going to that one. And I picked this film because on the VHS cover, it actually had like a blood pack over top what looked like these deformed goblin creatures and it was you know you pushed it and like the blood mm, around, I remember like that. Liquid yeah. thing and, like i think one of the saw releases had something like that and we've seen them before so eight-year-old me seven-year-old me six-year-old me whatever was like fascinated by this because it was so different than all the other vhs covers it was not boring so i rented it and i remembered not liking it at all and then I would take it back and then I would go back to that video store and I'd rent it again because that fucking cover. I just kept thinking like I had this thing where I was a kid where I would watch things over and over again, even if I didn't like them, thinking that I would like them or it would be different somehow. I don't know how kids think it was. I just remember doing that a lot. So I would rent this movie constantly and I didn't remember much about it in today's time, but I found it on bull moose for around like seven dollars and it's always one that i remembered the cover for and always wanted to revisit as an adult because i probably haven't seen it in you know near 20 years (laughs) you know super (laughs) long time uh and i i decided to pop this one in as soon as i got it in the mail which i barely ever do 
and I was hoping that maybe my like child brain was just not able to comprehend the movie or something. And basically, that kind of happened a little bit. Uh, this film is uh, directed by a guy I've never heard of, Peter Svetek. Um, it is actually based on an H.P. Lovecraft story uh, called The Lurking Fear, uh, which I think is that Castle Freak as well. Wasn't that what that was based on? Castle no, The Lurking Fear. Fear was based on The Lurking Fear. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, so this film uh, is, I guess, a Canada slash United States uh, co. Oh, Peter Svedek directed this movie. Svedek. Oh, Svedek. Okay. S v a t e k. Oh, okay. I thought you said something else. My bad. But oddly enough, this film is starring Rudger Hauer and direct and written by Dan O'Bannon. Co-written by Dan O'Bannon. Which I don't think anybody knew. <laughs> um, have any of you guys seen this movie? I always saw the VHS no. in the store. Okay. I never rented it. I know it, it, it has a other ta- title called Hemoglobin. Um, <laughs> and it's, essentially, it, it's a very, it's kind of an interesting movie because it, it has an opening narration that basically said there was this family in another country who I don't remember what country it was, but they basically the the like daughter like started sleeping with the brother uh so it was like an incestuous relationship and they moved to america uh and they built like a castle like on an island and there they had kids and had kids and they inbred um for a long time like the whole family and basically then it takes place in present day where we have john and kathleen who are a couple attempting to uncover the secret of john's rare blood disease because he has a blood disease uh so they travel to this island where they found out he was born and they basically do a little investigating turns out you find out that he's like one of the sons of that family the van damme family (laughs) and those that family has been uh gone for a long time since at least since he was a baby uh he's a grown adult now and basically the, the the family like died in a fire or something like that so uh he's trying to find out anything he can about his history while his wife is trying to help him because he's he's dying of a, a blood disease and one of the things that's going on on this island is you found out that the the lady who builds like the coffins there has been using like cheap wood so all the coffins are shitty so they're moving all the coffins and you're like, what the hell does this have to do with anything? Uh, turns out that all this, these family of Van Dams have been living underground for a long time, stealing the bodies from the coffins and eating them because um, they live underground. So they would dig up to the coffins. That's their food supply. Their food supply is now cut short. So they're coming above ground and they're attacking people. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, dude. OK, this movie is not great at all. It has uh, a few flaws, but it's actually okay. Like, it has a lot of shocking things in it, like the incest. And the ending is kind of, like, a little shocking, too. Uh, And you have these um, goblins. They find one of the bodies, and it's, like, hermaphrodific. Hermaphrodite. Yeah, the hermaphrodific or something. It's a... yeah, it's a hermaphrodite. Can you make fun of me for saying graciously? Can you say what I'm trying to say? No. 
But I okay. can't say a lot of shit that you say. So okay, well, this word's a little harder than than gracious. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, Rucker Howard's like the doctor, and he finds out that this he's like he's like seminal fluid, vagina fluid or something. He's like, this is hermaphroditic, <laughs> and it, it's it's funny, and it, it all like it turns out they're like hurt by like sunlight not really hurt but they i don't know they're kind of hurt by sunlight i guess um you almost get the sense that they might be like a vampire race at this point or something like that too because it seems Uh like they feed more on blood than necessarily like bodies but they say bodies but we see them kind of drink blood so but then it doesn't make sense because bodies are embalmed and blood is taken out so there's a little bit of plot hole with that um but there's like you know nudity and like um all this, these like little fucking goblins who are like literally inbred mutations that are like really cool, uh, and the ending is is kind of shocking too because it even goes more incestuous. Um, I honestly like this movie way more than I did when I was a kid. It it really did surprise me. Uh, I think because it's very dialogue heavy early on and very like basic and kind of like bland, and then it kind of, it takes forever to get to the goblin stuff. Um, and I think just as a kid, I, I couldn't pay attention long enough because I, I I only remembered a few scenes in the movie. Like I remember the guy like trying to eat a sandwich, and being like and throwing it up and stuff because like he was craving something. And like as a viewer, you're like, I bet I know what it is. But you know, it, so it's like very like cliche like that. Like I, what kind I, of I, fucking I, movie I, is I, this? It's a weird one, and that's why I think that it's cool to review because like it's just a weird movie that probably most people haven't seen, and it's. You know, it got one cool thing is it's set on this island. It actually has some really cool shots. Like it's, it, it has a good atmosphere to it. Like similar to like you know, not nowhere near on the level of the fog, but you know, like the lighthouse and stuff. Like uh-huh. it's this small community, and it's like there's a thunderstorm scene and stuff like that. All the phone lines are cut out at one point. It, you know, it's it's a cliche as all hell, but it's actually pretty entertaining. And uh, let me see what I wrote it down from our rating make sure i was correct yeah i am coming in at a 6.5 honestly like it's it's entertaining if if you haven't seen it i i reckon it's like worth a while it's it's one of those cool 90s like films that you're like oh yeah this is neat this isn't like anything amazing but it's like cool to see something like this especially because like there was a lot of oddities in the 90s and stuff like that Uh it's when you think the fact that this came out a year after Scream, it really makes you scratch your head that they would still produce in this stuff. But at the same time, it's it's like it's a movie that I've literally never hear anybody mention ever. It's called Bleeders from 1997. Check it out. It's on YouTube for free if you want to see it that way because this disc is out of print. This DVD release is from 1998. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's an old-ass DVD, and as far as I know, it's never had a re-release. Man, I've been trying to get my hands on that for years. I can't find it for a good price, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard to find. I had it in my wish list on Bullmose, and it just popped up. With the DVD, yeah. What's that? With the DVD, yeah. Some weird-ass company, oh, I think. Yeah. I, I'll tell you that in one second. All right, this is put out by a company called Scimitar. <laughs> Scimitar. Is it like you have a Minotaur on the cover? Oh, the special features, it's a, on this two-sided DVD. Side one features interactive menus, scene access, movie factoids, biography film 
filmography, Parental Lock. <laughs> Parental Lock? How Bonus the fuck does that work? contains the ultimate DVD demo that allows you to experience and test every DVD feature on your system. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> How could you lock out a DVD is what I want to know. And what kind of Parental Lock can you set in this film? Because it's like... Okay, like cut out the incest, cut out the like attempted rape scene, cut out the seminal fluid, cut out like the. the I think you kill a kid in this one. Like, there's nothing to show except for Bunch the boring dialogue. Scratch like a mofo. No, dude, it was clean, man. This is yeah. like a brand new disc. Even the case is in shiny, pristine. Yeah, Bolmos is good like that. Yeah, man. They, 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 they. I haven't got a bad disc from Bolmos yet, man. This is like a brand new DVD, dude. <laughs> They ordered Suicide Club used from there and became sealed for like a dollar. Too bad. So check out, check out Bleeder, Suicide man. Club. Nice. Like, yeah, you gotta check that one out. Q? It's fun. Derek, so what do you got? Up. Okay, uh, segment time? Yeah. Time to return to Asian Persuasion. Good. Oh, yeah. Let's just pick a film that I already reviewed on my podcast last week. No. <laughs> no, I... This film I'm reviewing today actually comes from Japan. It was released here for uh, Tokyo Shock, actually. It's called Black Kiss. Uh, I think you still pick this one up. This is because I know a few of the Tokyo Shock titles have been going out of print more than others. But I think this one you can still get for reasonable prices. This one's very interesting. It's more like I did in my last review kind of more on like the psychological thriller aspect this one is kind of in the vein of like Seven or like Silence of the Lambs type with its film and pretty much the main plot of this one we're introduced to our main character of Osaka who's a young model who just moves to Tokyo to get a career in modeling and she's trying to find a place to live and she ends up uh mean this uh very like moody like kind of goth like chick when we first meet her named kusami who's very mysterious and interacts and ends up moving in with her but unbeknownst next door is this hotel and asaki actually witnesses a murder being happening and this is a very entrained murder because what ends up happening is they end up calling the police and they find the body the killer, pretty much what he did with the body is made it into like a work of art. He put like flowers in the eyelids and uh, opened up the body. It kind of looks like like a sculpture in a way, the, the way that I'm trying to describe what the victims look like in this film. And it, ha- it leaves a colon mark on all its victims uh, with this uh, lipstick, like lips with like black lipstick. Hence the title of the film, Black Kiss. So pretty much what ends up happening with the rest of the film, as Asako has witnessed this murder, and she thinks that the killer is stalking her. And the mystery is trying to solve out who the killer is and before it's too late. That's pretty much the main gist of this one. Now, I was actually pleasantly surprised with this film for what it was, because I was expecting, like, you know, with like a lot of like Asian cinema some like batshit craziness or like some weird oddity stuff. This one's pretty more straightforward with what it is. It's pretty much like, like I said, like a psychological thriller where they try to figure out what's going on and why the killings are happening. 
And it's not really the highest body count in this film. It has a few kills here and there through like some dialogue scenes. So it kind of plays out like more in that vein where like it's giallo. But the kills that it does have are very aesthetic and very cool. And there's one fucked up scene that involves dolls in this film. That's all I'm going to give away if you guys want to check this one out. It's pretty fucked up, especially where it's leading to. And yeah, but my only problem with this film is there are a lot of good ideas that go with like uh, the characters and stuff and the aspect of like the killings, but they use too many of them at the same time. And especially in the end of the film, which kind of hurts the end in my opinion, especially with the reveal of the killer and not like they actually like give like a reveal of the killer, but just the way the killer looks and stuff, it might turn some viewers off, but Solid watch. I highly recommend this film. The aesthetic is really good, and the musical soundtrack is really good. And I actually like the interaction between Asaku and Kasumi as characters, and the mystery of Kasumi as a character. And we see her grow as a character. Both of them grow as a character, for that matter. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. So I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. I need to finish that one. I, I, I popped it in a while, like a long time ago, and fell asleep. Never finished it. Not that I wasn't enjoying it, but I just never finished it. You ever, yeah, I, I, I'm sure we all have done that with films where we've been watching, fell asleep. I just asleep. did that to Beyond the Darkness. I, I forgot to go back to it. Yeah, I did every once in a while. That was actually one of them right there, Derek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, check it out. Really cool. Film. QQ. All right. Jeremy, what do you got for us? We do pick of the week. Pick of the um, week. Fuck, what whatever happened? happened to Mexican asshole? This guy is you a lazy fuck. <laughs> oh, he's been working eight days a week. Sorry. I've been working oh, yeah. eight days got a week, 28 hours a day. <laughs> so I haven't had time. But I wanted to revisit this one. This is one that Moods and JP both reviewed on episode five. Nice. Of the 22 shots of moods and horror so podcasts. Which, Do you know what episode five was? No. Let's see. It was antiviral, and then it was Mr. Jones. No, Mr. Jones wasn't that early, was it? Uh, Mr. No. Jones was like 21. I think that was top, the first episode that me and JP did it alone. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was oh. top 10. Yep, top yeah. 10 of 2013, the first annual top 10 show. Oh, really? And, yep. Crazy. And I wanted to revisit this one, of course, because I just saw Annabelle and because of the fact that uh, we are going through the Saw series right now. And it is a film that I, you know, I've been watching Mr. Wan's filmography more now. And it's very interesting to look at this movie and then look at Saw and the film after is Conjuring 2 and see how it pieces together as time goes on. It's very interesting. Um, and that, of course, is The Conjuring from the year 2013. And you see Mr. Wan uh, build his techniques as a filmmaker over time. And it's very interesting uh, because I first saw this movie in 2013. This is back in the day where studios weren't doing 7 o'clock screenings on Thursday night like they do today. This was a, a 12 o'clock midnight viewing for me. A packed theater, a whole bunch of people. And, uh, you know, the buzz for this movie was quite strong. And I was very excited to see it because, uh, you know, this is right when I was starting to get back into independent horror films, things like that. Of course, the podcast was just getting started and I was starting to watch more horror. My mind was developing more as a horror viewer. So very excited. This was the first movie that had a really, really great buzz around it. 
in this mind that I had. So it's very exciting to watch it. And like I said, the C1 uh, and Saw, he uses a lot of bird eye view shots, a lot of, uh, you know, tracking shots. And it carries over into this film where we see another shot where uh, he he develops the use of the space very well. Uh, the beginning of the film, it starts the camera outside and he follows uh, the family if they move into the house and he goes room to room and he's able to um, show the space in a very interesting way that throughout the entire film you have a really great idea of where each character is in the house because he shows you at the beginning of the film through this really interesting um, tracking type shot uh, each room of the house and he does this in The Conjuring 2 later on where he goes through the window and I've talked about that shot a million times so it's very interesting to see him evolve as a as a director so The Conjuring this movie still holds up like a fucking mofo this movie is still so damn good and I've always said that the scene of course the clapping scene that everybody talks about in this film still holds up today as one of the greatest jump scares ever put on film. Uh, mm-hmm. It goes up there with the ending of Carrie for sure as one of the greatest jump scares ever. It's still, it's still effective even though you know what's happening. But I remember the first time, of course, when I was sitting in the theater and it happened and everybody pretty much lost their shit. Uh, it's just such an effective scene. And, it is just a, like like JP said at the beginning of the show. It is the poltergeist of this generation. You know, it is the premium haunted house movie, um, probably of the 21st century so far. You know, that Nothing, was before the show. Just to let the listeners know, in case they're like, he never said that. <laughs> I said that. I said before the show. I thought you said it at the beginning of the show. Oh. <laughs> okay, at the begin before the show started, but you know, it is truly. The haunted house movie of this generation and lorraine and ed warren very interesting characters and to watch this movie now having to see uh annabelle creation yesterday and uh and conjuring 2 it's very cool to see how they're trying to piece together like you'll see i noticed in this movie you'll see the uh spinning box that we end up seeing in conjuring 2 you'll end up, you'll actually see that on the shelf when we first enter the room where Annabelle is. It's very interesting, things like that, that James Wan was thinking ahead of where he wanted to carry the story. Does like Conjuring so, 2 take place before Conjuring no, takes, 1? No. It takes place after. No, it's, it's, after. It's, making sure. it's right after. Because <laughs> yeah, in the end of Conjuring 1, well, you know, Conjuring 2 begins with, like, anime okay. villain and stuff, okay. yeah. Yeah. So it's like I said, it's really interesting to see that like, oh, James Bond was thinking of a a greater purpose in his mind when he made this movie. So I I found that interesting. And that's what I love about, uh, you know, me, I really don't go back watching movies. But now that a franchise out, it's very interesting. Go back to the beginning and piece it back together. What uh, James Bond was thinking in his mind and the performance in this movie are top notch. I don't understand why uh, either fair Farah Formiga. See, I even worked with this mofo. I think Formiga. Yeah, I worked with her. She's a very tiny lady, like super, super short. Really? Like (laughs) I first saw her, I was like, "Damn, she's really, really short, and she's very petite and skinny." Like you wouldn't realize that when you're watching her on screen, but in person, she's really like that. And um, Patrick Wilson. I don't even know why neither of them got any, even a freaking Golden Globe nomination because it's horror, but. It's just a shame because their performances in the movie are really good. Everybody's performances around the block is really, really good. So The Conjuring, it's still 
such an amazing film. Um, I think this is one movie that in 30 years from now when we're old farts and the younger generation are growing up, they're going to be talking about this movie um, as a ultimate classic. And Mr. Wan is way, way, way on his way of being this generation's first master, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the Conjuring, 9 out of 10. I really love so this movie. You've went up a whole point on a second view. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I have said this in the past that I think The Conjuring will get better for everyone, including me. The more views and the more time that separates from the hype. Um, I gave it an eight out of ten on first view too. Uh, but thinking back on it, like I really truly think it's a special movie, and it it's actually very funny to me when I hear people. Um, like hate it like uh, Tom the Horrors Ball who we all know um, been around for a while like he hates these movies like he can't stand them he thinks they're trash um, and you know so it's such a polar opposite uh, vibe for me because like I can s- understand kind of what he's saying with like the sleekness of them and stuff like that but to me it's just it's just like a wonder like I could just picture kids who see this movie as a child becoming horror fans off of this movie it's like perfect fodder for them Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i truly think that this is going to be one of the films that is like jeremy said you know 30 years from now it will be a classic it will be like how we talk about amityville today and poltergeist and and you know other films like that and i really truly think so man yeah the sequels you know I like the sequel more, so that should say something. But I, I appreciate the first film yeah, quite a one, bit. One day I do want to cover these movies, but I would like for the Conjuring universe to kind of end, or at least like no films announced, you yeah. know what I mean, and cover them all. I think that would be such a cool show. Um, but obviously we've, there's two more in the works right now. So um, at three potentially. So like not even close to doing that. Yeah, during that show we can figure out why Jeremy likes the sequel more than the first one. <laughs> I did too. That's that's blowing my mind. I did too. Wow. I, I completely didn't. They're like the same movie. No. No, the first one's way better. Second one's more polished than the first, I, which is I crazy. Think, I think the second one has a couple flaws in it too. I think you watch back to back and they're like the same fucking movie. Really. Uh, they feel very similar to me. I would have to watch them. I haven't seen the first one, and like Jeremy said. The first uh, one had me engaged in the whole thing. The second one, I was engaged, but there was a couple laugh out loud parts in it <laughs> really kind of affected the film for me and mm. it was more polished for sure it definitely was i mean mm. that's kind of a little bit of a gripe on it i think i like the ghost in part one more yeah it just has that babadook kind of feel the ghost in part one no yeah i like the, the that guy who played the ghost i love the insidious franchise too man yeah like did you guys know that the ghost from The Conjuring is the same as the lipstick demon from Insidious? Uh, I think what? I did know that. Jesus no, the, no, Bathsheba from The Conjuring is the same actor who plays the lipstick demon from Insidious. I actually didn't know that. I would not he, be he does surprised the film if this film series is the composer like of the movies. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I knew that. that. Was, I knew that. Yeah, composer. I didn't realize. Oh, didn't play. I didn't realize he played him. Uh, that's crazy all right right, so getting into my italian stallion of the episode (laughs) uh this one's coming from uh director sergio martino 
Of course, we know him because we've covered him during a week during Italian month. Um, he's a director of such films as like Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, Torso, The so. Great Allig- <laughs> the Great Alligator, Alligator, whatever you want to call it, uh, The Case of Scorpion's Tail, Blade of the Ripper, fuck, what else? Mountain the Cannibal God. Hands uh, of Steel. <laughs> just so many films, man. Ser- Sergio Martino has a great catalog of films, not just horror. But uh, Fall of New York, I think he did that one. Yeah, yeah fucking crazy. Manjana, Man with the Blade, yeah. awesome Western. Crazy, man. And yes, yeah, so this is all the colors of the dark. I've been waiting for this to come out for so long. The DVD's been out of print forever. Shameless was kind enough to release it on Blu-ray, which I believe is the only Blu-ray that you can get of this film. I believe so. So that's really damn cool. This actually came out the same year as your Vice, I believe, in 72. So cool stuff. Um which was not uncommon for directors to do multiple, multiple films back in those days. <laughs> you just don't see that anymore. It's something you never see anymore, you know, mm-hmm. unless, of course, it's like a Dustin Mills film or something like that. <laughs> but that's, and that's not a knock on Dustin Mills at all. I'm just saying it's yeah. a little different. But uh, so basically, this one follows our main character, um, Jane, played by Edwidge Fenich. Uh, man, probably the most beautiful woman ever to grace the screen she's just everything that she's in oh you can't help but just watch her she's so fucking beautiful what's that we can't can't wait till you cover strip nude does she have a retro bush (laughs) well don't they all (laughs) and and that's the nice thing about edwidge too man is that she was so fucking beautiful man and she wasn't afraid to get naked and you know like sergio martino even said though like she was that type of actress that would she just felt comfortable naked and it showed on the screen. She never felt, she didn't look uncomfortable, which was really cool about her. Um, but she plays a character named Jane. Uh, she's married to uh, George Hilton uh, in the film. Here's character's name is Richard. And she's kind of a, she's kind of had a rough one when she was younger. Her mom was killed. And recently she's trying to get over a car accident that she was in. She got all fucked up in this car accident. She lost her baby and her husband is never around, of course, played by Richard Hilton, who thinks that, you know, her depression can be solved by taking, you know, all this kind of medication, all these vitamins and shit like that. And she's not having any part of it. Like, she's depressed as shit. So she's trying, she's seen a shrink trying to get over her, you know, her problems and things like that. And of course, the shrink is not helping whatsoever. And she comes across her, her like, kind of strange neighbor that mentions that uh, there's this group that you can go to. Um, and maybe they'll kind of help her out with her problems and stuff. It turns out it's like this satanic black mass type group and things like that, uh, which she actually does attend. And then all this crazy shit starts going down. She starts having these crazy nightmares and daymares of of witnessing her own death and just all this crazy shit starts going down with her kind of adding to the fuel that uh, her fire already is. Um, but yeah, that's basically the premise of the film. It's more or less, in a nutshell, it's kind of like a Giallo meets uh, Satanic cult film. Um, you can really, really heavily tell the inspiration for this film was taken from Rosemary's Baby. And I mm-hmm. think that's very publicized. It's very similar, in a sense. Uh, but the difference is this one is a very, like, it's a very psychedelic, hallucinary uh, type film. A lot of dream and, you know, a lot of dream sequences, nightmare sequences, daymare sequences, a lot of shit like that's going on. Yeah, like daymares. Like you're, it's kind of like that disillusion type film where you're not really sure if, she, if it's really happening or not, if it's night or, or night or day. And I think that was actually a fact that Sergio Martino was going for. Uh, read from the opening credits in this film, which are fucking fantastic, by the way. The music is done by uh, Bruno. Nicolati. 
Bruno Nicolotti does the music in this and it's fucking fantastic but it's kind of interesting how they did the opening sequence because um, they shot it with like this really strange filter and it's just a shot of like this lake and it's actually during the day but it looks like it's night and the way the credits are rolling there's kind of like no music playing and sh- it's really cool how they did the credits it just mm-hmm. it sets the stage fantastically but I have to say man for all the Sergio Martino films I've seen um, this one develops a little oddly like I said it's very psychedelic it's almost it's very hallucinating. It has very strange imagery in this, but the cinematography is fantastic. There's so much cool editing going on in this film too. Some would say that was even mimicked later on by American films too. I know there's definitely one scene in this film that apparently was jacked straight from this film, which is kind of ironic considering the whole story is kind of jacked from, you know, a Polanski film, but, but anyways, but yeah, there's a lot of really cool techniques used in this film, like really accentuate the story too. I mean, the story is not, like I said, overly original. It's not even that great. Really. Even the resolution's not overly the greatest. I'm surprised they kind of went with the way they ended this film, the way they did, um, in the story. But, uh, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but it's, it's a very interesting film though. I have to say performances are excellent. Uh, Edwidge is just fantastic throughout the whole film. Um, and uh, I, I do love all the kind of the imagery that she's seen. Like it's it's without giving too much away, um, she essentially is seeing her death. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. She keeps having these like nightmare visions of her own death, and you know, and foretelling visions a little bit, a little bit. But it's cool how they resolve that too. I thought that was really really unique and kind of different for the genre how they did this. So. I think I know Martino's pretty proud of this one. I think he's even said that it might even be his best film. Or I know it's like he's claimed that it's his favorite film that he's done. Anyways, uh, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite by him. I think the downfalls to the film actually are a lot of the satanic cult scenes. Martino seems to have this very odd thing where he shoots his cult scenes and it seems like it's very very similar, and it almost seems like he he's done the scene over and over again. Um, the dude that plays the cult leader or the Satan worship whatever. He's, he has like these ridiculous nails or these claws and it just it actually looks out of place and looks kind of comical <laughs> to be honest it's like it's straight it's so strange and like the way he's playing the character it, it's kind of over the top and stuff not really a lot of dialogue involved in it though which is probably a good thing but there is a really cool kind of gang rape, rape scene with with Edwidge in it too which is a really kinda, cool gang rape scene well i mean it's like the satanic scene. i mean it's done you know it's not done viciously or anything but it's part of like her initiation to this black mass type deal um but uh, yeah i mean you know it's got its it's got its uh sleazy moments and things like that in this one but overall it's actually a pretty it's a pretty decently well shot film I think the biggest mm-hmm. thing is probably the story is a little bit lackluster, but overall it's a really interesting watch, man. I love the imagery sells the film, music sells the film, like most Italian films, really. But uh, definitely give the shot, man. I'm going to give this one uh, about an eight out of ten. Not my favorite yeah, Martino for an Italian film. Not my favorite Martino film, but it's really stylistic, though. And you, yeah, you that's tell- what, I about what is your too. favorite Martino film? Oh, uh, my favorite film is probably. Oh man, this either torso or your vice. I don't remember what I rated those ones, but I'm I'm sure those are up there for me. Yeah, I think in uh, the horror realm, your vice is my favorite. And well, you know what my favorite was. <laughs> yeah, torso in, in the horror realm. Um, he's he's just done a lot of really good films, but you know this one comparatively to your vice, totally in in and uh, torso, cinematography wise, like it's it's really good. This is probably the best shot film out of the three. 
torso is pretty well shot. Dude. This one has some. Yeah. It's also a combination of the really interesting filters and and the film stock that they used and uh, the editing too in this one. It's some people might find the editing to be. Uh, maybe kind of overstaying its welcome. I don't want to give anything away, but the, the, this one specific scene involving Edwidge towards the end of the scene, uh, film has been jacked before from this film. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. And, and it says something about what they were doing. But uh, yeah, All the Colors of the Dark, Sergio Martino, check it out. 8 out of 10. It's definitely worth the pickup. The transfer on the Blu-ray, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, it's probably, who knows the best it's going to look. I don't know. It looks okay. That's that's the thing. I don't know what they use, but I mean, I've seen better Blu-ray transfers than this one. But our yeah. homies in this one too. We forgot to mention Rosimo. Oh yeah, Rosimo's actually in this one. Yeah, totally, hundred percent. Yeah, that's right. All right. So, uh, getting into my segment, which will be a Patreon pick here from Matt Janoski. Uh, we have Repo Man, which uh, is a film that I've always avoided. Hated the title. I'm sort of like Dave in that way. Where like sort of that, film... sa- that sounds like you just took that line read from Dave's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I've I've mentioned to him before that I'm like, I'm kind of like that. Like I won't. It's not necessarily that I'm not open to see something. It's just that yeah. I, it's like off my radar because I don't like the title. Um, and also because I heard that this is like i've never heard it described as a horrible horror film and it's not really at all um but it is like science fiction a movie rules, bro. I it, love it seems movie. to be a common theme you know from this episode it's I not know, really a right? horror film is it <laughs> yeah uh so this film follows a young man played by emilio estevez named otto and Emilio Estevez, of course. I mean, I love Emilio Estevez. I don't know somebody who's like, man, that Emilio Estevez. I really don't like the him. Mighty Duck Man. He's one of I my. I saw favorite. him in line. Mighty I was like, Ducks, Emilio. He's uh, one of my brother favorites, of man. Carlito Estevez. Yeah, I mean the dude. The dude. I love him in everything that I've ever seen him in. Literally, you know what I mean. Me too, man. Uh, he's one of my favorites. He just captures your attention. And I don't know if it's just about his voice or like what it is. He's he got. Just, he's got good on-screen charisma. He does. He is, he just has he that likable charisma in everything he does. Billy the Kid? Fuck. Yeah. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. You need Hell to yeah. see Men at Work, Jake. His character on The Outsiders? Oh, he's good in everything. He oh, I think dude, Emilio Weston is one of the most underrated actors, man. <laughs> His character in The Outsiders is such a small part, but like you just love when he's on. And you got the giant yeah. chocolate cake and hey. the Budweiser. <laughs> he's just the yeah, shit. He's, yeah, he's, he's so funny in Men at Work. Like, holy fuck. Some parts I actually did not even know he was in this film. I would have watched it a lot sooner had I known he was in this film. Uh, but basically, this auto dude, uh, he seems to be like a punk rocker living in like L.A. And he loses his job at a uh, like grocery store. His girlfriend breaks up with him. He's kind of just like, uh, he goes home and his like parents are like these stoners who like just seem brain dead and they promised him money but they gave it away to some like tv shit so he's like what the hell man and like he's just kind of in a bummed out spot and then he meets this dude who kind of tricks him into helping him repossess a car through some you know trickery and basically he's like hey you should be a repo man like me and he's like nah but then he's like yeah because the rest of his life is kind of lame uh so he starts doing these repo jobs he meets this girl kicks it with her has sex with her um does a little bit of cocaine um 
different different things and it's kind of, that's kind of it like i mean there's the, that's kind of the basic story i guess like that it, there's at the beginning of the film the first scene is this car that stops and like a cop like looks in this trunk and he like disintegrates and i was like no. like it feels like this film is going to be like what like okay like cheesy as fuck you know because that scene is not like super good looking at all um jp do you really think it would be in the criterion collection if it was a bad movie Mm, no yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i get no but you know and and i did know that going in but there have been criterion films that you know are just not for for me or you know specific people that they're art house you know what i mean yeah, and this yeah. is to an extent too it's unconventional it's odd there it's like kind of hard to really pin down like what the message is in this one unless i missed it like there's a it almost feels like a mix like a little splash of like they live in it or something with the like brain dead parents and like all the like soda like every it's like the the like pop that they go get is called like drink and like you know, the beer is called beer, and it's like, like the, street trash meets they live. That's how low budget was. They couldn't even have any labels in there. <laughs> well, I think it's. Yeah. A, I think it means something. Like I think it was supposed to mean something or it something could, like that. Yeah, yeah. It's been a no, while since I've seen Repo Man. So. Yeah, I, I don't really know what though. Uh, and honestly, like the ending, like I don't know what to make of that either. Like I don't understand this movie. Like I feel like there's a message here, but I don't know what it is. Uh, if it wasn't for Emilio Estevez and it actually being entertaining and intriguing to see what this character was going to do next, I would say that this movie feels pretty pointless. Because um, I really don't know, and I, I would be interested in in theories or, or you know explanations. Because to me, it just kind of ends with a weird thing, and I yeah. don't understand what it means. Um, but it is a very entertaining movie. Like it, it's like you like to watch what this dude's doing. And uh, you know you you like to see um, them repossess cars. Like there's there's a funny moment where he like goes to like he's like on his own and he goes to like repossess this like black woman's car. <laughs> like all these dudes come in and it's like their mom and he's like, uh. <laughs> you know, like it's just great. That's a great scene. But um, I like this movie a lot. I really did. Like it's it's a it's a really well made movie don't really understand what this like symbolism or, or meaning to it is but it was still a fun ride to get there i give it an eight out of ten does anybody know do you guys have theories and you guys know it's been a while since i've seen it but man i haven't I, seen it in years either it's it's been a couple it's years been a since year, i watched maybe the, since the i criterion, watched but for the last time. i just i just remember watching the film and going huh <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's like, like it's literally one of those films where you it's go. Like a, I don't know Kashi if I'm supposed Miki to read it in and fucking uh, Dead or Alive. We're just like, what? I wouldn't mind actually rewatching it right now. Actually, just to yeah. just to see yeah. it again. Don't you think? Don't you, okay, I don't. This is kind of like an offbeat thing, but just thinking of Emilio Estevez, man. If you if if Brian Tenter Smith was Amer- made an American version of Dead End Drive-In, don't you think Emilio Estevez would have been the perfect crabs? Oh yeah, he yeah. definitely would have fit right in that movie. What, doesn't that? Just but seem I can like- honestly see Emilio Estevez play like a lot of things. Like, I, like, all right, let's put Emilio Estevez as Forrest Gump. Like, I'm sure he'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's too bad he only makes one movie every ten years. I, I know, I'm, man. Dude, I, I'm what? always like, I always what? get so excited when I see him. Too. What is the deal with Emilio Estevez? Why does he? He's do been doing things? a lot of directing. He's been. I'm doing- saying, let's do Mighty Ducks four, man. 
Ever I since he's not doing the Mighty Duck films, it's like he just fell off the face of the planet. He's been doing like, a lot more directed stuff. Jordan Bombay. Yeah. I really What's that his name? Not, All I could say is oh. I was standing in line and he turned around and he tipped his cat. And you'll never know who he was. I swear, man, I was there. It was Emilio Escafes, the Mighty Duck Man. I swear, I was there. I was like, Emilio. Escafes. What's that from? At the Roxbury. Escafes. Uh, <laughs> Estevez. Good shit. Oh, shit. Nah, man, at the Roxbury. That movie yeah. never Blu-ray released. There's a lot of features in the Repo Man Blu-ray. Yeah, Actually, you know what, man? It. I don't own it, but it's definitely one of the criterions I'll pick up next time I hit up the sale. Yeah. It's a digi package. Man, I got pack. like I got like three editions. I got that Anchor Bay tin. I've got the Anchor Bay standard Was that DVD. A tin? Yeah. Yeah. And I've got like the Criterion Blu-ray. It's a license plate. It says Repo Man. I see it all the time. It's like one mm. of the common ones. Actually, oh yeah, I know that ones. one. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the odd ones out of the sets. Mm. Yeah. Not as weird as candy. Yeah, candy's a weird one. Candy's yeah. fucking impossible to stand up to. <laughs> but yeah, so that is gonna do it for what we watch. Holy shit, man! And that and that actually finishes all the Patreon for August. So good job, guys. Yeah, nice. Thanks for making me watch some scattish movie. I appreciate it. That was... Thanks, Matt Janowski. That was fun, man. I'm glad you picked Repo Man for me. Yeah, I gotta say, man, both my picks were excellent too, man. Like, I, like I wasn't sure about Perfect Blue, but Jerry, thanks for opening up my eyes to the world of anime, because yeah, otherwise I would have not watched that movie ever. No lies. Make Jeremy watch Beneath the Mississippi next month. <laughs> you need to watch. You need to watch Spirit Away then, Moods. Well, like Jeremy actually said that. About I'm curious now. I mean, if they, if they say adult to. theme like that and shit, that's cool. <laughs> That's cool, man. I love I love Spirit Away. That movie is so fucking good. Yeah, I love some anime. Really All right, let's get into the fucking yeah. Platform. That was the, that was like one of the longest WWWs we've had in a long time. Twelve films. Oh, was... you fucking lazy piece of shit! You can't say what we watch. You have to say WWW. I, I, can, I can say suck my fucking cock, Jeremy. <laughs> was, it was, was like that an long enough? Did you want? Me, I didn't want to abbreviate that. I don't know why my vagina is so dry. It's not like you're gonna have any lube. So what's the point? <sighs> Jesus, His, Jer- Jeremy's off. cool with calling it WWE though. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Sorry, <fucking> difference. <laughs> Jeez, what a fucking hypocrite! I know he's doing Christ. that during your whole like talking about the Van Dams. <laughs> uh, <RPD. laughs> All right, so let's let, let's move on to these feature reviews here on episode 110. Now we are gonna we're not gonna start with the Patreon one, which the guy that picked this, we're going to go chronologically. We're going to go chrono like date wise, chronological here. So, so we are going to, we're going to start with the film that we paired up with, with the Patreon pick and Mm -hmm. actually is kind of recommended on the back of the (laughs) Blu-ray. It's kind of, yeah, that that was crazy. We mentioned that in the live show that that was not planned. No, I I I didn't know. I was like, I was like, JP, I'm watching solid cover and I'm checking out the, Send him a picture and it's there's a quote. The film would match up perfect with delivery. Before we get into these reviews, like uh, just the directors themselves of these two films. <laughs> okay, we'll start with Deliverance here. Um, uh, 1972, directed by John Borman. Yep. Who, if you directed, want to fill this in, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he's a very interesting director. I've actually seen tons of his movies. Probably for us horror fans, 
he's probably infamous for directing the exorcist too, which is oh, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, bla- yeah. Yeah, yeah. The black sheep of the exorcist films. But, uh, he's done so many like good genre films like point blank, which was remade into payback with Mel Gibson, fucking Excalibur, Zardoz, uh, the general would bring Gleason, amazing film with actually starring the actor from deliverance too, John Voight, uh, the tailor from Panama does a lot of interesting type films for his filmography. I've always wanted to see Zardos. I've never seen it before. Oh god, it's so awesome! <laughs> I mean, the stills though, man. The stills from Sean Connery. Sean Connery in that fucking outfit just looks ridiculous, <laughs> dude. That is the funniest shit ever. <laughs> uh, it's great. Yeah, that's so awesome, man. I gotta pick up that from from Arrow sometime, but yeah, great release. So, yeah. Deliverance came out in 1972. Now, I think that's super interesting because like. The 72 is super close to the 60s like like uh, the, you know but at this time you had the graduate and easy rider and and hollywood was starting to change quite a bit up until this point you know it, it wasn't your cut and dry typical hollywood film even in 72 you know easy rider really fucking changed when did Sarah, easy, rider, easy rider and like midnight cowboy and films like that well, really it was like it was like bonnie yeah. bonnie and clyde was really the first one but this movie you could tell was pretty independent so you know i i kind of paired this one up more with the graduate and and easy rider especially easy rider but you know it, it, and of course last house on the left which came out the same year mm-hmm. <laughs> was last house on the left really what took off mainstream wise though um i actually don't really know honestly i don't but, think so i, I mean this like, is definitely a more i would see mainstream film 42nd street was sure. popular on 42nd street yeah, yeah. But I, i'm talking about but, content yeah yeah, yeah 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 this is but, pretty yeah it's, it's 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 an interesting film to say the least that that it got the amount of talk that it did but i think outside of one scene in this film it was it would basically be any other typical hollywood movie i would say it's just that one scene that i think that is what everybody still talks about today you know well there's two scenes technically there's one that's you know people remember for for war you know for it being a little bit harsh and Mm -hmm. the, the one of the most famous scenes in this film is is the banjo scene I mean, that thing's been parried to the death. I mean, what, yeah, I mean, uh, Tim Burton. Somebody yeah. posted that today. I yeah, he did a cameo. He did a cameo. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but I mean, that, that scene that. has been parodied to death. I mean, I mean, people know the rape Cabin scene, Fever. but yeah, Sal Park, the, the but, Cabin mm-hmm. Fever, uh, Pancakes Kid was influenced by Banjo Kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eli yeah. Roth says that in the commentary that that was a direct, you know, inspiration. Mm-hmm. All right. Like I said, besides besides that one scene. You know, it, it's your, it, you know, it's a little bit more hardcore, but besides that, it's your typical journey film, you know? Well, it's or, kind of like a survival film because they're trying to survive the elements. journey film. Yeah. No, like that mm-hmm. one scene, you can't say without that one integral scene, the film is something. Yeah, of course, that's the, the key scene to the whole movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's what, what sets, sets up the, the tone. Film. That's the yeah. point of the movie. 
that's the game changer scene. Yeah, I do think well, that the fucking it's at like the forty minute mark though, you know. Yeah, but you get to know the characters too, and you get yeah, to see well, the psyche. Let's, well, let's, well, that's synopsis. why I said synopsis first. Before yeah, we let's get into right, that. So, we'll so get let, let me it. give a brief little uh, synopsis here. Intent on seeing the Chattawassee River before it's turned into one huge lake. Outdoor fanatic Lewis Medlock takes his friends on a river rafting trip they'll never forget into the dangerous American backcountry. So first up, we got four friends here, played by John Voight, Burt Reynolds, Ned Beatty. And Ronnie Cox. People always give me shit for fucking saying that guy's name wrong. Um, which, you know, turned out to be... I mean, this is kind of Burt Reynolds' breakout role, too. This is kind of oh, the thing actually, that made him... Actually, this is Ned Beatty and Ronnie Cox's, like, first real movie because they were, like, theater actors before this. I didn't... I, I didn't... I, you know, yeah, I was thinking Ronnie Cox from fucking... Uh, uh, Robocop? <laughs> of course, Robocop and shit, but yeah. Um, but you know, to me, it's kind of funny when you take these four actors, man. We know them as such huge actors, like we know them from tons of films and shit like yeah. that. Burt Reynolds is always the one that people talk about in Deliverance, but you know, in my honest opinion, man, I think John Voight 100 percent steals the show in this film. Well, it, it all goes into that like uh, the game change and scene where his character grows as that after that scene. Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, I, I just it's so interesting, but yeah. So. Basically, you have these four um, friends who are clearly, uh, besides, I believe, John Voight's character, uh, are, are all kind of fish out of water. Um, and they are venturing into someplace they honestly sh- shouldn't be venturing into. And it's <clears throat> that's kind of one of my arguments for w- why it's a horror film, too, which I- I'll get to later, my other <laughs> arguments. But... Um, you have a very classic horror film setup. They're disrespectful to the places around them. They they don't respect the way of life there. They don't respect the people there. They don't respect the nature mm. or anything. Do They're, they? I don't think that. I think hmm? they respect the nature. They clearly respect the nature. Why wouldn't they? They're freaking going. They out don't take kayak. it serious, dude. They think that they, they don't. They don't take uh, it as a danger. They don't take it as uh, a serious thing. All, all the locals are saying, "Don't that, like that river's, you know, dangerous and stuff." I you think know it's. What I, mean? I think it's but more. The or river less didn't just... end up fucking them up. It wasn't the river that fucked them up. I think it's more oh, or less just Lewis and Bobby. Saying, yeah. So why respect? are they taking it? Because uh, then after that scene, their psychological standards get a little warier because they had like that bickering moment and stuff. But you know what I mean? In their psychosis and it's the strain of like their psychosis as they're trying to survive this river. And what happens when they do in this river, it builds on their characters. So it's the horror with that as they have to work in a group and their psyches are all over the place. See, I never got the I never got the feeling that they disrespected well, they didn't really disrespect it. I don't. I don't think it's direct. I think it's more Lewis it's like and Bobby in this in this direct, film. You know what I mean? I think it's. I think it's just more Lewis and Bobby. I mean, Lewis is obviously a very strong individual. Believes that he can conquer anything in life, and that's why he's brought yeah. these three people along with them to do this thing because he feels. I, I don't know what the exact intentions are. If it's he, he wants to it, be the alpha male of everything, the alpha male thing. But maybe it's you know recapturing maybe a little bit of youth or accomplishing mm-hmm. something personal or something like that. But you know, Bobby. I mean, with, with Within dialogue in the film, you know, Bobby's a little bit, you know, he's kind of, in a sense, he's a little bit arrogant. You know, he's like, you know, I'm the salesman guy, blah, blah, blah. He just, he's not disrespecting anything. He just has that kind of city attitude about him. Like like when, like one scene at the gas station, I like the way you wear your hat. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think it's not. I, I don't think it's a coincidence in the story that he's the one that gets end up getting raped in the film mm-hmm. either. I think it's very re- relevant to who he is and who his character is. Well, the well they also have like dialogue. It's like, very subtle, but it's more like facial features. The way they look at the locals, like yeah. like pretty much as if they're pieces, like not necessarily pieces of shit, but lesser. They look mm-hmm. at them like they're exactly. lesser, they, and that's they're, exactly they're how unintelligent. They're unintelligent. They're well, that's Ooh. they show Especially that, that one scene where Lewis is trying to race to find the river. Before, yeah, they're uh, the disrespectful. That's completely disrespectful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, they're... Do it themselves. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. there's a scene just and before also, that. With even when he's he's haggling with him, yeah. he's like forty dollars my ass or something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like like this is their land, homie. Like this is their hood, essentially. That's like you're coming in there, you can't <laughs> r- pop off at the jaw like that, yo. You know what I mean? That's that's what I'm talking about, disrespect. And it's also other scenes, too. It's other scenes where they're, um, you know, the way they look at these characters and the way they look away and look at each other when there's one around and stuff, you know? I, I think they're very disrespectful. And that's in, the, in movie terms, you know, it's not like I mean? long weekend, like disrespectful. Yeah, it's not like of, blatant like that. Yeah. There's there is a contrast. though, and that's exactly what I was trying to say before with with Lewis's character, where he's basically haggling with the with the local rednecks, you know, and he's he's really just trying to rip them off kind of thing. Right. And yeah. uh, I mean, Bobby well, he's just arrogant. He just feels like he's the shit. Well, exactly. And, exactly. And that is too much for people who live here, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and know more than you. You might be more than the three guys you're with. But you ain't more than these guys who live mm-hmm. here. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And, and see, on the contrast, you know, you got kind of Bert and Ned, or um, Lewis and Bobby. They're very kind of similar. And then you got Ronnie Cox's character with the Drew. You can tell he's definitely a little bit unsure about everything. And, you know, it's not coincidental well, that I his, fate, his fate is, you know, the worst one pretty mm-hmm. out of everything, you know. And he's the yeah. very unsure one and stuff. I, I find that because, very but, interesting. But he's the one that respects them the most that's, and he respects what's going on around yeah, him he's trying most. to get all friendly with them and stuff yeah. that's exactly like the point he yeah treats, that's exactly like that's, that's the human. contrast that's the contrast yeah. Right? so yeah like that's definitely your sympathetic character yeah. to an extent you know um and I, like i love that scene where they they play the banjo back and forth you know and, mm-hmm. and because and he he's no like very excited it. but he's still what the thing about him is he's very naive like yeah. and that's that's his character he's naive that it's it's not he's not accustomed to the way they do things the way that you don't just you know uh roll up on people and, and you know like shake their like they, they, they're very close-knit like you're an outsider mm. you can't just come in here and be buddy buddy with us you know yeah and you get that vibe like they're very hey back up you know what i mean and he's naive because he's probably used to being in a uh, you know, like San Francisco or something, you know, where everybody's like all uh, friendly, happy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and he thinks he can just come in there. There are rules to any society that you go to that is cut off from the majority of the world, whether it's, you know, here or it's, you know, uh, like Compton or something, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't matter that when there's people who are segregated, they're going to have or prison right there's Mm -hmm. unofficial rules that you have to follow and they don't like that these people come in and just don't care Mm -hmm. Mm. you were trying to say something a second ago jeremy what was he trying to say i don't know that i get the feeling that they don't care not all of them don't care. Like one's naive, no, one's uh, arrogant, 
one is uh you know um a little ignorant because the the fatter dude you know what i mean he's, yeah there's he's a contrast more, he between looks like characters. everybody like he looks at them like they're lesser you know? John Voice like the quiet one out of the bunch. Yeah, Ronnie Cox is super naive. Burt Reynolds is the alpha male. Then Betty is kind of cocky in himself. You know, John Voice is there. Yeah, he's he's kind of the grounded one. He's kind of the one that's you know, the, he's the level-headed, grounded one. Yeah, you can see that when he's smoking the pipe and stuff. He's the exactly. more like. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Voice's character actually that looks. In, is it John Voice or is it is it uh, Burt Reynolds? When he looks inside the house and he sees that all, that fucked up kid, you can tell that's like a product like, of inbreeding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know something, man? When they come down, when they first take off in the trucks, right? And these are subtle scenes that you have to pay attention to. And you have to know about different people to kind of understand this. They come down from the yard. They, the the the, the our lead characters, our, our protagonists, are in the truck. And they actually cut through the guy's yard to get around him. Like, they just drive, not through the dirt road. He just goes through the dude's yard. You know what I mean? That would be extremely disrespectful that's to ignorant somebody. city people, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And that's a subtle scene that you don't notice. Yep. You know what I mean? He cuts around a tree in their yard to and, and gets onto the road ahead of him. That's somebody's yard, dude. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're looking at them like they don't matter because they, they live in, uh you know, log cabins with no, uh you know, technology and stuff. Um, so I think that there's is like tons of subtle things and and a lot of that early build up to what's happening is is a lot of um you know seeds being planted. Yeah. Well, you know the, oh, what's you that? Know the back, you know the backstory with this movie, right? That they were too cheap to pay for insurance on this movie. Yeah. They didn't have enough money, so yeah. Everybody had to do their own stunts, and uh, they used a dummy in one of the raft scenes where Burt Reynolds gets fucked up, and it looked really, really crappy. So Burt Reynolds said, well, fuck this. I'll do it myself, and he got really fucked up. Like He got a bad concussion, and he got really, really fucked up, and when he got better, he said, oh, how how did it look? And the director said, well just about the same as it did with the dummy <laughs> and i was like oh my jesus christ it's actually kind of oh, interesting dude, that's too. like guerrilla filmmaking dude yeah man it, no insurance they didn't have the money to pay that shit does it. not so, like, fly today like, dude, that's like a- john Foyt, like hanging off the cliff like that's really him hanging off yeah the cliff. dude that's like, fucked up yeah. man climbing up that yeah. shit i know there, i know there was a scene with ned betty like same thing when they when the canoes uh, flipped over and shit he actually got trapped in like a whirlpool thing Oh, yeah, 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 and you yeah. almost drown. That's you almost scary. fucking That's died. That's a fear of mine. And yeah, because yeah, it just keeps spinning you around, and you can't, you know, come up. Man. Yeah, like he almost fucking drowned. He was under there for like thirty seconds. It's like insane. Yeah. So again, no. So like the, dir- <laughs> like the director and the writer of Deliverance, like James Dickey. Yeah. Yeah. He came to set and he was like all pissed off that he was changing the source material, and they got in a huge fist fight, and uh, he he kicked them off the set, but then he's like one of the police officers at the end of the film. Yeah, he's the sheriff. He plays the yeah. sheriff. But, you know, shit like that. It, it, it just sounded like little... the production had, like... You know what I love about sense. 70s films is, like, take the Banjo Kid, for example. Like, they just found a fucking dude who looks weird as shit. Like, they yeah. didn't put makeup all over him or anything. Like, I like that, man. It, it, it's, like, an authenticity that you do not get in today's films It's a the Michael Berryman thing, right? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. right. You know? Exactly. And this he has a career very, because very he has he has a career because he looks all crazy and shit. It's yeah. fucked, up, fucked up, man. Uh, and that a- kid actually, I think that the the trivia that everybody talks about is that's actually the kid playing that banjo, correct? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of little quirky things, man. I know that uh, I'd read once something about the dialogue in the film was very close to the book. But they did change the the rape scene with Ned Beatty because well the squirrel like squirrel like a pig was improv like. it was it was improv well they they put it in there because they didn't want all that they wanted to keep the film relatively clean. What I'm going to say though, like uh, the actor who played the the hillbilly in that scene, Bill McKinney, does a terrific job of like playing a hillbilly because I seen Bill McKinney in numerous movies growing up, like The Outlaw, Josie Wales, and didn't Bill McKinney actually didn't he actually audition for one of the main roles in this film too? Yeah. Yeah, I think he was actually. Yeah, he auditioned. For yeah, he's all. He's also in the Green Mile. He plays uh, the guy who actually flips the switch. So, question, yeah, yeah. guys, is the guys who do that? One of them was supposed to be one of the Green Brothers or something, like one of the like in the, at the beginning of the movie, or is that left unanswered? I think uh, the mystery, like it's like insinuated, maybe, but you don't know for sure. No, I, I think, was wondering. I think uh, one of the brother. I think one of the guy. One of the people supposedly was one the deputy of the sheriff's deputy queen. Remember, because yeah. he was kind of loopy on their story. Uh huh. It was like one of his, like his brother-in-law or something. I believe. Yeah. Well, there was yeah. two though. There was two, and then they mentioned the other guy at the end of the film too. Mm. And I thought that because they say something like when they got when the Green Brothers got in the truck, were there three of were there another person got in there with them? Oh, because yeah, they did. Yeah, I think. They it, might have. I always wondered, is it random that these people came across each other or did somebody know they were going out there and and found and and planned this? Yeah, I don't and it's know. a question that remains. Yeah, and it could go either way. It could be actually either yeah. answer. I know and you I could really it's speculate not a for sure way. answer, but I think it is insinuated that one of the dudes, because there was three people that got in that truck. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of them, not one of the greens, but the others. What the the third dude, like, you know, found followed them or found them or knew where they were going or something and met up mm-hmm. with them. Um, but who knows? That's what's cool about it. Uh, I will like to me, dude. I think that that scene is one of the like most you don't see a whole lot of uh, male rape in films you know mm-hmm. uh, male on male and to me it like it really it is like so terrifying it's like so you know humiliating and just like the demoralizing and just pure dread and I think that in this film the way that it happens is just even more fucked up because it's not this like build up. It just happens. All of a sudden it just starts happening and you're like, Holy Take your shit. Off. You know what I mean? It was like so uncomfortable. I, I remember watching this as a kid, just like it was like, planned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, like he's just like, come on, squail now squail. Like it, to me, it's just fucking, I couldn't poor imagine. John Voight and poor I John Voight with his Angelina imagine. Jolie lips. You know it was going to happen to him. <laughs> I yeah, thought it was interesting I, that they shot that in one take too. That rape scene. Yeah, he said. I uh, think they said Beattie, they didn't want to film the rape scene over and over again. Yeah, Beattie, I mean, if I was that Beattie, I would be the same way. I'd be like, dude, can we just yeah. uh, like do a good job on this with. first take here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd be I mean, all bruised and broken by the end of it if they like, killed the numerous times. 
I, I just as as you know, this is obviously a podcast with all males except for Jeremy, and mm-hmm. I just wanted he does to have know, a vagina. Yes. <laughs> I just filled with know. sand. Unless you contribute to the Patreon and you help me get that sand sucked out of my JJ. Yeah. He needs the money for that vacuum. <laughs> yep. So for the guys in here, Moods and Derek, does something like this like rattle you? Does do you feel it? Like is it is it, it terrifying it, to you? It is. Mm, not too much. I wouldn't want some giant hillbilly raping me in the ass. Well, I mean the idea of being raped by yeah. not I, I don't wanna, you know single out just rednecks but just a male in general yeah the whole idea is terrifying yeah. to me i mean i don't i don't i mean i've always thought it's my asshole to be exit only you know it hurts when it goes out sometimes so imagine what it feels like going in yeah dude. Well, i mean it, it's it, it's another level of yeah. of rape right it, like there's scary. there's rape with with females but there's an added um a level of like demasculinity that happens. Yeah, you oh, lose your. Of course, your, man. It of feels course. like you were turning. You're the woman. You're not a ma- woman. As males, we a don't man. get defiled. You know, like I mean, that's just yeah. that's like one of the lowest things that could possibly happen to you. You know, I I, think I, I truly I truly believe that. Like, um, I, I really really do feel like it's it's one of the worst things that could happen to you. Like. And and I'm dead serious in this conversation here. Like I know it's like kind of funny and stuff to 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 like joke about. But if I if that was me, like I just think that it would be the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, me too, man. But I love the way Ned Ned Beatty he reacts to it too. Like after after the dude's dead with the arrow kind of hanging on well, the fucking. He, he doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's effective too much. You know? No, he well, is though. He, he's, no, no, he's totally one hundred percent affected. He's so affected, Jeremy, that like he takes a step. Like the guy's already dead, and he kind of yeah, takes a step. Like he's going to attack, and they're yeah, like, no, punch no, no, him. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. and then and then they. Uh, I, I don't know who grabs it. I think it's John Void or whatever. And he just kind of redirects him away. He's like, no, don't worry, he's dead. But like he's so affected, you can see it in his face that he's so affected by it. That he doesn't even know what to do. Like, okay, his oh, his instinct was I'm to go after back the dead person. On this a little bit. It's probably my biggest complaint with the film is that that rape happens. It just seems like it goes back moment, to normal <laughs> in the moment. It's very well done, and right after, very well acted. Now I understand that in a fight for survival, you might put that aside, but I feel like by the time you you know, later in the film, I feel like he's the strongest. Character. I almost feel like there should have been like a thousand yard stare of just like it all crashing down. And I feel like that was hugely missed in the, in the later sections of this film. I think it's the biggest problem with the movie is I don't see any remnants of that in his, not only his facial features, but just his soul. Well, he's just trying to forget it because that's because what he does. One, he's trying to bury it. Well, I think, I think after try to forget I, it. That's not something you can just put out of your mind. No, you're not going you know to. But I mean, mentally, you have to at that moment in a survival type situation. I mean, they're really just I'm trying to get about off the river after now. That moment. I, I know. I after that moment, it in that moment, yes. Okay. Even the after moment. that moment, they still have to get through that river. I mean, yeah, but they, after, I'm talking about after that moment. Yeah, once they're laying on the rock and. He's laying there too, I'm and John Voight's climbing. I know, but he's the strongest character in that situation, which is out fine of those, in a survival well, situation. After but what happens saying, to him, though, yeah, though, even in there, because it's your brain autopilot, survival instinct. I truly believe that. I believe in that very much. But I'm saying after, way after, end of the film, like after, when he's, there's when no he's, remnants when... of it at all. Nothing. 
There's no look to him. There's no like sadness in him. There's no thousand yard stare. Any any inkling of of indication that that had happened to him. None. And well, I, I think mean, that's the- maybe. I mean, honestly, dude, I think you know at that point know. they're also yeah. dealing with the fact that that uh, Ronnie Cox's character is dead, and they're also covering up what they've done. And there, mm-hmm. there's other things going on in that moment, and you can tell he's reacting to those situations right there. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Maybe not Let so me much just, the dinner. I'm s- trying to stay a little bit away from spoilers, but there's no way that your homie. The other dude has the thousand yard stare at the dinner table and and you're sitting there eating like I just I can't I can't it just doesn't seem like that the character that he was when it happened is not the same character at the end of the movie. It just isn't like I don't know if they shot it out of order obviously and maybe like you know actually they didn't they shot this movie 100 percent in sequence. It's very rare to do that but yes they actually shot this movie 100 percent in sequence. That's a fact. I guess I just, it makes sense I, with this kind of movie. You know, it's not too many locations. Well, as you're going down river, you have to shoot yeah. in sequence. I don't know. You can't they, go back up and, sh- and reshoot and shit. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Um, but that that's my biggest complaint. I've never film. really it, noticed. I just always kind of I didn't even notice that, it really either, to be honest. I just well, always that, thought that, that Ned Biddy was a bigger guy and he was hungry and film. he's like, hey, man, I mean... You know, I got to put something in my stomach know so it comes out of my ass. Are related to the best <laughs> as they kill too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I never. Really, I mean, I never really thought of that before. Did you guys I, watch this? Oh, go ahead, JP. I mean that—that's the one thing that actually bugs me. Like it, it drives me insane because I'm like, I there's no way I'd be composed. No way. Mm-mm. You know, it, this shit's gonna haunt me for fucking years, dude. And, and this guy's cool. Like a day later, you know what I mean? Like. Um, so it's funny that you see that he was cool though, because I don't see him as being a hundred percent cool. I still think he's nervous. Like, and there's still points when when you, when he's he's, he's still hesitant. I mean, he's eating out of being polite, but he's nervous because, yeah, but he's looking at his homie. He's like, yeah, he's like, he's nervous. Like looking at his dude, he was fine when dude walked in before dude walked in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, when the but he's police also are trying like to sell it that nothing's going on either because he's trying to sell it as nothing's going on. I know, dude, but I'm saying you can't. You can't just sell it like that. Like that's my problem. Is you can try to and and I didn't get a conflict there. I didn't get a conflict of him trying to sell it. Well, you remember he's an insurance salesman too. And they're the biggest fucking money swinglers and liars. That's actually of all a good time. point. He literally sells things for a living, so that's what he's doing at that moment. I mean, he's not only trying to look like nothing's really that wrong in that moment, but we, we he says he's being polite with This is one of the worst things that could happen to you ever. We all yeah. just said, yet somehow you're able to mask it? I don't buy it. Not not in that situation. Um, th- that's, But it's a, it's a minor complaint. It's not a big one. Uh, well, I don't know, because everyone acts differently to rape, too, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I agree, but I'm saying the way he acted. It's so pretty- matter of fact, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, some people like to be right. <laughs> so serious about that. Holy shit, that was awesome. Um, I don't. I don't know what's but- hard to say because, I mean, I guess we're given a, a pretty definitive timeline. I guess this is what a day and a half later after yeah. the. So I mean, it is pretty close in proximity to his asshole being plugged. It's literal hours. Yeah. So. But at the same time, like I said, there was incidences that happened after that, too, uh-huh. where, you know, were just as effective, though, too. I mean, they just lost one of their. Well, I guess he didn't technically lose his friend in Ronnie Cox because he wasn't really friends with them, which they yeah. do. You know, even they even showcase that, too. He's like, I'm not really too affected. I don't know what to say 
that he just died yeah. kind of thing. But there was also the other shit that was going on. I don't know. It, it, it's hard. I, I don't really have a big complaint with it. I think that Derek brings up a good point. He's a fucking salesman. That's what he That's does. He lies. That, no, no. He, he lies for a living. <laughs> he's masculine. Uh, he's masculine because he doesn't know if these fucking people are the but ones dude, you that have they to, fucking... In that situation, you can't that act... What you, you, can't, you guys are cool with it, but, like, but for but, me personally... I cannot buy. But you that. have to remember, you're around people that you don't know who knows the cops. Blah blah. blah. You ha- you have to act semi normal. I know it might be hard. I to understand do. you have to. I'm saying you. I couldn't. They're not and I going don't to. Other people can. Yeah, some people can though. I mean, it's 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 amazing how people. I don't believe. React to let me put it better this way. I don't believe he can because I've seen his reaction early on in the film, and that's completely different. Mm-hmm. But I once after that happens, I absolutely love how. The, the, and this is another argument I will make for horror, right? Um, in a in a regular like thriller, right? Like an arrow shot at somebody, it goes through their chest, and that's it. This film has this guy like wheezing for like a minute straight, like violence, slowly you know dying, what I mean? and slowly dying. And to me, that is another exploration into horror. And I will say this over the course of this you know my argument for this none of these things by themselves make a film a horror film but coupled together all of them i think can and you know the rape obviously horrific mm-hmm. horrific horrific super horrific mm-hmm. uh and my biggest one, one of the biggest i think arguments for it is the suspense the fact that these people are being terrorized and fearing for their life for a long time uh, pretty much, you know, the, 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 the entire second act of the film. Um, and that, that I don't know. is a little bit different. And I just, and here's think, I just think if you have to consider this a horror film, then you have to consider films like 127 hours of horror film. You have to no, consider the it, movie. A different White film. How, how is it any different? Because he's there's nobody some... trying to kill this guy and rape him when he's stuck to that rock. Mm. What do you mean? Mm? That's a huge difference in films. I don't know. <laughs> but okay, I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's a t- there's the tons of films with this exact same thing. I mean, there's lots of films with with male How male rape and stuff. How is I spit on your grave a horror film and this isn't? Well, I mean, it's a fucking. I mean, I mean there's arguments that it's not even a horror film. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, I spit in your, your grave is more of an exploitation film. Th- right? This is this is one of the reasons why I consider it horror too. And it, it it happens to do with the very final scene. And spoiler alert, I'm trying. I'll try to dance around it. But a character, we see a shot of a hand, right? Uh-huh. A shot of a hand. That's straight out of any horror movie. If you was flipping that through the channels and you saw that floating out of the water, that's fucking a Carrie jump scare or something. You know what I mean? And then the character awakens and you realize that this is not over for them this is a permanent nightmare that will haunt him not only for possibly getting caught but fear of of somehow it find somebody finding out and finding him and and just plagued by the experience and to me that that is a horror scene that right there is a horror scene 
It is. It just is. Now, yeah, so, does um, that make it a horror film? No. But no. The, that coupled with the rape, <laughs> coupled with the, the See, setup. I, 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 the, I'm reading Moots' face. He, he's he's feeling what I'm feeling. I think, I, that, I I think JP, face. you have a point. There, There is scenes in this film that can be classified as horror scenes. Does it make the whole product a horror film? I don't think There's so. There's a lot of movies that okay, have horrific scenes it in it. That's see, I think the Let biggest thing. You. I think one of the biggest things for me is the simple fact that this one doesn't have that. I don't know that genre score to it. This one doesn't have the feel of a horror film. It has a setup like a horror film. It has scenes within mm-hmm. the setup that are horrific, yeah. and it has nightmare things, but. The whole product the does not is, is it does not score feel like is a horror film. Fitting to the location is what it is. Yeah, exactly. The score is very like bit like like you know what I mean. I think another thing that separates this one too is that it's all everything that happens in this film is in the daytime. It's a rather quiet film too. I mean, the score is you know it is what it is, but it's yeah. I mean, that's I mean the score the score is the white noise is what it is. It's yeah. that's mm-hmm. it's the nature. The it's the, really the nature. It's the nature well, there's definitely the music in this film. You know, bit. when they're driving the trucks and stuff. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this. Okay. Okay. Zombieland, right? Yeah. This movie's way more horrific than Zombieland. But Zombieland is also a comedy, agree? though. Okay. Okay. So, but you would never argue that Zombieland isn't a horror film. It's it's a comedy horror film. Yes. Okay, why can't this be a thriller horror film? Why? I just don't think it has enough People elements to make People up. People could argue about this about The Green Room, too. It's scarier than a, a film that is a horror film. I just don't understand that. If if fear is one of the main aspects of horror. I just wasn't scared. <laughs> I guess it comes down to your definition <laughs> of what a horror film is. You know what I mean? I think a lot to, to me, do, a lot to do, man. I mean, I mean, like so. I've why said, do you I've break my balls that before. a boy and his dog was not a horror film? Because it's not. How was it not horrific when they go underground and all those fucking people are looking at them all fucking weird and with the painted faces? Well, this is and all the that same country. argument. How that is we that get not with, horrific? This is the same argument it's, that we get from like David Lynch films. Hmm. I mean, you know, are they horror films? Are they not? Is Record Room for a Dream a horror film? They're so weird and like, you know, just I atmospheric and, and see I think that's what I think that's why this film is such a it's such an oddball argument because it doesn't have that horror score. I, it doesn't have I mean, that you know, it's, it's all shot in the day. It's all, it is not a horror film, right? Like it's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know what but I'm think, saying? Though? If there's a spectrum of non horror and horror this is as close as you can get to the line of being horror for sure. that, the closest mm-hmm. that you can get without actually being a straight up horror film. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can get any closer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you just change a couple of the aspects of this film right here, if you put a dark score to this film and you, and you had some scenes at nighttime, would you classify it as a horror film then like a straight up? Um, because I think those I mean, elements make the, the, the problem is I classify I spit on your grave as a horror film. So to me, this is a horror film. I mean, most people do. I mean, I put my rape revenge in my horror in my horror films too. But I mean, at the end of the day, if I was to break out a definition, I mean, I spit in your grave is is more of an exploitation film, straight up exploitation. Well, you know what? Let's actually break out a definition just for fun's sake. You know, I did not look at this ahead of time. Let's let's just look at what the first one is, and then you know, just so we have something to kind of. Uh, 
you know, go off of because it, it really does depend on what your definition is. And I'm sure the definition that I look up will not be the same for everybody because there are many definitions. Okay, a horror film or horror films are unsettling films designed to frighten, panic, cause dread and alarm and invoke our hidden worst fears, often in a terrifying, shocking final while captivating and entertaining us at the same time in a cathartic experience. Fucking sounds like horror to me. No, I wasn't entertained. But oh, Jesus but within that, that, I'm being that, that, is, that is a good definition. But within that, for myself, what I consider to be horror and like the things that would get me to classify as a horror is is that dark scores and more nighttime. This one being all uh-huh. shot in the day for me just it just it to me it just feels like a survival um, thriller drama drama like yeah. like an adventure survival. Thriller. Yeah, but thrillers, like, you know, you know the too. one thing that I hate, man, is that there are no such things as there's all there's horror comedies, action horror, there's um, sci-fi horror. I've never heard people say or give credit to thriller horror or drama horror. Like it just for some reason people are like those two genres that that subgenre cannot exist. What are you talking you know about, I mean? man? I classify pieces of talent as a drama horror film. Well, I don't know when. What, I'm saying in general. Not Literally, people, I call that you know? a drama horror film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So not like a real I, life horror. Yeah, it's like I'm, I'm not saying because, you specifically. Yeah. I'm saying in general, like people will not like <laughs> give the nod that that's possible. It seems like. I mean, it is true. I mean, people are very the way I'm very stuck like in the ways about classifying films, and, that, and that's for sure. Mm. Um, you know yeah, another I, film that is I think it's is different for everybody it's hard to it's really hard bug. to break it down which one bug by William Friedkin yeah yeah and that film actually is classified as horror on IMDB which I think that this film might be more horror than that film and this one's not classified as horror and that one is it must be it must be the dark atmosphere and probably the the psychological the, the psychological aspect of the, aspect of the film yeah yeah, I think when you okay, incorporate so psychological, the way I, I think these two films that we're talking about is like real life horror because this shit can really fucking happen. Yeah, oh for sure, yeah, and that, I'm sure this has happened before, yeah. <laughs> I mean, without a doubt. So, do you guys want to get? In, well, first of all, uh, all three, you agree that it's not horror. Yep. I don't I, think it's I, horror. Film. I agree, it's like a real life horror film, like The Green Room. I consider it's, it's in that genre. Like this stuff could really happen, so I consider it a horror film. Ah, thank you. Oh fuck you, JP! Hey, man. Thank you. Look at this. I, ha- I made a good argument. Come on, give me credit. Yeah, it's all right. All right. Uh, I mean, so it's more horror than the next movie. That's for sure. I agree with that. <laughs> let's get into um, a uh, ratings here, and I'll go first because I, I truly love Deliverance. Like it's, it, I think it's one of more realistic scary films. Like this is shit that can happen easily. You know, it's like a toned down version of Wrong Turn. Um, with a little bit of rape involved, um, it's a it's a realistic version too. I, like I'm sure this has happened. I'm sure it has. It had to have happened, um, and it probably still can happen today, and probably does happen today uh, in different variations. Uh, I think that this movie is like truly terrifying. I think it's thrilling. I think it's dramatic. I think that um, it's it's very well made. I really do. Um, I think that it has just enough mystery to kind of make it a, a another aspect of horror is the mystery of it like you don't know why this happened to you like that's terrifying to me 
um i uh come in and and my one flaw is that i i really hate how the character was portrayed after the rape like later on in the film uh, i'm gonna come in at a nine out of ten on this one nice. yeah man um i've always really enjoyed this film I, I love learning the fact that this film was uh shot in sequence too man i love that you know those quirky little facts and stuff doesn't happen often no it really doesn't and you know i started thinking about it i was thinking about this and you know if you're starting at the top of river and going to the bottom you kind of have to shoot that in sequence and it just it just yeah really have to travel all the way back up oh totally i love learning that shit man the locations where they shot this was just incredible totally cool stuff um i really thought that they painted a a very vivid picture of you know the south and the rednecks and stuff and you know to the point where it's you know it's very stereotypical but at the same time you're still you know you're not really making fun of them you're just like well that's kind of how it is you know <laughs> you know I, I really thought it just it, it felt real to me it really did mm-hmm. um i yeah. thought they captured that quite well maybe and maybe it's a little over the top i don't know i mean i'm not i don't never really been to the south that much so i'm not 100 percent sure but that's what we get that's what we get in here um, I don't really have a lot of problems with this film. I think it's a really well executed film, and knowing things like they that they did their own stunts is just you know that's extra marks right there. <laughs> These guys were fucking soldiers. Ned Beatty almost died. Look I mean, same as the dummy. <laughs> you know, like I mean, that's what he th- said. Th- I mean, they're really going through these crazy rapids and doing this shit. And I got you got to give it up, man. You know, to um, uh, to what's his face um, on the cliff, like absolutely. John Void. Uh, John Void on the cliff is just that's terrifying. That's terrifying. Or terrifying. Really him. It's fucking it's crazy. Really, really dude. terrifying. That that whole shit is just crazy. Um, I like the reveal in that scene too. It's really crazy too. It's, it's such an awesome scene. But um, but overall, I've really never had a lot of problems with this one. I mean, I disagree with JP about you know the where Ned Betty's character went and stuff. That's probably the one thing we do. I'm also at a nine out of ten on this one. I think there's. It's a very unique film. I mean, it really doesn't have a score. It doesn't have a score. And I, I find that so intriguing that they just use the natural nature sounds as as the driving force in this film. You don't see that a whole lot. It's ballsy to do things like that. Uh-huh. And yeah. I, gi- I give them kudos for trying things like that and making them work. This is what great films do. And this is why Deliverance is a great film. Yeah. Okay, I'll go next. Yeah, I, John Borman's direction of this film just top-notch like throughout it like just the camera angles and just the scenario of like going down this river is just showing like the vastness of like this whole area and stuff throughout the scenes and just the actors themselves all four of them do terrific in their roles especially knowing the fact that this was ronnie cox and ned Beatty's first like movie like real movie they were theater actors before this and they all four of them do tremendous and work well off each other with what they have and even like the sub characters are like the hillbillies and stuff and mm-hmm. I don't like hillbillies, one thing we but, didn't mention was the mystery of the teeth where he's like he couldn't that's just scary like he didn't know if he got like there could, could be a guy still out there i might have just killed an innocent guy i don't even know yeah. you know what i mean and yeah and plus one thing Apparently, that i wanted yeah. to bring up is like a, the role reversal of John Voight and uh, Burt Reynolds' characters yeah. like Burt uh, Lewis is the alpha male type but then when he gets injured it's up to John Voight to become like the alpha male and the hunter and the sightseer and try and to get and there's thing. a great foreshadowing and a character arc with that with the bow too mm-hmm, with the bow and arrow like yep. exactly 
And it's just a tremendous scene in this, the character arcs and stuff with his character are just tremendous in this film. And yeah, everything that I said, I really have no problems with Torrent deliverance at all. I give it the same rating, nine out of 10. Ooh, I thought nice. you were going to come in at 10 out of 10, Derek. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> sure sounded like it. All right. What can I say about Deliverance from 1972? So Deliverance is definitely one of the most important films of the 1970s. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, even though when we were talking about it, it seemed like I had a lot of negative things to say about this movie. But, it, you know, it's just little things in my mind during the discussion that I had. It doesn't take away that much from the movie. The movie is still... Like I said, one of the best movies in the 1970s. There's a reason why we still talk about it today, why we still see it being talked about in pop culture. South Park, you know, of course, used it famously in their Raiders of the Lost Ark episode. You know, people still talk about this movie. And, you know, it, it, it's definitely a, a piece of its time to watch this movie and see how the direction that Hollywood was going and where does it go from this point forward? You know, it's still a few more years until we completely start to see crazy shit uh, being made in Hollywood. But, you know, movies like this definitely started to pave the way. And that's why I think it's such an important this movie. And, this in and Last House on the Left cinema. for 72, this is when it's yeah. really like started amping shit up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh-huh. and, you know, there's a reason why this film is in the, the Library of Congress. You know, it's, it's a very important film and i think it's one that everybody should see at least one time because you know if if you're a, a lover of film and a history buff then it's definitely one that you, you would enjoy what it did even if you really don't appreciate the movie for what it has story-wise you know it's still a pretty important film so deliverance i wish warner brothers would do a new transfer on this one i think that the the blu-ray transfer is a little bit lackluster and it's it's such an important film so i hope uh, you know, for the 45th anniversary, that they that they do something different. For 45th, it, so. fuck. Every Damn. five every five years. Well, they they haven't done any other like anniversary release besides this. It's the only release they've done. So it's not I have like the Digibook. Is it the same disc? Yeah, it's the same disc. Yeah, it's yeah. not like they've done anything for it in a while. So, uh, I I also come <clears> in at a nine out of ten for Deliverance. You know, were you super, actually being serious when you said you weren't entertained in the film? No, I didn't. When did I say that? I don't know. I think you said he wasn't scared. I wasn't scared. Oh, I thought you said entertained. I was oh, like, scared. Like, holy shit, uh, dude, I cannot be entertained. That, that's was... pretty awesome. I think it's been a while since we've had four hosts come in at the same rating. That's pretty fucking rare. Yeah, uh, especially these days. Um, you said 1972, man, I, man. You know, Last House on the Left and Deliverance, important films. Well, I just reviewed another one. Oh, Colors of the Dark, <laughs> 1972, yeah. man. Come on. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? I, I wanted to give a shout out to um, Podcast <laughs> Under the Stairs. I just started listening to them. Duncan, um, right? There, yeah, Duncan. Um, from uh, I think he's from Finland or something. And uh, is he not Scottish? Oh, Scottish. Scottish. Okay, okay I, I'm very bad at accents. Um, but uh, yeah, they are actually walking through the 70s, similar to how we do in, in our retro top 10 shows you know how we do <laughs> what's that i just fucking smoky from friday oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. dude I, it, insanely quotable I'm so, friday that franchise i'm just kidding that. um but yeah they 75 dollars um, and we'll do it yeah they are doing uh, a, a decent job going through the 70s and um i actually listened to their 72 show um 
and they talked about you know all the films that came out in 72 uh and and they kind of have like a tournament going they take the best two films from from each year and then like kind of make a definitive top 10 at the end mm. of uh, the decade so huh. they don't cover as much and do as much prep work as we do for ours but it's still kind of a similar concept um and they do kind of a tournament format which is really neat um, so check that out if you like our our top tens. I'm sure you'll like those too. Uh, this actually was only the second time in my life I seen Deliverance, and it was a great. Oh wow! Yeah. I remember Deliverance right. always being on like the movie channels or TV. When yeah, I was younger and they something. cut the rape out. <laughs> so oh, that was totally 100 percent cut out for sure. Yeah, yeah. AMC, so it's like old school AMC. It's yeah. such a pivotal <laughs> moment, you know. It's 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 better than what they did with the next film. In the next film. They made an Iranian cut of this movie where all the Americans died, and uh, <laughs> it was shown. Well, get, I'll talk about it more when we okay. get into it. But all right, yeah. so moving into moving into the glorious year of 1981, which we all know was an amazing year in horror films. Actually, my favorite year for horror films. And we uh, get into a film called Southern Comfort. Directed, directed by, by one Wal- of my favorite directors, Walter Hill. Directed by Walter Hill, who's known for directing, uh, of course, The uh, Warriors. Um, Hard Times. 48, 48 hours, hours. Streets of Fire. Um, another uh, 48 Hours, which is... <laughs> I actually didn't even realize he directed that until yeah. I looked it up the other day. Trespass with Bill uh, Paxton. Red I Heat. love Trespass. Pull it to the motherfucking head, man. Yeah. Yeah. Brewster's Millions. It's like, so random that he did that film. It's also, crazy. Is one of the producers of you guys are infamous with this, the Alien franchise. Yeah, yeah, I won't talk about that anymore. But actually, speaking <laughs> of Walter Hill, man, um, I watched Streets of Fire the other night. That is a fun awesome. fucking movie, man. The man, the music right, in that right, film right. is so good. Jen Steinman, man, great songwriter. Yeah, dude. Oh, fucking awesome, man. Blu-ray's awesome. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. like really, really fun ass film. But I mean, Walter Hill was quite quite versatile i mean he you know, obviously trespass and wild but he did so many different types of films pretty cool stuff mm-hmm. i haven't seen a film from him in a long time but i noticed that he directed supernova and used a uh used an <laughs> he alias. hates that movie i was, I was gonna say because he used the pseudonym of thomas lee and i'm like yeah <laughs> 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 holy shit i'd be embarrassed of that fucking thing too man holy yeah. crud what was he doing for that he also Page, directed paycheck? the long rider yeah that's right yeah. the long rider yeah the long riders yeah, so. I mean, he's probably mostly known for doing the Warriors. I would say, you know, you think of yeah. Walter is probably the, the Warriors. Plus, he's one of the creators of Tales from the Crypt TV series. That's right. You know, Coppola, Coppola directed Supernova too. You know, they co-directed it. There's a sequel to that? No, 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 no. No, also. Co. Also. Yeah. They co-directed it, which is fucking hilarious. Oh, <laughs> he is... said there's a sequel to that. <laughs> <laughs> he said part part two. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. That makes fucking sense. Fucking Coppola dude. and Hill both fucking directed. So, what was that like? Supernova. A big budget film gone wrong or something? I don't know. Like, yeah, what? it was. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's crazy. I, yeah, that. Whew, wow. Okay. Um, Southern Comfort from 1981. Uh, a squad of National Guards on an isolated weekend exercise in the Louisiana swamp must fight for their lives when they're when they anger local Cajuns by stealing their canoes. Ooh, another film with canoes. Uh, without live ammunition in a strange country, their experience, their experience begins to mirror the Vietnam experience. What? what, what where were they at in this movie? Louisiana, Louisiana like, Bayou. In in fucking. Bayou. 
The United States. Yeah. 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 Why did it say another country? I have no. F- I just reading the story. You must line. be reading the Iranian cut. <laughs> probably, probably. Hey, you probably. want me to read what it says? It says the film was aired by Iranian state-run channel IRIB <laughs> in the late 1980s under the name Operation Lagoon. It was censored to narrate the story of a group of anti-Vietnam War U.S. soldiers who are sent to a drill among Louisiana manhunters and are armed only with blank bullets without their knowledge. In this version, soldiers are killed one by one as plotted by U.S. authorities until a U.S. Army truck drives toward the surviving two characters. I'm not going to say their names. The picture fades out on the white star on the truck door. Then a shot is heard indicating the U.S. Army has killed the remaining soldiers. Dude, that is like a completely fucking different movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> how the fuck did they edit around that? All right, guys, oh, listen. That's fucking hilarious, man. Ah, oh, man, dude. Southern Comfort. Listen, I I'm this might come as a shock, but like I was not with this movie at all. Really, really, really? wow, crazy! It all starts with the with just shit that pisses me off, and I can't even get on board. There can't we go, even get man. on. Cannot suspend my disbelief. So enough. what was it? The fact that they used the term kilometers instead of miles? Yes, I, I have, absolutely. I don't understand why we're in America and you can't say. No, I'm joking. Um, did did no, you even pick that seriously. up? Because I, I noted it and I was like, ha ha ha, JP. Because <laughs> they literally said like, oh, we got to go 38 kilometers. And, and I was like, kilometers? Did you say kilometers? Yeah. I'm like, I'm totally noting that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. They're at their base. They're, 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 they're essentially doing drill, right? And mm. the one dude decides to open fire with blanks on fellow soldiers I, I cannot buy this i cannot buy this i know it's foreshadowing for what happens later yeah. but that dude would have been court-martialed right there it's ridiculous i can't even in the 70s i can't believe it you know what i mean or whatever when is this movie even set taking place i think it's I think it's in the 70s during 70s. vietnam right i just yeah, it, it and and then the what causes this whole thing i can't believe that either i'm just like this is the most ridiculous. That would not happen. I cannot buy it, dude. Is it is it actually set during Vietnam or is it set after it's in after present time? Set, Vietnam, I think. 73, 74 maybe. Is it really? Oh, I must have missed the the time. Okay. Yeah. But uh you yeah, guys don't I, mean, have- I, I get I get what you're saying too. I thought that was It's the it's the premise of the whole film though. It's the whole setup. And if you can't buy the setup, then how can you buy the rest of the movie? I don't think it's that. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's a little bit. Dude, of he shoots. He shoots a gun at a fucking civilian. The, whether it's blanks or not blanks, we know how Brandon Lee died. You know what I mean? You mean at this one is- of his fellow soldiers? Because does, doesn't he do it first? What? He says it's, that's it's, how it's, Brandon Lee it's died. His second that's his fucking, that's, that's literally the most retarded thing JP have ever said in a hundred episodes too, of the and Horror What do you mean? Isn't that what he died from? They, yeah, they yeah, yeah, no, his, no, yeah, yeah, but it's no, like, for sure. are you gonna? Uh, so you're, so you're talking about the gonna... scene when Buddy shoots it, like when they're getting ready Casper. to go up to the, when they're getting ready shoots to go Casper. up to the bayou. Shooting at Casper, the yeah, you shoot second command, the other soldier. Yeah, 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 and then when they shoot it, the fucking civilian too. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's it. Makes no sense, dude. No, it no, doesn't. No, but, but they, no, they, they no. They also make they also make leader, a point out of it. They're sir, like, uh, sergeant would allow that to happen. Yeah, Especially in buddy, the military, it's supposed to be super disciplined. It just doesn't make sense. 
I know that he would have never gone out to the bayou for sure. If he was shooting blanks at fellow soldiers, they would have been like, right fuck there, you. Yeah, exactly. You're out. Exactly. Um, I, I, th- I think it just shows... <sighs> I don't know what they're trying to prove with this, man, but it is it is very irresponsible someone to do that. I mean, even if you're fucking around, you don't just start shooting off blanks at some random people. I think it's different within the soldiers. Especially when you know how easy Chucky can replace the yeah, blanks. Just, you just read my mind, bro. I was this thinking about that. <laughs> exactly. No joke. Like, exactly. I was legit thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. No, and especially considering the other dude had live rounds. Th- that is the, There's protocols in the yeah. military, like, this is not the. That's what just annoyed me so much. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I feel like they didn't look at anything like this. The, it's about discipline. This guy is completely. How does this guy get through boot camp? Yeah, Derek's buttholes yeah. quenching. See, I can, ex- I can accept them fucking around. You know, they're all excited <laughs> to go do these. You know, these fucking it's training, pulsating. these training we're programs ready. or whatever out in the body <laughs> and shit like that. So, buddy makes a mistake. He fires off at his fucking fellow soldier. He didn't blah, make blah, a mistake. Blah. He did it on purpose. Well, exactly. Well, it's still a mistake. It's okay. it's a it's a moral mistake that he made. You shouldn't be okay. fucking around with people's emotions like that for one thing. But, um, but yeah, where where I do agree though is when after they steal the Cajuns well they don't technically steal them they actually they do bore them they, they, they were gonna say they're going to give them back yeah, yeah, they wrote so, a note so yeah, another, they, they were going to bring them back but there was absolutely another no aspect need. of outsiders disrespecting exactly and there's no people. point in fight I mean no soldier would ever fucking do that no, I completely not, and, like maybe in like Afghanistan or something not no, in but America blanks because you don't fuck with you don't like you don't know what these people are capable of doing I mean it's you're just asking for trouble so you're 100% ridiculous. asking for trouble and I I do have it written down too I'm like man like you know the, the whole setup is a little crazy because I mean honestly they, they could have just done without him shooting at the Cajuns out of them they it didn't, isn't just a blank nothing like you can get killed from a blank exactly it makes but, no sense. But if they don't fire at them, then how? What other way? Well, no, did they Jeremy, disrespect so them just by taking by, their boats? By taking their boats, because that's going to piss them off that much that they're going to massacre. Well, everybody. the other dudes yeah. Jeremy, have, have no reason for getting French. raped. They're speaking French for one thing. They they're very not compliant with the rest of the world. Anyways, you think a note is going to prevent them from going to or, fuck or, you up or, because or, or, you borrowed their dude? fucking canoes? Okay, no, here's another shooting at notes. them is pointless. Here's another thing. They Listen, stole here, the here, Jeremy, I'll answer your question, right? Let's say that the dude's like standing there and they're like, hey, fuck you or something like the one soldier. And then the other soldier fucking elbows him and then the gun goes off. That is more believable to me. Mm. <laughs> you know? I'm, saying that, I'm not saying that this setup is don't. like ridiculous. Like, I think it's they completely don't need to have the, the shooting the blanks at all. I mean, I, we understand this has already been established, but even them taking the boats is enough because there's a le- well, there was well, I don't know if it would be enough for them to fucking actually shoot people and shit. Yeah. I don't know if them taking the boats would be a, a, a believable thing that they would go and massacre everybody. Well, why not? Why not? It's, it's, it's the guys it's got their communication the with movie. getting back to the getting back That's, to the village. Without the boats, dude, they're stranded out in the bayou, man. They don't have yeah, their they fucking can boats, die they die. That. Of course they're gonna go and fuck these guys up. You just put their lives in jeopardy. And at least I can believe they established that, some, that the boats some were a crazy big thing. people uh, at least I can believe some crazy hermit in the woods is crazy. What I can't believe is these military soldiers are crazy. Like, I just you know think what I mean? them like blowing up the house would have been a more believable setup well, than the, fucking taking that's their. That's ridiculous boys. too. Oh shit! See, I think I think <laughs> a little bit. I think a little bit of. 
I mean, some of the characters are believable because they have... There's, like, a whole clusterfuck of characters here, man. Like, we've got... We've got, we've got all types of different types of characters. We've got cynics. We got fucking nihilists. We've got realists. Like that because we've got under- heroes, anti-heroes. We've got all these type of uh, nihilists. We've got everybody involved in this. Yeah, but it's the National Guard in the seventies. It was totally different back then than the National uh, Guard now. It was oh, less stressful go. and less laid the rest than it is now because now Have it's you ever more. Met mil- somebody in the that was a veteran in the national guard or anything you know what i mean like dude, these people yeah, I are not those people. Few people that were in the national guard i just i, I think that these people were acting completely ridiculous well, stereotypical of the, the time entire- periods too they're playing the stereotypes of that time period especially with like the shell shock veterans but these aren't even people who these are people who are in training exercises and stuff like i mean these guys shouldn't be war torn and like it makes more sense in like a film like platoon where there's like this animosity towards each other they're in war and the you know the, the soldiers are they on technically each other. now in war yeah but you know what we don't know the full long, history you know, we don't know the full history of these guys you know not coming either. back from the war and you know and okay so they're done doing their tours but now okay, they're working so the national have to guard establish that then because nobody's i think only one person out of the people was said to be in Nam, right? And it was like the sergeant or something. The like guy these that, other guys weren't the guy that gets shot in the head. Or is, guy, do, do they establish it? Do they establish that Fred Ward was in his character? I think Reese? they only established that one person was actually in a war. Yeah, I actually can't remember. Yeah. What about like, the atmosphere? Isn't the atmosphere good awesome? Atmosphere. <laughs> the atmosphere is awesome. Oh, dude, this movie's shot incredible. It's fucking. This must have been a terrible shoot. You know, no, so no pun intended. <laughs> but just shooting in the bayou like that in those in those the, conditions. The best, and- the best part of this film is the atmosphere, uh, the feeling of, you know, being hunted a little bit. And after, like ninety percent of the characters dying, we're left with like two. The two main ones. Yeah, that, and then there's actual suspense. The final scene, the final end part of this film, very suspenseful, very good. Um, there's a, there's some good performances in this film, though, man. Hard film for me to Powers buy. Booth, Powers Booth, Fred Ward, kill it, man, in this film. They do Keith great. Carradine. Yeah, Carradine does all right. Carradine, Carradine's good, but I think Ward and Booth steal the fucking show in this film. I didn't know who was who. Like we I said, it's we it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do to write. A movie with these many characters stuck in one place like this for a long period of time. Every war film you know, is, though. I, mm, but they move around in a That's large why these type landscape. Of films always have these throwaway movie. characters too. It's just like this. This movie it feels we like a, a smaller landscape than a war movie. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nulls, yeah, but I'm nulls, saying nulls like that's typically line. what a what a war film is. It's like nine guys that you know a couple of people that don't get any screen time but are there yeah you know and and you develop these characters and and you and you tell the story yeah but everyone is fleshed out in this movie not fleshed out but everyone has some sort of story and yeah, most of them are ridiculous they do i think hmm. i think they developed the characters enough that it gave them all an identity for having so yeah. many characters within the film i mean you know enough like, I don't, about them like yeah. i don't buy like the guy who goes crazy like i don't buy like I don't buy crazy like that. That's like that's like a little bit overacting in my opinion, or a little bit overridden. The one that they tie the rope around. Yeah, that's some bullshit. 
Yeah, he's overzealous, but he's also religious too. The way that because he draws the cross on, he, he's like the overzealous yeah, character. Ridiculous! How is he religious? He just blew up a fucking house. Well, he's, but the whole reason why he draws the cross on his chest, we didn't have to do that either. Well, that, that's why actually, is it, he it's doing actually any one of, the, of this? It's why on, is he even doing any of this? It's one of the stupidest parts, though, to be honest, because he he really does it for. There's no gain here whatsoever. Well, he was kind of shocked because he was actually close to Sarge, and Sarge was like his friend. So no, 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 for sure. We understand why he did it, but like, he, it's obviously like a little bit of a revenge So what is that going to do? But he didn't, save, a fucking house. he didn't save the fucking goods in it. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't know. give him shit for that. It's like, dude, you just ruined everything that we could have had for survival here. It's crazy. Nothing makes sense with that stuff. Like, it's like, you're drawing attention. You're, you're you know, you're in survival, like... There's people that can probably hear a loud bang and come look in and like. If these people are retarded with the amount of bullets that they have and they're wasting bullets, shoot them in the air and shooting them at trees and so like it's ridiculous. There's only one scene that I think really that. Well, they all have blanks besides the one guy. Well, they they, 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 they divvied up all the they ammo. They spread right? them out. They, they divvied up. Yeah, they get like two and a half right. each or something. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they divvied up and yeah. I mean, it's the one guy. He's like, oh, I think I see him, but it actually, turns out he did see them. <laughs> so he actually was yeah. shooting at somebody, but. But yeah, like I, I is who's that. the good? Like none of these people are likable either. Not really. really? <laughs> and I and I'm always the one that says you don't have to like people to let to like a movie. But like in this <laughs> case, like I'm I'm just I, I just don't know, man. I I had a a very rough time with this one. Um, I don't, know. I don't I th- think it's all bad either, though, because I do think like I think almost if you if I knew this going in. I would have been able to handle it better. Um, but expecting one thing and getting something paradigmly paradigm shift different, you know what I mean? Like it was like a paradigm shift where it with my, what I thought was going to happen. Um, and it's like, if you take this more of like an exploitation film, then I think it can work. You cannot take this movie serious, but it feels like it's trying to be serious is the problem. I don't. I, I don't. I don't really have a problem with taking it serious. I don't think it's like silly or anything. I mean, I think Ugh. there's enough. I think there's an. I mean, I think it's. I think you're so driven by the the setup. You hated the setup so much. This film that like the rest of the film was just like. A but total it just letdown. keeps going, dude. Blowing up the house is just as ridiculous as. Um, I said the, that. The I, shooting the blanks. I do. That. Where does it I, get I to that. the point where it's like not the setup anymore, and it's actually like the movie? Some of the resolutions for the characters aren't really the greatest. I mean, there. <laughs> so what, what did you think about like the booby traps and shit? <laughs> booby traps. <laughs> Bo- booby booby traps. I thought he said booby. That's what I said. He said booby trap. Uh, cribs, cribs, man. He he goes down hard, man. That fucking yeah. that wall of spikes. Yeah. That, was yeah, that reminded me of fucking. Um, he, had, uh, he, he had like the best line Dr. before Dr. that too with the, the bear Holocaust. traps, though. The right, Jeremy. Holocaust. <laughs> Jeremy, what was that line that you like that, that had the bear traps and what the woman? Oh yeah, no, no, no. It's just like no. I talked about the ex- the fucking explosions. Like that, it's like one of the craziest explosions I've ever no, I love seen. The steel uh, pussy, and he's like, "What kind of woman you hanging with?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That part yeah, was funny. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that explosion scene when they fucking blew up that cabin was like 
literally insane. They had to put literally so much <laughs> no, TNT dude, in I was house. thinking like, oh my god, everybody's going to get splintered to death right now. <laughs> like they literally had to put so many pounds of TNT in that house because it literally like disintegrated when they fucking pushed the button. Like <laughs> everything <know>? was everything <laughs> was like turned into like toothpick sized pieces. <laughs> yeah. It literally just went like <laughs> Yeah, that was a gnarly explosion. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, Yeah, man. I, I mean... I pretty much said all I want to. You guys can go. Derek, it was, Derek, it was your pick, man. So, are you disappointed right now? I'm are you sad. sad. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. So, what are your thoughts I like on this one? Well, okay. well, this isn't my first time watching this film either. I just, one that I go back to. Yeah, Southern Hunter. What can I say about it? It's an interesting aspect because if you watch special features, Will Walter Hill wasn't even trying to make a film about Vietnam. It's pretty much the way he was talking about it and the making it. It's like a western, and the way the aspects of the characters and stuff. Where you, a western film is a different aspect with like you could have. It would have made more sense because these are not trained, disciplined. Human beings. Yeah, you wanted to have like that rugged, like yeah, you wanted to have like the rugged feel of a western inside of like a war film type of with like the ghost cards and stuff, which I can get, and I actually do like that aspect of it, and I do like the characters for what they are because they're other like the stereotypicals of that time period that they're supposed to represent, and. just terrific performances from Powers Booth, and I even enjoy Keith Carradine as the sly fucking uh, Spencer. Yeah, that's his name. I always liked Keith Carradine in movies. He's really good. I really enjoyed him. And uh, Fred Ward and all of them I really enjoyed, even though some of the actions that I do kind of agree are kind of ridiculous and over the top. But I still enjoyed him for it. It's not terribly made movie it has some great atmosphere with the setting of this Louisiana bayou great atmosphere it does it really does have great atmosphere and I love the music by Ry Cooter it really goes well with the film especially that haunting theme in the beginning with the guitar it's really hypnotic and gets you into the mood of what's to come especially and yeah even though like the Cajun like Brian James's Cajun accent <laughs> in this movie where he's like fuck off when he's on the fucking bridge it's fucking hilarious Fucking <laughs> Brian James, fucking hilarious. Yeah. But yeah I highly enjoy this film. It has some great cinematography, great performances, some great action sequences and stuff. And it has some thrilling moments. Like I said, even though, like, even though you said that it's kind of ridiculous situations, people do make ridiculous choices and lives and it could fuck them up. I feel like, I feel like, yeah, they do. But um, I feel like when you're dealing with trained soldiers, it's different, man. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, they're, they're literally taught to remain cool under Yeah, it was situations. the National Guard in the 70s. It's not like the actual, like, if they were in actual war, I could see where you're going. But the National Guard was way different back then, too, man. But I, I think on I any level, much about but it, I think I on any level of the military, it, though, I think in any level of the military, man, no matter what level you're on or what you're doing, there still is a code. And I, I'm pretty sure within the I code think the only one that blanks at fellow like, soldiers, I'm pretty sure part of the code is to not shoot firearms at your 
I don't know because they act I like literally the, just first, said that. I don't know, but they act like the idiotic, like uh, sometimes like like the guard in First Blood. They act like that too, like in that movie. They don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've never do been it in, in that situation they also either. Do it for too, entertainment either. value in this too, though. I mean, if you have soldiers acting like soldiers in within a film, what do you got? Yeah. Pretty fucking boring Platoon. film. Platoon, <laughs> yeah, fucking Full Metal Jacket, tons of great movies. It is, it's, talking about but, but soldiers, there's still moments never... in these films too where there, there's ridiculous shit that's going on. Yeah, but, that's true too. Yeah, but it's 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 that's true it. shit that happens. <laughs> I, I this bullshit it doesn't happen in my opinion man this is just I, you know I, I've been having to say that lately I love it 9 out of 10 9 out of 10 but listen this is the first time that I've come down and they kill real animals too which is like ugh you know what I, I mean they slaughter those man. fucking pigs man I told yeah. you man watch Strike that movie I did is, watch it yeah it's it's influenced clearly it's influenced I didn't see it but yes it is man watch it watch Southern I Company I did watch it you sent me the clip of it. I watched it too. Animals die that way when you shoot them in the head. It it, it is it, they cut back and forth very similarly from that movie to this movie. It's very I similar. I agree. I agree, Jeremy. Okay, what movie? It's called Strike. It's from nineteen twenty. No, 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 nineteen eighteen. It's a Soviet montage film. I'll send you the clip. But I was wrong with fucking Phantom's Carriage too. With it being influenced by The Shining, I'm telling you. I never mofo, said you was wrong with that. This mofo is influenced I agree with that. by Strike. Telling you. All right, um, I, me, dude. I actually talked myself down points in this one. I initially was coming in at a seven point five, which is, you know, a little bit higher than you probably would expect. Um, but I did, I did really give credit to the the entire end part when they go to the festival because i found it was really tense and it was really suspense suspenseful but after really thinking about this movie talking about it a little bit i have to at least come down another half point we go with a seven it's not it's it's i hearken on the things that that bugged me the most but that but it isn't like a dreadful film or anything it's it has it's like a well-made movie everything except for script you know what I mean? And it's only really the first half of the movie that's that's ridiculous. I think if you look at this film like it's an exploitation film, more like The Warriors or something, because there's a lot of shit that don't make sense to Warriors, too. If you look at it more like that, I think it's probably more enjoyable. Yeah, technically, it is kind of like The Warriors. Yeah, but I it didn't it was not it didn't feel like it was set up like that is my problem. I feel yeah. like you only realize that after you're fucking blowing up houses. <laughs> yeah, I just and when I'm watching this film, I'm taking it as an allegory to you know Vietnam, and if if you look at it like that, I mean, yeah, I mean the setup is still silly, but it's still it's still a battle, and that's just the way I perceive it, man. I mean, it's it's a very entertaining film. It's a flawed film. It has ridiculous moments in it, exploding the hut, which is still ridiculous. <laughs> No matter, because they're standing like four feet from it when they do it. Like, fuck, how many codes did they break doing that? Um, and this, uh, it, it's ridiculous. But honestly, dude, like, the ride through it was pretty fun. There's a lot of dis. There's like a dis. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but there's there's a couple parts in the film. I'm like, how the fuck did the Cajuns get over there to like? <laughs> yeah. There was one part in yeah. the film where they dug the bodies back up. 
And yeah. I was like, how the fuck did they get back behind them and then get over there? <laughs> I was like, there's there's this very problematic right now that doesn't actually make sense, <laughs> right? So yeah. I was having a little bit of issues with that. Um, kind of disassociation Jason with said this shit's scenes. better than Deliverance. Uh, there's a little bit of disassociation with some of the scenes. I think they're just kind of, it's kind of weird. But, you know, as a whole product, though, man, I did enjoy some of the characters, man. I mean, like I said, it's a collection of just fucky characters. Like I said, you got the cynics and the nihilists and, and fucking, you know, the heroes and the anti-heroes and the realists. You got yeah, them all man. in this fucking... And you know what, dude? I'm glad you mentioned that because you're kind of right. And honestly, like, Derek was mentioning it earlier, like, that he wanted it to be kind of like a Western. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm just thinking, if this was not set with military soldiers and it was fucking outlaws or fucking... You know, gunslingers or, Indians, or anything, yeah. anything else, and yeah. really anything else. Yeah, it would have made it would have fit way better. It it wouldn't have come off as just wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I get you. You're making a good point with that. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you you kind of put all that together and stuff. I mean, it's just it's a very it's an unsettling film too. I mean, I really do like the third act in this film. I don't like the last shot in the film though. I will say I don't like that at all. Um, I don't really want to go into spoiler territories, but I, I'm going to say I don't yeah, like the very. That's actually very, my main grade with this film. I forgot to mention. I don't like the very last shot in the film, and you know, I it wasn't. Damn Iranians did it right. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. I but, think I would like the Iranian cut better, dude. That sounds more serious. <laughs> Um, but yeah, U.S. Man, killing their own soldiers. I had a blast watching Powers Booth in this film. I thought he was great, man. I thought Fred Ward was. R.I.P. Just too. died this year too. He did. Yeah. Is yeah. that that dude? Wait, yeah, that that Powers Booth from Frailty. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, man. I, yeah, and Derek mentioned the, the music. Oh fuck, dude! Opening music in this film is so fucking, fucking amazing. Good man, that score is so good. It's a great setup. It, you know, it's too bad. You know, just five minutes later, it goes a little wonky. But, um, but no, it's uh, it's a very enjoyable film. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. I think it's beautiful. Okay. I think it's well shot. It's a very, it's a cinematic journey. It's an unsettling, atmospheric type of film that I I enjoyed. Man, I really enjoyed it. You know, so yeah. Surprisingly, moods. I also came in at an eight out of ten. Well, wow. yeah. yeah. It's, Man, it's I'm not mad at your range, JP. It's, it's just you, you, it's you brought of, up your that? points and stuff. You know what I mean? You did bring up good points of why you didn't like it. So, so it's one no, of those I'm, things where I was instantly turned off by what I was seeing, and I'm like. I, I try to get uh, back on board. I saw, I feel like Dave Z tonight, man, because he says shit like this all the time, like where he's just like with the hitcher, where he's like, "Yep, just was out of it right away," you know. And I, I, I kept, I didn't turn the hitch, I didn't turn this shit off though. I watched the whole thing, obviously. But, man, um, it is so <laughs> seldom that I ever that, that that ever happens to me. Like, there's things that happen at the beginning of film sometimes where I roll my eyes, but I'm, it's yeah. never enough to like pull me out of it and actually press stop on the Blu-ray player. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like, I, I, I always find done, that I haven't done that. Like, I always try to find the good and shit. You know me. I always try to find the good and stuff. And sometimes, like, I've literally watched films before where the first 40 minutes are like, Jesus Christ, I just want to shoot myself in the fucking head with a BB gun repeatedly. And and then it gets so good. You know, like, I know there's a lot of people out there would have never gotten past that point. So yeah. I know it's rare to have happened, but I just, I always want to see what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. 
even with the Benista Mississippi, who knows I might even finish that film. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we don't oh, know but... That's a rough one. <laughs> it's like um but you know, I bought this on Blu-ray. I'm not mad about the purchase. Like I'm happy to I'm I'm happy to have it in the collection. I'm I want to show it to my grandfather and see what he thinks because he's like he loves Westerns. He loves war films. He's mm-hmm. like classic grandpa, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I want to see what he thinks because I don't know if he would like this, honestly, um, for similar reasons as me. But I don't know. He likes a lot of shit that I don't like too. But um, yeah, we all do. So I yeah, kind yeah. of want. I would kind of be interested to see it again later, not anytime soon. Yeah. Um, Maybe watch the special like, features too because they go in depth on those two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely it was this was an interesting episode to me because like it's something we don't typically do like Derek tricked us into doing some non horrors um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's nice it's a, it was a nice like little break from from what we normally do and uh, uh, actually it was yeah. like Boy and His Dog Part Two you know yeah I actually, I actually had I mean I'm, besides being deathly sick this week I had a lot of fun prepping for this show because you know I got to watch Southern Comfort which was a first time watch for me I'd never seen the film before. And I hadn't watched Deliverance in a long time. And you had to pay forty dollars to get it. <laughs> yeah, and I paid forty. <laughs> That's yeah, not even a joke. That I not know the price was out. Yeah, I saw percent. the price tag. I was like, um, but then I also got introduced to an anime film that I never uh, would have watched. This was a really. It was a strange episode. Definitely was a strange episode. So. Uh, well, I already, and I got to revisit I, under the skin, so it was really fucking cool. I like this Patreon thing, man. I hope, uh, I hope I actually, the good yeah, I love the in. Patreon thing. Yeah, it's fun, man. It's actually, making me watch all kind of cool shit. I can't wait to pick my next movie because I already know what I'm picking. Is it horror? It is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah. dude. So like, I had fun with this episode. Uh, there was something I was gonna say, but I fucking I'm tired and forgot. Uh, yeah. It had something you to do with something. This is a Cinema Tag Twenty Two Shots crossover. On that yeah, note, on that note, man, Derek, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on the show, and you know being a Patreon oh. supporter. Of course, I, I think when yeah. you guys get your Patreon um, going, if you do, I guess we'll have to we'll have to donate some of that. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait till we get like to maybe like. At least 70 episodes, maybe. We're trying to make the episode four right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But thanks you for coming on the show. What do you this got Your Baker's Dozen. Next. Baker's Dozen. Oh, episode four, we, uh, it's going to be our next episode. Episode three actually just dropped today. We did our Korean cinema show. Yeah, I saw if you that. haven't checked that one out, really good. And next one is we're doing actually some Brandon episode. Definitely. We're doing musicals. We're doing Hedwig. Oh, come on. Musicals? Yeah, yeah, it's actually one of the only categories of subgenres I never watched. You so. just proved show, that ba- Brandon is. You guys gay. watching Crybaby at least? No, we're doing Hedwig and the Angry Inch and the Phantom of the Opera. Oh, that's fun. I like Crybaby. John I like Crybaby too. Singing in the Rain, man, doesn't get more classic than that. Yeah, but it's his favorite film. That's why he wants to cover it. Hedwig. Crazy. It's his favorite film. Yeah, transvestite musical. What a weird dude. See, Brandon. Brandon actually is gay. That's crazy. I would have picked. I would have picked. Fiddler Summed up in the, the word root. musical. Come on. How can you not pick Fiddler actually, on the Roof, my fellow Jew? Come to be on. honest, yeah, I, we were, we, it's it's cool because no one really talks about Hedwig on a podcast. Too true that. I always thought Brandon was fucking around when he said he loved musicals. This is the number one <laughs> film. Oh, this is this is actually insane. true story. This is insane to me. I'm like actually lost for words right now. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Huh. But anyways, um, yeah, but yeah, you're all. What, what do we got coming up next? All three uh, guest stars on that show when, it, when we plan them out more. Yeah, like, man. Where those episodes are going to be. Man. 
give me a shout out anytime. I know Jeremy's excited to do the two films that we talked about. Yeah. But I yeah. think I'm what the fuck I do we got I'm going on? Tired. Uh one eleven. Well, I did wanted to talk about that at yeah, some point. Well, not on air. I mean, oh. just period. Craven Connors um, wanted to. Okay, well, maybe we won't even talk about it on air. So, anyways, guys, uh, that is enough. That's seriously enough for this show. We've been recording for mm-hmm. I don't know how long, and uh, four and, and a even, half hours, and even and then, more, a, and then times, like an hour before that too. Yeah, so it's been it's been a long night, and I'm my it's a long hour. Ready I to literally show. explode. My sinuses hurt so fucking bad right now. Uh, so that's going to conclude episode one ten. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, Jeremy. You want to take us the full card, y'all? All right. Thank you to everybody for listening to episode 110 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you can do so at youtube.com slash mood 616. If you want to follow the man JP, which I don't know why, because he still shouldn't have gotten that box set, including reanimator, you can do so at youtube.com slash double shot J. And as always, you can follow my sand-filled vagina ass at youtube.com slash NESRuler22. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce their YouTube channel. So just follow him on Cinema Attack. All the info will be down up above or down below. He's on the Horror Feeling Network. Come over there and support Derek, the Jew, and the Frenchie. <laughs> and as always... Leave us voicemail 724 426 6665. You can leave us email 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. That's 22 shots of moods and the horror at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast. And as always, join us on the Facebook page, facebook.com search bar 22 shots of moods and horror podcast. And as always, please support the Patreon to get the sand sucked out of my vagina. <laughs> Patreon.com slash 22 shots podcast. So that should do it, everybody. For episode 110 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast, we shall be back next week with episode 111 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast, or hopefully we shall be doing the Grave Encounter films. So we shall talk to you guys soon for episode 111. Peace. Fuck Peace. you, Jerry. Peace. Peace.